Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 125 of RPG Digest. In segment one of this live stream formatted podcast, we provide first look introductions or deep dive read throughs of tabletop role playing games. In segment two, Heathen Dog's got like 95 segments of overviews, fun <laughs> fundamentals, and how to's of uh, how to do Shadowrun today, but systems, settings, and the mechanics of various tabletop RPGs. Of course, we'll spice up those segments with our own thoughts, experiences, and opinions. I am John Maxley Oshlo, your favorite curmudgeon. I get that's two weeks in a row. I can't say the word. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Curmudgeon, curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Curmudgeon. See, there you go. Curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. See, I can do it. Along with me, as usual, is the Dark Soul, which powers our heresy. Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Heretic! Oh, <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that today. That We're going to get into that segment one today. Exterminate. Not a Dalek. <laughs> Are you? Hey, you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna glass a planet, eh, call that extermination. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that's what it is. <laughs> I hope everyone's doing well. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, let's see uh, what happened to me this week. Not a whole lot. It was pretty pretty tame. Pretty tame week. Kind of maintain. Uh, my uh, my son got his report card from last semester. I think it was Monday, and uh, he got 4.0 GPA, which is good. Wow, very happy good. about that. Because you know, A is average, B is loser. That's that's how I roll. So okay. if you got anything besides an A, you'd be in trouble. You expect too much. Yes, I do. You know why? The world expects everything. I don't fully agree with that, but I, but I get it. I mean, you, you have to learn. My, my my issue with that is there's just some things you couldn't make me learn because I wasn't interested and there wasn't any chance. I'd take the beating before. I oh, would no, I'm not going to beat him. <laughs> no, I know, no, but I would. You know that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but there's just some things I was 100% not interested in and I coasted through just to just to get the damn grade and then I was out. I, I understand that. And I had that same mentality, which is why my grade point average was 2.7. Because I got A's on all the tests, and I got zeros on all the homework. Well, see, that was weird because most of my classes in school, that was okay. So I did the same thing. It's weird. I'm opposite now. I can't ace any test, but I can do all. <laughs> it's weird how life no. changes. But uh, but I did the same thing. But I still I had a three point nine eight GPA going into my senior year. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's really what I graduated with. What? A two point four nine. Wow. You checked out that whole I, I year. I was done. I no, I really was. I was absolutely done. Well, yeah. What ended up what ended up angering me is a lot of the school districts around me could end school as long as you had enough credits halfway through the senior year. Sure. My school said no, and I'm like, I already have credits. I've graduated. You can't stop me from graduating. You're making me come here. All right. <laughs> that's I have 48 that's absences in a 42 day quarter in physics. I don't know how that's possible. But because he told me if I was ever gone for more than five minutes, he was going to mark me absent twice. Apparently he did. I don't, I, I don't see how that would hold up to actual scrutiny, but okay. <laughs> School, I didn't care. Okay. Yeah, but uh, the, what, what I'm doing is implanting the idea that, that busy work has a purpose. And uh, getting through it is the deal. Re repetition, you know, creates long-term memory faster than many other things sure. and that's yep. what the school does that's you know there, there are other ways to do it but that's the way most schools do it so that's what you got to do so as long as i get him that he'll i'll get him halfway to a good worth act work ethic as well because he'll be able to push through dumb shit to actually you know get get to the stuff that's important 
and not check out like we did. Yeah. Uh, so I'm of two minds on that one. I, I absolutely agree with what you're coming from. I'm also of the uh, the side that says, you know, you do have to, you're still a child. You have to do what you're told. And there's a reason for it as long as you explain that reason, right? The other part of me says part of growing up is exploring. Part of growing up is questioning. And hell, part of being an adult is questioning. And what, I, what I'm a little nervous about school systems, even looking back when I was going through the school system, is it a great job of, uh, of creating sheep, which I think I was one. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't do a great job of instilling um, qu uh, questioning, you know, scrutiny, which is what universities were supposed to be. And that's what they always told us, like, hey, right now, your children, you have to do what you're told. When you get to college, when you get to university, that's when the doors can be open for you to explore a lot of different things. But we have to give you the groundwork to get there. And, you know, made sense. But now even universities, it's just indoctrination as well. So yeah. it's like, yeah. but, but that, again, I'm not I'm not questioning your your style. No, no I understand. I understand. Yeah, but as as long as he still asks me why things are the way they are, <laughs> that's fine. I'm cool with it. You know, do do your work, do your repetition, do your busy work, do it to the best of your ability. You can hate it if you want. That's fine. That's up to you. That's personal <laughs> personal feelings. I don't care about your feelings. Neither does the world. Hold on still a second. Get it done. Is but, uh, it? Is it not as, working as on Rumble? As, yeah. As as long as you're asking why things are. I'll answer the best of my ability. If I don't have that answer, I'll go find it because that's part of my job. All right. Apparently the rumble stream isn't working and I'm going to have to fix it. Uh-oh. About 60 years ago. Uh, well, I don't think that says, is. No, no. I, I would go back to 2010. Oh, I'd go before then because I my friends who went through in the late 90s were starting to get indoctrinated. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So 30, 40 years ago. Not, not 60. 30, 40, I'd say. Yeah, the people I knew who were like the one generation right before when I heard some of the stuff that they got to do in school and they could get grants for, just had this wild hair, wanted to do this thing, test it, man. The university gave me money to do it. <laughs> like, oh, wow. You know, now it's like, that isn't the thing that uh, that agrees with what we want to talk about. Um, I'm going to have to back out of this for a moment. In order oh, wait, no, I think I can add somebody here. Yes, I can do it. I can do it right here. So, uh. Dude. Yeah, Max says he was in the 2000s. It was getting bad. I keep telling my son, he's he's 11. College is a scam. Don't do it. There's some reasons for it. Yeah, yeah. If if you want to be a doctor or an engineer, yeah. it's necessary. Okay, but for normal life, 90% of of people I've met that have an advanced degree don't even work in that field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's also some of the misnomers of the people that I knew growing up in the 90s and 2000s. They'd be like, I went to school for something else and this isn't my first job, blah, blah, blah. And, and I knew so. it's funny because that was an expectation in the past. Mm -hmm. Like your, your first job isn't going to be what you went to school for. First job is to get out in the workforce, start paying off that student loan, yada, yada. But man, by the time I got 2000s, I knew people like, I won't, I'm not going to take a job I didn't go to school for. It's like, um, that's not how this is supposed to work. I mean, That's unless you study to be a doctor or an engineer, you know, then you're not, you might not get that first job. But, you know, if you spend eight years learning to be a doctor and then you're a barista, <clears throat> lots of things went wrong. <laughs> lots of things went wrong. Or a lawyer. You know, if, if, uh, like, like a, a friend of mine, you know him too, uh, he, he went to law school. He was a lawyer for a while and he hated it and he moved to teaching. That's fine. But he got to be a lawyer. Okay, that's great. But if you get a, a degree in 
you know, English literature, what can you do with that? And you want to be more than a librarian. Yeah. You can't do I, I have a ton of friends. I would say 50% of the friends that I have that are gamer friends, I should say, um, you know, not counting all my military friends, so on and so forth, but my gamer friends, 50% of them have philosophy history degrees. Guess what? 99% of them do. I can name one person that has a functioning career. Okay. And then and then she married up. <laughs> so she doesn't even well, need it. You know. Fair. But uh, uh other than that, uh no. No, or or uh, that's a lie because I just thought about there's one other person and she works so far outside of her degree that her degree was nothing but uh, I, I'd consider a waste of time. And I saw a couple of chats in there. I'm definitely a fan of micro. I'm definitely a fan of trade schools. And yep. one of the things that I've said, and this is more of a Friday Night Chill Stream thing, but I'll say it here. One of the things that people have heard me say a lot, go out and hug your garbage man. First of all, garbage man makes a, ch a chunk of money. <laughs> uh, secondly, oh, yeah. they, they, they don't make bad money. As a matter of fact, uh, you remember... It was it 2014 when I had the, the big flood here and I lost my basement and, mm -hmm, and yep. all of my stuff, the whole street, it was just lined up six feet high walls on the curb of just new garbage. Mm -hmm. That was, and the garbage men came three times a day for two weeks. I went out there with bottles of water and, and energy bars, giving it to him. Absolutely. Man, you're, you're, you're doing great work. Here you go. And, and he's all, oh, this is great. This is great. He opened it right away. It's like, it could be poison. No, no, he, he doesn't care. <laughs> he's been working too long he's th throwing a bag at the at the driver he's yep. chugging away on that, that person is doing a public service number one and number two something you don't want to do that should yeah. be somebody you respect not somebody yeah. you like oh do you want to be a garbage man the rest of your life it, it's the same thing as a plumber yes plumber and electrician you know i i know how to wire my house i don't want to do it i i know how to do basic plumbing but mm -hmm. anything beyond basic i can't do it so I need a plumber. Well, it's funny about the plumber thing. Outside the handyman sign, this is a side, this isn't to disparage handyman, but if you remember when I got out of the Air Force, I got tasked or tagged to go to this blind study thing. I didn't know what it was. They're like, hey, we're not telling you, whatever. But since you're getting out, we want to hit people in tap um it's tap stand for transition assistant program. That's for when you're getting out, getting back in the civilian world. Um, I'm just like, sure, why not? It's gonna help me get a job, right? So uh, I uh, go to this thing and it was all about being a plumber. So we got in there. The guys like, so how many here want to be a plumber? And we're all looking at each other like, what? No. Oh, no. but and by the time the briefing was done, I was like, how do you sign me up, buddy? And, <laughs> no, and, and, and the reason was, is because it wasn't about pulling shit out of a toilet. It was about, oh, by the way, do you know how to do the math to calculate the, the plumbing needs to get water to the top floor of a skyscraper? Or, or something as simple that, that uh, amateur plumbers don't understand is gradient. Okay. You know, the, the, the pipe has to have a certain gradient to, to flow properly or else it's going to back up all the time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to crap out on you, like literally. Or like how S, like S pipes are no longer legal in most states. Oh, yeah, and you, yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, Squirrel Hermit said something that's going to trigger me and that's not for the stream. So, <laughs> hey, I'm not a fan of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm 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 uh, pushing him toward uh, uh, certification training, trade mm -hmm. school stuff like that because all of that is is immediate. You know, it's it's either two months up to eight months of training, and then you're sure. boom, you're making you know minimum sixty seventy thousand a year. Welders, and, man, depending on where you are, depending on welders. This well, world needs oh, yeah. way more welders. Oh yeah, yeah, welding. My my, is, my dad before is. he died. Because uh, his alcoholism got him kicked out of a few jobs. <laughs> but uh, he used to work for Tasty Bread. Those of you who ate Tasty Bread in the 80s, hmm, I wonder what was it. No, he didn't do that. He's actually a, a good guy. But uh, um, he didn't fight club he, anything. He didn't. 
no, no, no. Okay. Uh, but 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 he he was he was a god into welding and uh, that spot welding stuff that he was doing for I beams, dude. He was making all types oh, yeah. of money. So uh, yeah, the, you know, the higher up in a building you go, the more money you get paid. Yep, that's true. So, but uh, yeah, uh, the the uh, the education fund that I'm that I put in money for every month is general education, not university. It's any education. Cool. Trade school, any certification that is either state or or or, or federally backed is completely covered by it. Uh, any kind of uh, um, like e even community center adult enrichment programs is covered by it. Okay. Well, so I'm going to ask one question just because I'm curious. Does he, I mean, has he shown his uh, predilections for any interest yet? He has shown interest in, uh, in basic coding. Okay. So now there would be a good reason for a university. Not necessarily that you have to have it, but that. No, would... you don't really have to. I mean, you, you can but get that, a bunch of that... certifications and do the job. Yeah. But that, that's that programmed environment, because I hate to say this, and this is the part where university and the job system are like yeah is uh, a lot of those interview questions and a lot of those interview tasks college prepares you for that not that i'm saying it's right that's the only way to learn i mean i, I didn't do a lot of, actually i never did university for what i do for a job but uh there are a lot of those little functions that working with the team and those processes the university side or the or the trade school side can be uh, very helpful for uh, von zark on our discord for example uh he did was it two years through a through a, a community college, and then I think he finished his degree through a university or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you uh, depending on the university, because each university is different. What what credits it accepts from a community yeah. college, but uh, around here, the the University of Michigan accepts like ninety percent of the credits from several of the community colleges in the in the county. Cool. So. So you kids got options and that's always what's best is having yeah. options. These parents that say, you got, you, well, you, you're going to go to university or you're not going to be anything like, no, 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 that's no. bullshit. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm hoping, but by the time he's 18 and is moving out, I am, I am hoping that he already has an investment property, either, uh, either a, uh, a duplex triplex or a quad that, uh, that he owns and he has people paying the rent for him. He has to live there for a year to get to get all the proper benefits but after that he can move out and just have it make money for him and then do whatever else i don't even That's have what that. I'm for him. <laughs> and and i'll and by by then i'll have the money to assist him in that of course i'm going to get paid too so don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> kindness my heart that doesn't exist <laughs> you heard it here first folks <laughs> All right, well, uh, to, to switch here uh, my week those of you who watch friday chill stream already know i don't have a an external computer from work therefore i can't monitor legion of myth at all but that's you're on work time i don't sit all day at that thing going like this i've had a couple people say well you know maybe you should have had it if you were just doing uh personal stuff where no i monitor it same way that i listen to youtube so i can get stuff done when somebody's smacking his damn potato chips next to me you know that's kind of what that computer was for so, i have uh, only had one job where i had to be on all the time where i had to be at the computer and that, that was uh, uh, at Frontier Communications at the Network Monitoring Center. I had to monitor telephone lines all across the country. And they, and they just kept coming in. Updates kept coming in. I had to be there all the time. But that's the only job I ever had where there, where there wasn't like hurry up and wait. Yeah, well, I mean, my current job, uh, I got stuff to do in the morning. Pay attention, you know, then I look over at Discord. You know, it's basically taking a break, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and while I'm doing something here, I might get a bling. It's like, okay, I'm at a point where I can look over. It's I'm still getting my work done. So 
anyway uh but yeah i lost that so pretty much comments have not been answered on youtube videos i all the videos that you've been clipping for your mech warrior stuff i haven't i haven't looked at them um what else i I didn't advertise any of the videos that popped up this week Uh, the only thing that happened were the auto posters like none of them were promoted anywhere else what's that and the short well the short you sent me so i mean yeah yeah but you still Uh, had to post it right you still yeah um i yesterday take the win it should have been on (laughs) wednesday but yeah yesterday (laughs) uh but yeah uh i'll take the win although the friday chill stream was a good one so that that definitely ended the week well i was happy about that so and got it's funny the viewership was down but i got a few more comments and most of the comments were like uh hey that was a good stream so all right so that's it so i think we get into um get into our topics for today what do you think i think it's a good idea all right well you know before i do that though got got announcements to make Uh same announcements that everybody watches the streams always here but you know what maybe you could pass some of those announcements on so first We want to thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donation. You see, you know what? Heathen Dog doesn't know this, but I get, had two giveaways on Friday. Two. No, you told me about one. I know about two, you son of a Two giveaways on Friday that came out of the Twitch money. <laughs> I, I had to do it that way. I'll, I'll transfer the rest over. But anyway, so that was for have, helping us hit 4,000 subscribers. That's right. Even for those of you who don't mo- back us monetarily, we got to 4,000 subscribers. We're now over 4,000. We're at 4,030 subscribers. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. And you can refer to the description below for the links to various Legionist sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. You guys got us there. And uh, you know, just remember, because I've got a couple of announcements to make when these announcements are done. If you have suggestions, comments, concerns, we do listen to them. We don't always take them, but we True. do listen to them. And as Heathen Dog says, money talks. That's right. <laughs> if you're if you're a member, your voice is a little louder. And of course, we believe that role playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. And the focus of your game should be on role playing and having a good time. I looked at the camera there, like they could see me. <laughs> uh, the core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group guys spread this around i've heard of a couple people spreading a uh, hashtag rp gate around and having their groups feel ways about things most of it positive but a couple of groups uh somebody sent me a message said, yeah i started promoting hashtag rp gate at my table and uh this this one person quit <laughs> i was like okay how's the group going he's like it's actually been going better well yeah you, you revealed the weak link right goodbye <laughs> exactly uh so hey Start promoting hashtag RPGate at your table. And what is hashtag RPGate? It is escapism, not representation. Entertainment over activism. And natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. And if you need to know what that means, ask Heathen Dog. He has a video on that. Well, I clipped it out of a video. But anyway, let's just say he has a video on it. Sounds it's better. There. And of course, charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. All right. For segment one today, we're going into the dark side of Mutant Chronicles. So I skipped some of the... uh, so some of the history uh, at the beginning when the series first started mm-hmm. and now we're going to we're going to dive into that a little bit today when we talk about the dark souls and apostle or the dark soul not dark souls that's a singular there the dark soul and apostles what are they what did they do why are they here i am not going to read it word for word you are not going to get the exact to the date 
down to the pedantic molecule history. But we are going to read a bunch of it and we're going to discuss some of it. And you're going to, by the time we're done here, you're either going to want to know more about the Dark Soul and play the game, or you can be like, oh, whatever, dude. I want to be a heretic. <laughs> you might want to be a heretic. Actually, we're going to, uh, yes, at the end of this first segment, we are going to talk about heretics. Yes. But before we talk about heretics, let's talk about our schedule. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time or check out Friday Night Show Streams. You should check out the one on Friday. I, again, got a lot of good... Got a little, can't talk. A lot of good comments on that one. People say, that was a great stream. Thank you very much. Uh, we are a panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Hey, uh, you know that we're, uh, that we're a live stream, right? That we haven't pre-recorded this and we're not going to edit it? Did you know that, Heathen Dog? I did not know that. When... I did not pre-record your, your being here. I, I, I thought I'm just recording. I'm on a soundboard. No, you are not Memorex. Oh. You are not Max Headroom. Oh, okay. Subscribe! That was something. <laughs> that was someone. I should, you know what? I actually should because people have got a few comments. I'm not going to go through them when we do the comment section, but I got a couple comments like, uh, Max, by the time you get to the third one, you're phoning those in. You do realize, yeah. like, it's not, it, to be fair, it's not because I don't want to say it. It's because I don't want to bore the people who've heard it three times on the live stream. So, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to make like a little recording of it, like a minute long or whatever, and just hit play. And then I get to be bored like everybody else because I have to wait for it to finish. There you go. I think I'm going to do that for future streams. I just haven't got to it yet. So Sounds good to me. All right, so let me get the book up. Okay, uh, do you have a, do you have any initial questions? We'll say they're heathen dog for uh, for the, the, not no not the heretics the dark apostles. Any, anything that you want to find out about them? All right. Well, the dark soul. It uh -huh. it's a name and it seems like a title. Mm -hmm. Is it like evil Jesus or the devil or the 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 great empty emptiness beyond the universe leaking in? whatever whatever answer is yes i'm in well what if all those answers were yes i'm super in the the <laughs> triumvirate of evil cannot be stopped cannot be stopped might as well be on the side of the winner <laughs> uh there the light where are we here vehicles face what did we talk about last week assets resource belongs this is all last week adversaries dark souls and apostles there we go all right well we're gonna find out a little bit about the dark soul and I'll show you because it's right here, the Dark Soul. Pause it if you want to, or you'll get to it. We'll get to it later. But this is probably going to be the longest part. This first section here, the Dark Symmetry Awakens, I am going to read a bunch of this. And it's because this is the history of the game. Why we are where we are. The fall of technology, I think we've covered well enough. It's, they had to go back 300 years. They had to pull stuff out. And basically go back to vacuum tubes instead of microprocessors, all right? Like, you know, no, no quantum computers. And as far as the cults and so forth, we'll, we'll breeze over that a little bit. But the main thing I want to talk about is the history and then get into the dark soul and the dark patterns. I hope, I hope it answers this question. The one thing I did not understand or couldn't wrap my head around completely is the fact that the dark symmetry affects technology, high technology. Mm-hmm much much easier than people but back bef but the, you know we had that before the dark the dark symmetry was released why is it 
attacking tech high technology better than people when if it was ever in the universe before there was no high technology so it should be better at attacking people that's what i don't understand i hope this explains it to me i thought i had an answer to your question but i'm not exactly sure how you're answering it so how about the, or asking it so how about this when we're done with this segment you come back to me and tell me if that was answered or not okay write a little note or something say okay. uh uh because i because i can answer it a couple ways the, the the quick answer is this think of it as attacking ai it's not so much attacking circuitry or, you know, just like your cat six cable, but it's attacking the subroutines within. And it's easy for I, it to I, I understand what it's okay. doing. I just don't understand why it's so good at it. Like okay. out of the gate when it wouldn't have any experience with it. Now that part might not get answered. At least I can't answer that off the top of my head. So here, okay. let's, uh, let's start with the dark symmetry awakens in 2480 AD. And thank you game for using AD and not that. BCE. BCE bullshit. Um, the first known contact humanity had with the darkness was on Pluto, a planet, by the way, in 24 AD. <laughs> or 2480, well, 2480 AD. Can't even get past the first sentence. That's right. The Plutonians need, need their representation. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, it was this year that Imperial... Imperial, again, sometimes it's hard to read some of this stuff, like Imperial, because I want to say Imperial Corporation or whatever, but the name of the corporation is Imperial. It just sounds weird. I want to say the Empire. But it was that year that Imperial sent out two vessels. The Harbinger aimed to survey Pluto in order to determine its suitability for colonization and terraforming, and the exploratory ship, the Zephyr. All right. Upon arrival, the Imperial Conquistadors, which uh, you do remember that that is a, uh, what do they call them? A, uh, uh, it's like the Blood Braves, the special classes. I forget. The iconic, iconic classes. Okay. Uh, upon arrival, the Imperial Conquistadors quickly determined that the planet could be terraformed and immediately began setting up their massive gravitational regulators. These huge superconducting machines were used to stabilize the gravity, creating a gravity of Earth norm that would allow terraforming to begin. Now, that's a lot of technology when you can that stabilize is, gravity, is, right? That is some high-tech stuff. But the thing is, if you're all the way at Pluto, you're basically at the bottom of the barrel here. So you better be good at this by now. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. Uh, and please make sure you're, st uh, you're uh, monitoring comments, too. Okay. Um, uh, they set up a combined mining center and laboratory. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a British book. Laboratory. <laughs> Drilling and installing the regulators took time, but the operation ran smoothly. Did it, though? Did it? Well, up, up until, like, was it Carl touched it? <laughs> After drilling to make room for the 14th and final gravitational regulator, the diamond drill tip shattered as it struck an unknown object one kilometer beneath the planet's surface kilometer kilometer <laughs> uh, as it was on well the you know what the word that throws me off the most when they have civilization the z's and s's when it's civilization oh, yeah, with an s that that one drives me crazy i don't care about the u and the armor or any of that stuff but when i see an s instead of a z i'm like ah. okay anyway uh, as it was unheard of for such a high powered and shatterproof drill to fail come on have you ever heard of the titanic yeah, it happens all the time, man. I mean, hey, go go back, go back a, a while and a couple hundred years and watch Armageddon. It happens, man. <laughs> right? Drill bits break. It happens. The curiosity was piqued, and they decided to investigate, as humans are wont to do. Hmm. To their surprise, they stumbled upon a huge underground network of tunnels and chambers. Time out. Yep. You're on Pluto, a yep. planet way the heck out at the end, yep. out there, and it skirts the Oort cloud and all that stuff, right? And you're like, huh? At tunnels here. Yeah. What Two do you things do? Now pop into mind. 
One, this was an advanced society beyond us because two, life did not start on Pluto. It's a shithole. That means people came to Pluto and made, made underground buildings. Don't mess with this stuff. It's beyond you, bro. Now we've only talked we've only talked about tunnels and chambers, right? How yeah. about this next sentence? Bizarre oh. glyphs line the crumbling walls, and there is no doubt that this was the remnants of an advanced alien civilization. Yeah. Is this where you nope out yet, or do you investigate? Well, no, this this is when all the drillers go home. This is <laughs> when all the people who aren't archaeologists go home because drillers are not awesome with the whole uh don't contaminate an area thing because they drill they contaminate areas that's what they do not touching things not in their repertoire so get them out uh caution tape i'm investing in a lot of caution tape uh 19 1950s you know uh film strip uh movie like ah, are you the one that's gonna touch the artifact don't Say, do Johnny, it why don't you go and take off your glove in there that's right see how <laughs> it feels you can't know something unless you touch it that's right. That's exactly right. 23 skidoo. Like, whatever. <laughs> Awestruck, they proceeded further down. Oh, at, God damn it. At the bottom, they saw parts of the object that broke the drill tip. Well, you know, they did have to find out why the drill tip was broken, right? Unsure of how to continue, the team reported back to their leaders in Victoria. Okay. All right. That's so, that so far. That's okay. They made one mistake going in, <laughs> but they, they corrected for it by stopping, realizing they're out of their depth and calling higher ups. Completely respect it. Go on. Now, what did the higher ups say? Well, the Imperial AI instructed them to document the location of the find and leave the object alone. Listen, listen to the computer overlord. <laughs> in this instance, it is your friend. Mother? Probably it has a little tingle in its transistors going, it's probably going to mess me up, so I'm not going to do it. You know, he can't explain why, but he doesn't have to explain himself to you stupid meatbags. At this point, the AI classified it as an artifact. It also determined that the most prudent thing to do was, what do you think that is? To get out. Oh my God, is this the entire... Ah, was. That's funny. Cliffhanger. We're still in a cliffhanger. To abort the mission. Oh. Pending a thorough investigation of the... Oh, Archaeologists, the... like I said, put in the professionals, not drillers. So, but, so far, this, this AI is so un-Terminator, it's scary. But... Oh, f the, drill, the stupid meatbags. <laughs> the drill team received a second set of orders from its leaders. Who the, had stupid meat the stupid meatbags. Who had analyzed the AI's report. And this is a really badly written sentence now. They ordered them to proceed and evacuate the artifact. Excavate. Oh, you're right. Excavate. Excavate. Ex excavate. You're yeah. right. So they, the they dig it out. Yeah. Don't, no, no. Dig it out. The AI said, eh, hold on. We need to look into this more. Humor's like, ah, get it out of there. It's in the way. <laughs> Stupid meatbags. After digging for several days, they unearthed a giant tablet bearing strange symbols. Sure. It's shown like polished metal, and all scans and metallurgic analysis gave inconclusive results, stating that it was a material of unknown origin. Yep, there's the other red flag. Setting up a system of cranes, they managed to haul it to the base of operations on the surface, where they continued to investigate it. God. Duh. These all further right. scans determined that it is free of any measurable radiation, toxins, or other harmful properties. Hey, we don't know what this metal is, but it's safe. 
okay, see, that's the problem. Everything in the solar system is radioactive to some extent. Even we are radioactive with carbon-14 in our bodies. This thing gives no measurable radiation, zero radiation whatsoever. That's a lie. Or it's well, brought well, from, another, I, I, from another solar system. That might be a little bit of pedantry right there. I, I, I don't think that they would consider us radioactive. I get what you're saying, but yeah. I, think, I think it's just, it's normal. It, but okay. It's the same as iron or aluminum or... To be scanned properly, not knowing what it's made of, giving yeah. off no EM readings whatsoever. Yeah, uh, th this is the beginning of every sci-fi horror movie, right? But this is going to be the one time that that doesn't come true, right? Sure. Yeah. But one thing that struck the team as odd and somewhat disconcerting was the fact that the ship's communication system seemed to become increasingly unstable. There was, however, no evidence that these malfunctions were in any way linked to the artifact. Now, here's what I think sure. of when I read this. Coincidence. Yep. Well, do you believe in the uh, in the ferrotetic almonds curse? No. Okay. Well, that that's how this reads to me. Okay, yeah, I, I understand that, but the way I see it is, it's giving off no measurable energy. It's giving off energy that we can't detect. I believe that, and that's is that, and that's what's screwing up systems all around it. We just, we see the effect, but not the cause. Sure. I, that, because we've never run across this thing before. But see, you also know the end of this story. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 everything that I don't know, mm -hmm. I consider uh, plutonium. Evil? I don't understand. Like, okay. Keep it away from me. I don't like it because what happened with plutonium? Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to start messing with plutonium. Oh, it's great. Oh, I'm dead. But uh, but there was no measurable thing that killed you. But you're still dead, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, what was the name of the? the I think they're French. The the scientist, the the lady, and the and oh, the dude. Uh, Curie. It was a Curie. Yeah. That that was that was studying yeah, she, radiation. She, she, polonium. I, I believe she she was uh she was investigating polonium. Put it through all kinds of tests. Proved proved it was radioactive. Proved radiation exists, and then died. Well, th thank you for your service. Now we all know to be far away from it. But here's what happened next. As the artifact was determined to be completely safe, one team member touched it with his bare hands during the investigation. Lack of readings is not safe. Lack of readings is just a whole bunch of question marks. Question marks are not safe, especially on Pluto. He was violently brought to his knees, kneeling in front of the artifact. His hands clung to the surface as if stuck in place by a painful electric current. The whole event looking like a morbid act of worship. The skin on his face began to freeze and crack, his eyes turning stark white. And within seconds, the skin violently cracks open in a spray of icy blood. I would have passed out. Yeah. As he fell back, clawing at his face, he uttered three words with his near frozen lips. She kissed me. Um, yep. Yep. Th this is this is the point where uh, at the horror movie the house tells you to get out and you don't <laughs> yeah, right i don't get it <laughs> the team rushed the dying man to the infirmary on the harbinger only to find that all communications and computer systems had begun to suffer severe malfunctions fearing that they would shortly be unable to communicate or even able to leave the planet the head researcher made a decision sending all scans and, ma and materials they had gathered on the artifact as well as the dying man's last words Back to Victoria. This was the last transmission the Harbinger sent out. 
What a fateful name, huh? Harbinger. Yeah, Harbinger. Yep. Around the same time, Clan Murdoch received a distorted message from the Zephyr. The crew reported they found a planet beyond the solar system rich with minerals and resources and suitable for terraforming. <sighs> they named the world Nero! Let's all fiddle. <laughs> right? Why would you name the world Nero? No, you name it, you know, uh, uh, well, we already have Venus. You, you name it Aphrodite. You, you name it, uh, uh, you know, Minerva. You name it something nice. Augustus. You go with Augustus. It's got a lot of minerals on there, right? We're called Planet Augustus. I just call it Unicornville. You can call it Unicornville. I mean, that's still nice. But no, they named it Nero. The crew reported that they were on approach to land. After that, all communications went out and the Zephyrs never heard from again. Don't name it Nero. Um, now, like I said, I'm going to skip a lot of this other stuff. The fall technology, I'll, I'll, I'll try to point out a couple things if I remember what paragraphs they were in, uh, just maybe because it helped a heathen dog answer that question that he had. But uh, uh, at the beginning, the seemingly sporadic malfunctioning of AI systems across the inner worlds were considered to be a series of inconsequential flukes. But soon people began to realize that something much more dangerous and sinister was at work. As the anomalies increased in frequency and severity, the panic began to spread. I get it. Uh, did the corruption spread? What is it? Uh, okay. In order to avoid a complete disaster and the collapse of civilization, mankind scurried to make massive technological overhauls. They ripped out the AI cores, advanced circuit boards, and logical triggers, re-engineering all these critical systems and replacing them with basic electrical ones. That's when that's when you had the rise of freelancers yeah. and pirates and, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, it's, it's very much like uh, the Battlestar Galactica universe. You know, after the Cylons, you know, were able to quickly hack all network systems, they decided to go low tech. They went they went back on the on the technology tree. Everything got slower, but it got more defended. Rumors began to spread of technology displaying animation and intent. These rumors spoke of whole machines or clustered parts being bound together and taking on sinister a sinister life of their own rumors that would later be confirmed as horrifying reality odd disappearances and deaths began to occur throughout the solar system witnesses gone mad proclaimed that evil flowed through technology twisting the minds and bodies of men and women into beings of pure malice while the dark symmetry was able to take control of machines it also seemed to be so powerful that it could affect gravitational forces and energies this led to a new way of traveling between the planets. And we skipped that. What? Uh, why, would, why would they do that? Be, I don't know, man. That, why do we have heretics? Because you like them. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I'm not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? You, as you'll find out, you could be. Um, oh, really? Okay, Dark Cults, The Fog of War. I'm not going to go into a lot of this. Again, you can read the timeline. What I really want to focus on there is, is how we got into this mess. Now let's read The Dark Soul. All right. The Dark Soul. Do you know Forgotten Realms at all? From Dungeons & Dragons? Barely. Do you know who Ao is? A-O? The god? Yes. Okay. It's like the over-god that nobody can worship for folks out there. That's kind of what The Dark Soul is. Okay. There's one powerful entity behind it all. It has no physical form, and beyond the apostles and a few chosen privileged Nephrites, no one has ever communicated with it or experienced its presence. This power is called the Dark Soul, 
and it's also referred to as the great darkness. Basically, if you just capitalize the letter D in darkness and put a word and an adjective in front of it, there you go. It's that. Yeah. yeah. It is from this source that all apostles and dark symmetry comes. The dark soul exists outside our plane of existence and its inner workings. What it wants and its methods are unfathomable, unfathomable. Oh my God. I will say the word right. I'm going to do it. Unfathomable. There, I just had to say it really slowly. To humans. The only thing that is certain is that it will destroy or corrupt all life. It has a relentless and patience that only higher entity can possess. It knows that time is on its side. In fact, time is the greatest ally for the dark soul is eternal. Yep. It's Cthulhu. Yeah. It without the, te- without the tentacles. <laughs> yeah. It was asleep. Now it's awake. And now it's its turn. At the whole, you know, spinning around the sun thing. It's its turn. Not our turn. Our turn's over. Yep. Because awesome. some asshole had to touch a box. Yep. Somebody had to open up the puzzle box. Thanks, Carl. <laughs> it's always Carl's all, fault. All, all idiots in this thing, I'm going to call Carl. Carl. <laughs> Come here, Carl. Damn it, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> dark patterns all right the dark symmetry is an energy a kind of force that surrounds the entities of the dark legion like a sickening and ominous aura it is from this complex yet primal weave of energy that the legion draws its power it is the gate and link to the dark soul everyone from the apostles the nephrites and the ritual priests of the dark cults draw their energy from this force in order to fuel their evil deeds and powers heretics and lesser beings are given the dark blessing by higher entities. We'll learn about that later. Okay. And this initiates them in the use of the dark symmetry. Sweet. Each apostle represents a certain aspect of the dark symmetry. As this aspect is immediately, or sorry, intimately, not immediately, because, you know, it's a whole different word, yep. intimately tied to the various nature of the apostle and her mission. And why does it say her there? Because the top apostle, Ilian, is female aspect. So okay. don't get all butthurt over that. Okay. Um, uh, directly created from the mass symmetry. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, hear me. Okay, yeah, that was right where I was. Uh, as each and every minion of the apostles is directly influenced or even partly created from their master's symmetry pattern, they are shaped by it. There are way too many commas in that. That I know, right? Uh, this leads to a radical difference between the minions of the apostles, as their powers, outlooks, methods, and appearance are all a reflection of their masters. What this is trying to say, and we'll look at it a little bit later, is that they don't necessarily work in con- a concert. They're not no. the best of friends even amongst themselves. No. They, they have an all-powerful leader that, that tells them, don't kill each other. This is what I want you to do. Do it. And so they do it. But they all do it in their own way. They all do it in their own time. And they don't like it when each other step on each other. Stuff like that. So there's some infighting here and there. Got it. Alien. So it, uh, it's it's a He-Man episode. This the, this is Skeletor's <laughs> minions, basically. <laughs> okay, kind of yeah. Um, <laughs> I may be I may be saying this wrong, but my vision of it is that the Dark Soul isn't like is saying, "Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, do the other thing." More so that the Dark Soul is like the evil omnipotence, and these are avatars or aspects of each of that. So, if you if you say that then you would say that uh, the dark soul is the evil Brahma. Sure. I'm not, I'm and, not as fuel. Uh, well, uh, I don't understand the Indian mythology as much. Okay. Okay. That. Well, uh, uh, Brahma and all the gods are actually just aspects of Brahma, right? So they're okay. just pieces of him 
that 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 he decided that wants he wants to exist on its own. Yeah. So all of these apostles here are pieces of the dark soul that he decided to make manifest and they were born innately with their compulsions and duties and so they do it sure okay i i would i would might even compare it to like uh, egyptian mythology because one of the biggest mistakes that people think is that Ra, egyptian... Ra's like that too yeah well no, not Ra. Ra is just another aspect but uh oh. he was the great greater aspect but uh a lot of people believe that uh, the egyptians were um a polytheistic well in, in in a sense they were but uh but egyptian priests thought of one source i mean the ka being the soul and that was part of the you know part of the source but uh uh even Ra was aspected from that even though he was the top the top dog for yeah. most of the dynasties uh it's there's there's still this understanding that uh they're I, I use the word avatar because we're gamers and we understand it that all the gods were avatars or aspects of a of a human conceit whether it's you know nature or birth or whatever, well now change that to something evil instead of just giving it to, to set. Say hey, we have Ilian, Algaroth, what's this? Demongus, Demongus, <laughs> Demnogonus. There you go, Demnogonus, Semi, and yeah, Mujahideen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mohadib. Let's go, Mohadib. Muawije, Muawije, yeah. Anyway, let's find out what they are. Ilian, the mistress of the void, is the most powerful of the apostles. She awesome. is the true embodiment of the dark symmetry and the firstborn of the dark soul. Her control and influence over it is, uh, in its raw form is unmatched. Through this, she is, in her own way, the one that is closest to the dark soul, and with the guidance and power of her master at her back, there is nothing she cannot accomplish. Okay, guidance and power says that he's actually giving orders. I mean, yeah, I, again, I, I look at it more philosophically, but you might be right. It might be a physical... I, I just treat it as more of a philosophy, but that's... You could be right. Alien, uh, though capable of overt displays of awesome power because he, he basically is the army, prefers to work in the shadows. She. Oh, no, this is... I'm sorry, no, I, I thought we moved on. No, no, this is still Alien. My bad, my bad, my bad. This is still Alien. Alien through the, through the capable... Though capable of overt displays of awesome power, prefers to work in the shadows. Forget what I said a moment ago about controlling the army. That's the next one. Yep. Her servants infiltrate the very heart of human civilization, breaking down and tearing at that which they trust to protect them. Okay. Using you against you. Due to her insight into the symmetry, her followers are capable of summoning, summoning forth denizens from twisted and depraved dimensions and bolstering the onslaught of the other apostles through the... <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. Direction of raw dark symmetry. The mistress of the void is the gatekeeper of the hideous dimensions. Okay. All right. Now, one sentence in there actually doesn't answer my question, but now it gives a reason why technology was targeted first. Because humans use technology to increase our, our, our status on the on the hierarchy of you know uh it allows presence. us to do things whether it's something as simple as gardening or floating out in space and touching yeah, things yeah. on pluto technology allows us to be the apex predator on our planet and i assume in the uh in the solar system as well we use it to to nourish protect us 
in every aspect of our life. So take it away. I get it. Yeah. Take it away and, I, and revert us back I, I to being know, monkeys. Yeah. Now I want to know how they're so good at it out of the gate. After that, then my question will be answered. I don't know if that gets answered because I don't remember yeah. reading an answer to that. They'll, my, my quick answer to you would be they're from another dimension. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're obviously beings of angelic like intellect, right? So, but that, that, like, that's just an off the cuff. Right. Now, Algaroth. The black and searing flames of pure destruction are spun by the pattern that surrounds the apostle of war. He's not a four horseman or anything, is he? No, it's fine. He inspires his troops to fight and tear asunder all of mankind. He inspires the construction of black technology, racist, unfathomably horrid weapons, and machines of war. The legions of Algaroth are seldom subtle. Notice the opposite here. She was like, you know, let's manipulate things. He's just like, break nope. it down with the big hammer. They are the annihilators, harbingers of death and destruction. His witch masters can open gates to dimensions of eternal conflict and bring forth living machines of war. Ooh. And his tech runs can corrupt technology or create twisted biotechnology or even force unholy spirits into dead flesh to mold it into destructive necrotechnology. Oh my God. Necrotechnology. I'm oh, going to bathe this in that is, word. Oh. This is sounding great here. I mean, oh, I'm on board. For folks who don't know, I play a lot of necromancers in Dungeons and Dragons and the Nethermancer in Earth on. So drink. So, uh, yeah. Oh, what are we talking about? Oh, uh, so sorry, Mr. Uh, what? Oh, do you want to go through some some comments? Well, well no, he's a first time chatter. And he asked, well, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, Mutant Chronicles 3rd Edition. Yeah. Uh, do you want to wait till we're done with this portion of it or do you want to do it now i don't care either way no it's up to you it's your, it's your deal but let's get through this because we'll be out of okay. time because because we, we'll break from this into the heretic part oh okay cool uh where's a flesh uh, his minions can even implant it into humans and other creatures merging it with their bodies awesome <laughs> algroth is therefore also known as the lord of black technology this makes him the second most powerful apostle after Ilion, as he and only he has the knowledge to forge such weapons and machines. Okay. Okay. Demnogonus, the befouler, can at times appear to be the least powerful and least controlled apostle. Uh, isn't this the one that gave you your black goo fire thing that you liked? I, uh, I think so. But, uh, but looks can be deceiving. He has the power to infect, rot, and control purification. A gust of wind that gently caresses the ravaged battlefield may carry deadly and directed sickness. This is my kind of guy. Awesome. Demnogonus' followers try to rot humanity from the inside. The infiltrate. Uh, this is a. Um, this is a horror. This is a horror from Earthdawn. This is a corrupt the passions, which are the yep. gods of Earthdawn. Get them to turn against so. Uh, the corrupt the dragon Vesterville. Vestervin. Vestervin. I'm 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 with this dude. <laughs> uh, where they infiltrate hospitals and medical tents on the battlefield, contaminating the blood supplies and fouling the instruments with but a drop of dark diseases. It can bring an entire city to its knees. Oh, this is this is China. It's the Wuhan flu mm. by contaminating its water supply. We now know where it came from. The pattern of Demogonus allows for the creation of bizarre parasites, microorganisms twisted by dark sickness. 
His sporadic twisting of humans and animals living in squalor is also his domain. Why? Because nobody cares about them. If it happens to Elon Musk, people notice. If it happens to the hobo shitting on the street in San Francisco, nobody cares. And more than a... Pause. Theocities are unknowing host to legions of these armies of decay living behind its walls and beneath its streets. You know, the... This is probably the most efficient way to 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 you know set up humanity to to take its final you know dance on the stage, but it's it's a little too gross for me. Uh, the, the first two are more my speed. Yeah, but I, I as a real human person, I couldn't be part of the, the uh, Demogonus. I couldn't. It's it's no. too gross for me. It's gross. But yeah. as a character in a game, because as you know, yeah. I like my games to be darker, visceral, right. so forth. That's you are right picking up. Yeah, you are picking up everything he's putting out. I understand. I, I, yep, yep. Yeah, I get it. Samai. Not only is he the Lord of Spite, he is also referred to as the Master of Dark Sight. The Eternal Liar. Ooh. The Great Perverted. Well, you might be in on this one. Oh, the Great Perverted. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> he watches and learns. He plants the seeds of distrust and envy, turning brother against brother. He turns trust into suspicion, hope into despair, and love into hate he should turn it into lust first okay. okay he as ilian corrupts man from within all right all right the mystics and minions my are patient as they observe the ebb and flow of darkness and light when the time is right they strike they're masters of prophecies foresee oh nostradamus yep. they're the ones that, so these are the ones that give all the fake quatrains out there for nostradamus they're masters of prophecies, foreseeing what their enemies will do. Thousands have been manipulated into falling even before they had a chance to execute uh, carefully laid plans. And when the plan fails, the Lord of Spite makes sure to feel fuel the paranoia, making allies turn on each other in rage. Jesus Christ, was there a period in there anywhere? Often, when his minions have performed their duties well, no one even knows the Lord of Spite or any dark apostle had a hand in it. Okay, yeah, I'm... I'm I'm behind this. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have teeth and it doesn't seem sexy, but this is efficient. And this effective. is the Illuminati. Yeah. This You're is sitting back on. Effective because no one's going to find you. What no was it? That's actually going to know what happened. Was that quote from Futurama when Bender met God? Uh, oh yeah, that, that was it. That was it. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if, if I do everything right, you, you'll think I didn't do anything at all. Right. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what this guy's about. Muawijay. That's how I'm pronouncing Muadib. it. That, that's not Muadib. right. What's that? Mujahideen. Muadib. <laughs> Whatever the hell he said. Uh, this apostle is called the Lord of Visions for a reason. Could you have had a vision to have somebody pronounce your name? Yeah. Could you have looked into a nog and said, that might have been a little too difficult. Just call me Yo M or something. It's probably a name of great importance in history, but I don't know it. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. Um, he weaves the symmetry into threads of madness and sickening dreams tendrils of insanity that ensnare the mind. So this is Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, that ensnare the minds of millions. They stretch across the empty reaches of space and into the very heart of the worlds of man. Okay. His followers and minions can induce terrible visions, warping the minds of their victims. They can sunder thoughts and distort senses and even possess the ability to walk between worlds. Now that's pretty darn cool. Yeah. Shifting from one reality to another. This power, in combination with their mind-rending rend, patterned symmetry, there we go, I got through it, 
can even allow them to manifest the nightmares and paranoid visions of their victims, giving a true form to fear. Okay, this is also really cool, but again, not not up my alley. But yeah, uh, that's, that's also well, very cool. Yeah, that's all of them. So okay. So yeah, as far as a game, if I were a character and we were playing the bad guys for some reason, yeah, that Demogorgon guy would be the one. What the hell his name is Demogonus. Yeah, Demogonus would be it for me. I I would be I think I I would be uh, the 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 war guy. Oh, the war guy. Okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought yeah, you'd that'd go be, semi. That'd be my first choice. Semi would be number two. Okay. So yeah. uh, the war guy was the one that starts with an A, right? Uh, yeah, Algaroth. Yeah. Algaroth. Yeah. At least it's a name you can say. Yeah. All right. Um, the rest of this just kind of details. Oh, I did it on the wrong screen again. Over here. Zoom out. Um. The rest of this talks about the rise of Alien. This is, uh, you're going to get into the siblings rivalry. This is, uh, so what it talks about here, it's not about the brothers. It's not about the good guys. It talks in here about how Alien is on top and she knows that the others are kind of plotting against her. But for now, she's like, whatevs. She keeps them also kind of poking at each other. Um, but as long as the as long as the darkness is spreading, the dark symmetry is spreading. She's like, whatever, dude. Doing her job, yeah. You guys are doing your job. I don't care. I mean, if if you want to take a shot at the throne, come get some. Yeah. But it better not affect your job. I want to do a quick thing on the citadels. Okay. I'm not going to read it all. Okay. Probably just the first paragraph. These towering monstrosities are pivotal to the war and corruption efforts of the Dark Legion. In order to raise a citadel quickly and accurately, both the power of Ilion and Algaroth has to be combined. Okay. When a spot for a new citadel has been chosen, the Tekrons of Algaroth and their slave laborers, laborers swarm in and begin to construct the foundation. At the same time, the ritual masters and dark priests of Ilion begin to infuse the process with dark symmetry. Twisted? illogical in design to the human mind you can now run that was it what's that DD dungeon the the dungeon of the mad mage or whatever it's called that makes yeah. no damn sense you can now run it here yeah, in mutant right. chronicles um and utterly terrifying these horrors stand ready just days after construction has begun their black metal surfaces are adorned with the symbols of dark symmetry and this is where evil forces pop out from what what do these citadels do? I mean, do they make it easier to open up dimensional portals yes. or what? Yeah. Essentially, yeah. They serve several functions. Symbolic value alone. Uh, da, da, da. There are also military bases, laboratories, temples, prisons, torture chambers, pr production units, archives, yada, yada. Most citadels okay. are ruled by Nephrite Overlord. That's, a, by the way, a pretty powerful creature. Okay. Uh, a very important function of the citadels to bolster the ranks of the Dark Legion. Humans who have fallen are dragged back to the citadel in order to be twisted and raised from the dead. Great. All right. So, so this this one building is a is an all you can eat buffet of uh, command and control nonsense. Yes, let's do okay. some questions. I'm not going to separate this okay. video here. I probably could have, I guess, separated to heres you know have heretics be its own. But I didn't create the graphic for it, and I'm not going to have time for it after this okay. video. So this is going to be all. This is going to be a long one. So go all ahead right. and let's. Uh, here we go. Mac Thompson says, uh, "Darkness attacked a vulnerable new consciousness in AI, a weak gate, so to speak, to enter the world." This is a possible explanation for why the AI was so apparently we made AI so well that it was just like a, a human consciousness, which it had experience in corrupting from probably before. And so it was easy because it had no innate resistances. It didn't have any antibodies, so to speak. 
you know, no, no genetic. I, memory. I, I can't answer that. I mean, yeah, no, this, this is all, this is all a guess. It's a good guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I wish it were true, but you know, it didn't say so in the book. So I won't tell you. I mean, I, I don't remember reading anywhere where it said exactly what Ilian did when they freed her. Just, she kissed me and then crap started going weird. Got bad real quick. Yeah, Team Planet Pluto. I'll see. Team Planet Pluto. That's I've right. had people argue with me about that. It's like, well, 400, 600 scientists. Yeah, but you know, 40,000 scientists didn't agree. It's just so it happened to be. But here, here's the real rub for me. I don't care one way or the other. Because but what people say, well, what about Ceres then? Ceres can be a planet too. I'd rather Ceres be a planet than Pluto not be a planet. Yeah. But, okay. Ten's a round number, man. Do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, reactionary principle gaming uh, with with heathen dogs attitude. We wouldn't have cell phones as we can. We can't prove what the long term effects technology yeah. that hasn't existed for a long time. That's true. And you know why? I'm not I'm not sad about that. Yeah. He. he what's your I cell not, phone? I have a flip phone. I don't have it with me. I have a flip phone. All right. That 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 is I have had flip phone, flip phone, flip phone, pager, nothing. That's what I've had. That's how many communication, personal communication devices I have had. Exactly how many. I technically have a cell phone, but people get really miffed with me because I never have it next to me. I very rarely use it. First of all, I work in a secure environment, can't have it. When I come home, <laughs> ask this guy. I don't what happens when you try to times and, and his wife answers. Yeah, yep, my wife answers. And when I pick up the if phone, the what is it? Charged. What does it usually sound like when I pick up the phone? Hello? Like, yeah, so, it was like it's like what are you doing yep i i don't i don't like i don't and, and text me is even worse i i i had a text message i needed to respond to for an appointment and apparently it came in five days ago and they're about to cancel my appointment i caught it this morning i don't I don't do that shit and yes. of course he says that would be a good thing <laughs> yeah yeah there you go <laughs> and then we have uh crafty Saying, why is a common theme in all science fiction to ignore basic OSHA rules and workplace safety procedures? Oh, that's an easy answer. That's the, yeah, it actually was answered by, by somebody else oh. right after that. I didn't start it though because it was okay. obvious. Well, let me, let me give it, let me give my Here point then. Oh. There'd be no story. <laughs> well, also, this OSHA is too heavy handed. Fuck OSHA. I'm not going to have seven people holding my ladder when I climb it, I'm going to yeah. climb the ladder. You know, there are some things, uh, don't get me wrong, there's some, OSHA is like unions. There's a good reason why it started and now it's out and now it's crazy. You know, steps have to be this wide, your railing has to be this, go away. Now, I, there, is, there is a caveat for that. When working in space where any single mistake can, can result in the death of you mm-hmm. and everyone around you, I want seven people holding my ladder. Look, man, you see the people who built the Empire State Building, how many people fell off of that thing? Lots. There you go. Don't take that job if you don't want it. Don't need OSHA. <laughs> they were eating their lunch dangling from an I-beam. Yeah. As some of you may know, I am terrified. I don't know why. It's a phobia. It's a legit phobia because I can't explain it. I laugh at myself about it, but I am deathly afraid of heights. You would never catch me sitting on that I-beam eating my lunch. Yeah, but you know what they did? Coco Dark Coco, with a capital Coco, D. With a capital D. That's right. That's how we roll. Event Horizon, Alien, two thousand one. Event Horizon's a good one. Yeah, Event Horizon is a good analogy for this. If only that movie could have been put together the way they really wanted it to. That I, I still love Event Horizon today. I watched it just like a month ago. Yeah, I have it on my Plex. 
And uh, another question. Have any novels been written in this verse? Yes. I don't know how many, but uh, yes. Uh, let me see if I can find one real quickly. Um, wait, you have Google. <laughs> let me see. Uh, Mutant Chronicle. Novel. Novelization. Uh, with, a, with a Z or an S. I don't know which one. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are a bunch of, bunch of the novels. Written. I see four right here called uh, In Lunacy, Apostle of Apostle of Insanity Trilogy. Oh, that's an entire trilogy. Okay. Sweet. Frenzy, Apostle. Of, oh, no. Okay. So it's In Lunacy, which is part of the Apostle of Insanity Trilogy. Frenzy, Dementia. So that's a trilogy. And then there's one here called Golgotha. Oh, Stackpole wrote one? Stackpole wrote... If you guys... Battletech people know who's, uh, know who's that. Knows okay. who that is. Stackpole doesn't like me. Oh. He said he signed a couple of my books, but uh, then he turned into a douche nozzle and I let him know. He's woke. Um, so, yeah, but hey, Stackpole wrote one. So there's at least four right there. So, yes. All right. Oh, there. My favorite ready? class in this game. Let's hit it. All right. Now we're going to talk about heretics. Woo! And we are going to look at this a little deeper than maybe some people would want for the length of this video, which is why I might still decide to chop it, but let's, let's find out. There are heroes. Brave soldiers and the pure and stalwart souls in the service of the Brotherhood. They stand up for what is right and confront the darkness in bloodied fields of battle. However, the eternal intrigues, ambition, and schemes of the corporations and the corrupting nature of the Dark Legion are very important, are a very important thematic ingredient in Mutant Chronicles. Sure. Just like we'd mentioned a moment ago that the Dark Apostles are against each other, mm -hmm. the corporations are still against each other. Some, you remember at the beginning we started this, we had those lines that went like, yeah. I like you, you're, uh, I hate you. I you like know? you, you like me, you and I are not a family, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, there's that still going on. On top of that, you have the dark symmetry messing with everybody, adding to that flavor. And then you have the dumb nuts who are like, dark magic? That sounds healthy. Give me some of that. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> it's not just me. It makes space travel easier. Well, let's harness that beautiful power. <laughs> there you yeah, go. <laughs> it's not just me. Fair. Yes, Spackpole wrote the Rogue Squadron books as well. Yeah. Um, I only cared about his Battletech books. Actually, he wrote uh, some books uh, on his own. I didn't like his cartographer series, but like Talion Revenant is a great book. Like, uh, and that was one of the first books he ever wrote. Like, he's got some good novels. Just too bad he went off the freaking deep end. There are myriads of humans that have been tempted by the darkness and accepted what it has to offer. Influence beyond comprehension, prolong life, and unprecedented powers beyond human. Okay, you already said beyond comprehension. I know, you already said co beyond comprehension. Come on. Some are led astray, while others willingly and with eyes wide open give their hearts and souls to the dark symmetry. They become heretics. Humans with the power of symmetry that are just as hell-bent on the destruction of humanity as any necromutant or other vile beast. Go team. <laughs> Go team necromutant. <laughs> Characters might run across these men and women in their adventures. They might be encountered in the heart of a citadel, in a hidden cult cell, or as a friend who betrays them. Hi. In these... <laughs> in these cases, they will be presented as deadly foes, the ultimate betrayers of mankind. It is, however, entirely possible that your players will want to taste the forbidden dark fruit and play as adversaries of humanity. 
You can also include one or two heretics in a normal group of characters, not revealing who the traitor is. Yep. Ethan Dog's like, when do I start? I know. I, I, come on. I'm, I got my pen. I'm just waiting <laughs> to sign. <laughs> come on. Don't let me zoom in. You've already sold me. You can stop pitching. Well, we're pitching some more. Damn it. Playing a heretic is very different from playing a regular character. First off, to serve the Dark Legion is the ultimate betrayal of mankind. Yeah, yeah, I'm a race trader. Boo-hoo. I'll, I'll cry myself to giant piles of money and loose women and power beyond imagination. Oh, my God. All right, whatever. Go on. Serving, <laughs> serving the Legion also imposes a lot of risks. The more powerful a heretic is, the greater the risk of discovery by the Brotherhood. Yeah, they're just stupid humans. Or Luna PD if in the pre-apostle era. Yeah. The use of dark gifts also increases risk of discovery. By the way, the Brotherhood would kill you and everybody around you just yep. to make sure that it's, it's, we're going to excise the cancer by killing the person. You know? Now, what's the path to heresy? Let's find out how, how Heathen Dog can now take his first heretical step. Woo! Heretics are not a homogenous group. They're not a bunch of inherently evil humans who have joined the ranks of the Dark Legion because it's an easy way to power. Some will undoubtedly fit this description, but many, once were and in, certain, in a certain sense, still are normal human beings who have ended up in the service of darkness through good intentions. That's right. Good That's works alone me. will not get you to heaven. What's that? That's not me. Oh, you, you knew? You, you want oh, yeah. to burn it, oh, yeah. you want to burn it yeah. all down? Okay. Yeah. In the end, though, they will reach the point of no return and become truly evil. It is more likely to find doubt among the lower ranks as those further up have little to no humanity left. That means you can still save somebody who's a lower rank heretic, and we'll get to that in a little bit. He's got to wait. He's got to get more experience, become seasoned, and understand the universe a little better. And then he's like, oh, wait, the humanity in me is a weakness. I get it now. And then they're on the right path. Most heretics are spied upon for weeks months or years by a soul searcher a cult spy specializing in finding new recruits when it's been established they're good candidates they're approached by a dark magistrate enabler or a corrupter i gotta love the recruitment team here right yeah i know you got a lot of you got a lot of different uh tools in your toolbox here all you really need to get me is a notary and we're, we're set <laughs> oh i guess that would be an enabler then there you go uh, simply referred to as a recruiter who targeted the individual and prepared everything beforehand. Every move is thought out by appealing to their weaknesses, fears, ambitions, or whatever they can use in order to win. He already said yes. <laughs> the you know what, what, the, what they'd probably do in that case is when they meet you, uh, you have your, your, your group of enablers, magistrates, whatever. You're like, okay, we have to, we have to see that your soul's in the right place. It's time to sacrifice your child. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. You're in the club. That's all we need. You know, because you, you, you seem pretty excited, but I had to know it was real. Sure. Yeah. I can always okay. make another one. That's fine. <laughs> there They're Maybe. like shoes. I don't care. <laughs> His kid's upstairs going, dead. I'm, I'm going to be immensely powerful. I'm going to get a lot of women. I can have them all pregnant at the same time. This is great. <laughs> I, feel like totally I got no problem. Uh, so, uh, or whatever they can use in order to win them over. The recruiter leads them down a path of heresy. The one thing that is important to remember is that it has to, this is the fun part. Has to what? Be an active and willing choice. Yep. A human sure. can be lured, corrupted, and manipulated into making that choice 
but cannot be forced by means of duress. Sure. Can't can't hold a knife to your kid's throat and say, pick your wife or pick your child. Yeah, Sophie's That's choice, it. my ass. No, you can't do that. Right. Yeah, I got oh, it. You have to do it on your own. Okay. What has my soul done for me lately? Nothing. But you you know, go. good point. The recruiter's groom. Oh, you can't say that word anymore. The wow. recruiter's groom, the chosen target. Well, except me. You don't need to groom what's already perfectly, you know, <laughs> already been. Well, yeah. you were groomed and just didn't realize. You see, you think it was on your own, but they're behind the oh, scenes. Okay, going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to do that? That's fine. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I, I am the grass that grows in the pattern you were going to do in the first place. That's me. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you're starting to write the dark symbols. He's already writing the end of the sentence for you. Exactly. Uh, the process differs depending on the situation, circumstances, and personality of the human in question. If there's already a presence of evil and a willingness to submit to the darkness, the recruiter might be blunt. Hey, actually giving a display of what power is. Hey, you want to see something? You like that? I love it. Sign me oh, up. Okay. <laughs> if one is being groomed, I'm sorry. If the one being groomed is more kind-hearted and desperate, the recruiter might appear as a good-natured friend wanting to lend a helping hand in a time of need. Nah, I don't trust you now. A grooming period can take minutes or hours or be counted in days, weeks, and months. Once a person has willingly given his soul to the darkness, the actual initiation into true heresy begins. Finally. I had to wait minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually not going to read this part. Oh, damn it. Uh, about standing around a circle that that they draw little uh, you know yeah, things kumbaya, in blah 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 we're and gonna summon dark, some... dark symmetry into your soul yeah. i get it it's gonna hurt whatever it doesn't even have to hurt you just you just sniff oh. in some purple smoke and then it, you feel it oh. like Ooh. there right. you go great sweet but let's talk about how because let's get you to the part that you care about let's rise you through the ranks awesome heretics are given quests and if they manage to succeed with the uh to succeed with the quest without exposing the cult to danger be granted a higher status and more power. Now, this is the rub. Yeah, this is, yeah, I can't just go around, you know, flinging, you know, black fire everywhere. That's going to get weird. Right. Okay. The other part of that is if your higher up thinks that you might be uh, pushing a little too fast, your quest could be way outside the scope of your capabilities. And there's no recourse for you other no. than to try. No, other than to get somebody else to die first. Well, I mean, if, if that's part of the quest, yeah, I mean, or I'm going to make it part of the quest. The, the, uh, the end of the quest is the result that that is, that is the quest. How you get to the result is up to you. And if this sure. is an obvious thing that I can't do by myself, I'm going to throw as many hapless bastards in front of me as I can to die sure. for the glory of me. So mm -hmm. I can get to the end result, which oh, is, and that's usually awesome. Just be careful of being discovered. Right. Well, the only people who are going to discover me are the ones are that are the aforementioned hapless victims. So they're not telling anyone because they're dead. These quests are often broken down into two or more tasks. They consist of evil deeds meant to further the cause of the Dark Legion. And as the heretic, heretics, Jesus, I can't read, rise in power and rank, the quests become increasingly harder. Sure. Not all heretics have what it takes. But player characters are considered to be exceptional and will be given a lot of opportunity to become part of the upper crust of the cult. I got gumption, baby. Basically, it's saying, hey, dungeon or game masters, don't, don't screw over the PCs who are heretics just because they're heretics. Stop it. Right. If you don't want heretics in the game, don't allow it. allow it in the first place, you Ex weak bastard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
After a successful quest, the heretic is granted another dark gift. Here is the other rub. Uh You don't pick your abilities. Mm, Okay. The higher up gives you the ability. No, no, no. See that that's part of the, that's part of the recruiting thing. I get to fling darkness fire from my fingers or I'm not signing. That is my only thing that I, I will kill my son. I will kill my wife. I'll kill my mom. I don't care. I'll do horrible things. They're dead body, which I'm not going to say on, on, on stream. <laughs> but if, if, if I don't get to fling black fire from my hands, get out of my house. Get out of my fucking house. You got a super chat. If you want to put that up. Oh, put sure. I like how mutant Chronicles gives the story hope that maybe humanity will be defeat the dark soul. That's cool. actually the rub of this game is I've been saying that a lot, lot today. The rub, um, is that people say that it doesn't give you hope. At least Rifts kind of gives you hope. This game doesn't. <laughs> this game, every time you think, okay, we got so No, he'll just wait you out. I can keep... Oh, wait, what, we lost a battle? I'm going to have a million more battles. Sooner masters, or later, you... Go ahead. My masters are forever. Yeah. Sooner your you God, won't have enough bodies. <laughs> your God is suspiciously absent throughout this entire thing. Mine, right here. Boots on the ground, bitch. You are going to lose and lose badly. It's going to be horrible. Not only are you going to lose your life, you're going to lose it in a way that you're going to be in a seemingly never-ending nightmare until the moment before your death. That's what you're going to do. To be fair, I agree with gaming with ADHD on that, and I'll read the rest of it in a second. But a lot of people point out that this game, it's like, why do you even play it? There is no hope. You're ultimately going to lose. Yeah. And I think that a good game master can a get around that, or it, look if play if, if the play heretics, or if if the end result is I can stem it for another thousand years. Hey, great! That means me and at least the, the next few along my generational line are going to be fine. Yeah, but <laughs> at what cost? Their life is going to be crap. It's going Maybe. to be a constant slug to get nowhere, to just survive. Just give in, man. Just now, give in. Though for player characters, Heathen Dog is somewhat right. For the for the average person in the universe, though, while this stuff does exist and the world is a bit darker, the sun doesn't shine quite as brightly as today, the average person isn't as affected by this on a day-to-day. Oh, your okay. microwave doesn't just fly around your freaking house constantly. Uh, you know, most people might experience something like this a little bit in the life. Now, player characters are different. Luna yeah. PD is different. Yeah. yeah, People who are floating around in space are different. But your average shoemaker isn't going to run into a lot of this. You're just going to know it's there and people talk about it and you want to be kept safe from it. So, um, now the rest of that comment was, uh, it says, long shot, but uh, not the despair of the of the uh, GW um, Games Workshop world, so Warhammer 40k. You also get the huge shoulder pads without all the skulls. Well, he doesn't See, like I'm not the shoulder pads. The huge shoulder pads, you know. That, that that is another another reason why I like the heretic. His picture didn't have a lot of shoulder pads. But thank you for the 9.99, sir. Appreciate that. And you all should check out Gaming with ADHD's channel. Uh, it's right there on this. Well, it was right there on the screen, but you can see it in chat. You saw it on the screen. You know, rewind a few seconds. You'll you'll see it back up there, and uh, make sure you subscribe to his channel. Uh, so where are we? Uh, oh, so after successful quest, the heretic is granted another dark gift and a new rank. And we'll look at the ranks in a moment. Woo. If high ranking enough, he may be allowed to begin his very own cell. All the right. Cult of Heathen Dog. 
the multi-level marketing campaign. I am now the top of my little tree. <laughs> At other times, he may be permitted to go on a pilgrimage to a citadel where he's granted the opportunity to undergo transfiguration. Sign me up. And become more than human. Yes. This opportunity is only granted to the most devoted and skillful of heretics. For every other rank, beginning at adept. The, the heretic is granted a pool of personal dark symmetry points. We'll see that in the little chart that's you know, the headline below. The pool is refilled at the beginning of each new session and may be used in place of paying or spending dark symmetry points. Oh, cool. Okay. Right. Higher-ranking higher heretics have more powers. They gain better insight into the dark symmetry. So, uh, as you said, every other rank, right? So... I, I when I keep looking at this, I want apprentice and adept flipped, or I want adept after after novice. Like I don't know, I yeah, just feel like yeah, yeah. It it should be apprentice novice adept. Yeah, it really should. But, but anyway, okay. well, here you see it here. So you start off as an acolyte, and then once you do your first quest and you get to adept, guess what? You get one personal dark symmetry point at the start of every session. When you hit uh, rank four novice, you get two, and you see how the chart goes until you're finally a dark magistrate. Uh, I like the name Lord Heretic. Lord Heretic just sounds cool. It does sound cooler, doesn't it? Yeah. Lord Heretic, heathen dog. We have summoned you here, and your goofy four eyeballs and tentacle ear earlobes, whatever, to uh, <laughs> to uh, take on your final quest. Now nah, you know what I, I like being a Lord Heretic. It just sounds yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's better. All right, let's. Choosing gifts. There are two types, types of dark gifts. Dark symmetry gifts and apostle gifts. Okay. Dark symmetry gifts are those that any... The, the, that. You see that? Yeah, I see that. To that, <laughs> to that any heretic may learn and use, while apostle gifts are only available to those worshiping the apostle in question. Sure. And we looked at some of those when we went to... Dark, was it last week, the week before? When a heretic reaches rank 10, he is given two dark gifts and the ability to bestow gifts upon others. Oh, outstanding. So, hey, anyone want to want to join the Emperor Club? Keep in mind that dark gifts can never be learned. They have to be bestowed. Sure. Got it. Right there. Yep. Right. And there you go. Um, that's that's it for this. Uh, that's great. So far, so far, so great, man. This is awesome. I I want in. I want in on that. All right. I only have two star because there's a lot of Warhammer 40k talk. That's cool. But I, I got one of them. Uh, Mar Hawkman says, in Warhammer 40K, they have the same thing. Post Horus Heresy, the Emperor is dying. We don't know how many years it will be, but when he dies, the Chaos Gods will annihilate all the ISIS know it. And that started a chain. Well, well, it's possible when the Emperor dies, he'll actually take the Chaos with him. And Or it's it's also possible that uh, with, without the corruption of the Emperor, the, the Chaos Gods won't have hold in the universe anymore, blah, blah, blah. People will rationalize yeah. anything. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it goes on. It goes on. <laughs> and then we have... Derek Papas says, hope, hope dies, dies last. last. You, know what? you know why hope dies last? Because evil thinks it's so great, stripping hope away little by little and watching the stupid meatbag cling to the small embers that are left as if they actually have a chance of winning just because hope exists. And only at the last moment do you take away that last little flicker of, flicker of hope so the light goes completely out right before they die and now they know their entire life they were wrong and uh th that that is exactly how horrors from earth dawn work they feed on it yep they feed on hope 
They let you keep it as long as possible because they know once they take that last strip of hope away, you will die. Whether you just expire, kill yourself, whatever, you will die. And then the feast is over. So yeah, evil will keep hope around as long as possible. That's why it dies last, by design. All right, the next and final episode in this series of uh, Mutant Chronicles, third edition, we're going to look at some of the creatures. I don't think, I think the next video, I'm going to jinx myself, but I think the next video is going to be rather short because I'm not going to go into all the stats of them because that's for your game master to throw at you. But sure. we're going to talk about what is out there uh, as far as those, was it Necrolites or whatever they're called? Um, and uh, we'll just see how the game presents them. Maybe we'll show off a couple of powers or something, but, uh, you know, again, we're going to try not to have too many spoilers. Problem is, is, anybody can get the book and anybody can look at it. Yep. With that said, you know what? I, there should be some mystery still. So that's what we'll cover next uh, in when we talk about, uh, I don't know what, what it's, I don't, what, what's it called? What would I call the episode? This one. Oh, the Dark Legion. Yeah, when we talk about the Dark Legion. And uh, there we go. So see you in the next video. Am I supposed to have an outro? I don't know. No. Do you, why do I have Mutant Chronicle books? In, oh, because somebody asked about Mutant Chronicle books. All right, for the second part of segment one, and for the last video in this series, we're going to talk about the Dark Legion. What are they? Who are they? What can they do to your characters? Who knows? Let's find My out. My man. That's who they are. <laughs> they, I, I'll be honest. I have not read this chapter. I did page through it, but I did not read this chapter. You can call me a bad person if you want. I don't care. But I kind of want to learn this part with you. Isn't that nice of me? Learning things with you? Yeah. Uh, before I do that, I have to go through the normal stuff, right? Which is, there we go. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and the focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group bar none. Any and all tabletop groups follow these core values. Escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Charity We Support is Wounded Warrior Project. It's a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the links where you can make your tax-deductible donation. And finally, why is this all out of... It's all in the wrong order here. We have our schedule. And Heathen Dog, very quickly, tell us about your, Tuesday, uh, your Thursday and Saturday Mech Warrior. Oh, sure. no, you're not doing that anymore. Uh, you just uh, that's exactly it what I'm going to say. That's exactly what I'm going to say. On Thursdays, we'll be doing Dungeons and Dragons Online. And on Saturdays, we will be doing Mech Warrior 5. Now, important things coming up. Next week, Saturday and Sunday, I will not be here. I will be in Florida, observing Florida Man in his natural environment. All the meth and alligators. That's what I'm going for. So I won't be here. But Thursday will be DDO. Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Central Time. Will be DDO. Maybe I'll host the Mech Warrior stream then. Then they can play Max some Lee real mechs. There you go. <laughs> Maybe he will. I'm cool with that. Everyone would be cool with that. So, yeah, All right. there you go. And of course, yada yada, we say things. Subscribe. Subscribe.
Hey, Garthon, you oh, you've owed me that scream for like three years now. Well, you could clip it from an old Legion Myth live stream, you know. Yeah, that's work. No, I want somebody. I want somebody just hand it to me. God, oh, of course. Yeah, you're an American. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me show book here. Uh, do do That's not the book. Where's the book? There's the book. All right. And this last one, we're going to talk about the Dark. Legion. Who are they? What do they do? What are they about? These are pretty much the creatures, the nasties that the apostles throw out at you as call them the big bad uglies that you would uh, maybe encounter in your game. Now, not every game has to include a member of the Dark Legion. You might be going after somebody from another corporation. You might just have a random criminal on the street. You can actually do some fairly mundane adventures in Mutant Chronicles. Why? Because you still have Luna PD, or you still have a was it Luna City? You still have Venus. You still have Mercury. You still have these things. Now it's not going to be exactly like living on Earth. And apparently, White Star, you know, that's a, that's on Earth. Although Earth is kind of messed up, but you can have more mundane. It doesn't always have to be the Legion, the Dark Legion. But this is if you do Dark Legion. So uh, let's see who they are, what they are. I'm not going to read all this, but uh, let's get the introduction to figure out what's what's happening here. Many of the creatures of the Dark Legion are souls that have been corrupted, twisted, and enslaved by the Dark Symmetry and its technology. Some are more willing. <laughs> creatures from dimensions of pain and war who allow the Symmetry to take them. Or just heathen dark. Or just heathen dark. In a sense, all are part of the Dark Soul, infused with its power and influence. Those from other worlds are often in a position of power, serving as generals on the front. As special guards or directly under the apostles. Razides? Yeah, got time and rank. Is that what's called? Razides? Razides? Ezoghouls and Ilian's Templar guards are examples of powerful creatures that are wholly or partly from another dimension and different worlds. They are here to destroy humanity. What did we ever do? We can't even travel dimensions. I know, right? It's not like we went to your dimension and started peeing in your flowers or something. Why do you have to come here and try to kill us? Manifest destiny, baby. Okay, every, you know every good, every successful human civilization has has been at one point in their history conquerors. That's it. We hate all colonizers only because you couldn't be one dipshit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. They're here to destroy humanity. This is why the apostles called them forth. The Nephorites are immensely powerful and each has sworn eternal. This isn't just like for 10 years or something. No, no, it's forever. Eternal fealty to the apostles. They stand at the forefront leading the Dark Legion into battle. Their masters have twisted these creatures utterly and the very nature of the apostles has corrupted these servants to the core of their being. All right. The Nephrites. Nephrites handle the most important missions and hold positions of power. They serve directly under the apostles and are, in a way, an extension of their will and malice. Each Nephorite is the sworn enemy of humanity. You're not going to find a good one. No. Biological essentialism, people. Yep. You're not, you're not going to take a Nephrite and convert him to become the next risen angel. Nope. You're going to kill him or die. These are the most powerful creatures in the Dark Legion, save for the apostles. So you probably don't want to have your brand new no. group of characters run across one. No, no, no. They're organized according to a strict hierarchy. Okay, so they're devils, not demons. Devils of Dungeons and Dragons. 
from the hells, not from the abyss. At the top are the Nephrite overlords who are rulers of their own citadels and answer only to the apostle. It's good Under gig these, if you can get it. What's that? It's a good gig if you can get it. Well, you have to be from another dimension. So, Like I said, if you can get it. <laughs> Under these mighty monstrosities, there are Nephrite, uh, Nephrites that serve as generals and commanders. They're the high officers of the Dark Legion. So you, you get what you're dealing with here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're not going to, I'm not going to read through all this other stuff. Uh, legions of Ilion. I don't care. Okay, about now the we'll go and explain the the legions of each specific apostle. I don't think we 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 know not what the apostles are about. Yeah, now, we're yeah. not going to hit each one of these, but uh, yeah. I will. The first and foremost of the apostles, Ilian, is the bringer of darkness, the firstborn of dark soul. As the guardian keeper of the dark symmetry, she wields. I don't care what she does. I want to know what her freaking uh, people do. As your brothers go stronger, her control. Yeah, blah blah blah. Where, where is it? If every light the Dark Legion goes stronger as well. For okay, well this might be uh, useful. Yet for every life that the Dark Legion claims, Ilian grows stronger as well. For every man, woman, and child that falls, Ilian rejoices as she drinks in the essence of death and defeat. Well, she wouldn't be drinking me because I just gave it up for nothing. That sounds like a party, man. Yeah. Upon every inch of the land, the Dark Legion lays waste to it, conquers her cold shadow falls. From there, it spreads and seeps in all worlds of mankind. Okay, sure. Uh, ben speeding horror uses power. I want. Oh, here we go. There we go. Nephrite of Ilion. This is what I should have looked for. The witch Nephrite. Yeah. No other Nephrites have such immense insight into the symmetry of those in the ranks of Ilion's legions. They are powerful wielders of the dark arts as well as skilled warriors. They open portals to other planes so they can gate people in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> open portals to other planes of existence, summon forth monstrous entities to bolster the ranks of the dark legion. Come on in, boys! Ilion sends them out to advise and observe the other apostles. As always, she does it partly to help and partly to keep a close eye on her brothers. These Nephrites dress in simple garments, black tunics adorned with the symbols of the symmetry and the mistress of the void. You know, yeah, I mean, just to be honest, if anybody starts walking around wearing, you know, dark everything and it's got, uh, I forget what it's called now. Oh my God, I should know what it's called. The little scarf thing that like the, the priests wear. And it's, I, you know, what it is. I don't know. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And it's, and it's adorned with all types of mystical things. And when you look at it, make your eyes go, Oh, what the hell am I looking at? Maybe it's not a good person. No, don't, you don't have to. And you don't have to dress fancily, right? No. Uh, these, Mr. The way the heavy plate armor, they, Oh, well, never mind. Here comes heavy. They wear over their tunics. All right. It's forged in the fires of the symmetry and covered in the eternal ice of the void. Okay. Well, that's not a, that's not a costume either. That is, uh, I'm telling you what I am still. Yeah. Yeah. They're among the tallest Nephrites, really. Does that matter? Uh, and stand imposing, gaunt, and twisted. Oh, it's like Slender Man. Yeah. Their bodies are wrapped in hooked icy chains to the void. Oh, it's a Cenobite, which the Nephrites control by will alone. Okay. How many movie references can we throw in here to find oh, out what these guys are? Yeah. <laughs> these can unwrap in order to be used as weapons. Okay. You are a Cenobite. And everything they touch will suffer the corrupting effects of the void. Like serpents ready to strike, they weave back and forth when the Nephrites enter combat and are used to snare and rip their enemies apart. Oh, um, what's that comic book? Oh my god, I can't think of the name. It's Spawn. Kind of okay. reminds me of it's got a Spawn feel to it. Okay, yeah. Ilian is the only apostle that has Nephrites with female features in her ranks. Oh. Oh. Weird. Okay. It's unknown okay. if Nephrites actually have a gender per se or if it's merely cosmetic change imposed on uh imposed by the mistress as she wants to see her own features reflected in her most powerful servants sure why not well i want to know you know 
<laughs> I want to know before I lift up the tail. <laughs> exactly right. You know, or, uh, and not only are you down, but you know, am I down? So I've got to figure the, these things out, and then we can we can get busy. Okay, I said I wasn't going to show stats, and here we go. I just showed stats. There you go. We'll go through it quickly. What I what I'm going to look at you look at all those powers. Oh, that's huge. I want all. Wait, wait. Is there any? Uh, uh, I don't see any uh, emperor power here. No, no, no. Well, hold no, on, hold no, on, hold on. No. We have to go down here. Dark symmetry. Okay. Kiss of the void against a grab target. A witch nephrite can attempt to cast the creature's soul into the void by spending three dark symmetry points. The nephrite of alien makes an opposed willpower test as its action. If the nephrite succeeds, it inflicts one mental wound and an additional one for every momentum spent. If the creature is reduced to zero mental wounds by this attack, it dies, leaving only a lifeless husk of a body. Awesome. Okay. So that, that's what happened to the guy who touched the, touched the thing. Yeah, apparently he either, she got a lot of successes or... He was kissed by Ilium. Yeah. So that's got to be worse, right? Probably. Yeah. Sorcerer's power, which Nephrite is able to employ dark gifts as powerful creature of Ilium. Nephrites of Ilium know and can employ all of the dark symmetry gifts. Oh. And And all those of Ilium's pattern. Oh, I'm down. I'm down. You got to be a woman. Fuck. Well, no, you don't have to be a woman. You have to be from a different dimension. Oh, yeah. This isn't for heretics. All oh, right, right, yeah. Oh. All right, well, well, here's another one for her, Defiled Avatar. And we're not going to read them all. In fact, we'll probably go to another, um, what do you call them? This. Templar. Templar. Sure. Probably getting lower in the food children chain. Children of, yeah, Children of Ilian. Okay, Wretched Creatures. Taken from another world, yeah. Yeah. Again, more in other worlds, damn it. Well, yeah, that's where they come from. Remember, the people from this world are heretics. Right, right. And, and they don't trust you. As a heretic, you may be down for anything. That's fair. That's fair. That's true. Morality ceases to mean anything in the in the awesome power of the uh, of the dark soul. So this, okay. this one actually looks like it'd be fun to read. Yeah, let's look at this one because you oh, get... that is that is a bad picture. That is nightmare fuel. That's nope, uh, going the wrong way. No, no, I, we'll get down to it. Okay. It's a malignant. Okay. When a human is exposed to the raw forces of dark symmetry, either through focused corruption or as a result of Specially crafted necrotechnological spores, Ilian crafted. Sure. Why not? <laughs> necrotechnological spores. Awesome. Is that, is that like evil nanobots? Yeah, it's it's necrobots. Necrobots. <laughs> uh, they risk turning into a malignant. When a human oh. is exposed in this way, it works almost like a kind of mutagenic symmetry virus. Okay. Teenage mutant ninja sure. malignants. The soul is burned away and the flesh is twisted. The awesome. end result is a humanoid creature whose facial features look as if... It's melted away like fleshy wax, and the teeth and nails give way to wicked rows of long incisors and talons. Oh, that's that's something. I, I, I'm having visions of the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, only instead of dying, you become a horrible monster. Yeah, yeah. It only okay. it only yeah. works halfway. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> In most cases, the process of becoming a malignant is a prolonged ordeal. See, see, take away hope very slowly with pain and and. Uh, and uh um what do you call it uh suffering suffering and uh hope goes last the change begins with the mind slowly giving way to corruption and can often be mistaken for insanity at first well i think it kind of meets the definition the mind turns darker and the worldview of the afflicted changes what begins as fear of what is happening soon grows to anger sadism sadism really i am so angry i'm gonna (laughs) and homicidal tendencies 
Soon, the individual will begin to revel in the malice that has grown in his soul. The, voice, the voices of the apostles begin to whisper to him, and the symmetry, symmetry begins, and the symmetry begin, okay, to deform his body. In the end, he is turned into a pure monster with the sole purpose of terrorizing and killing humans. So this isn't a heretic. You can't play. No, one no, of these. this is this is like a an intelligent attack dog. Yeah, ripping claws and fangs, infection. It's mummy rot. It's a fucking yeah. mummy. Yeah. Oops, sorry for the cursing. Uh, special abilities: ambush predator, feed upon fear, turn to cold. Okay, dark symmetry spend. Let's see what this is. Lurking terror. By spending one dark symmetry point, the malignant can attempt an average D1 stealth test. Okay, so not hard to stalk and terrorize its prey. If it succeeds, it can force a single creature and one per momentum spent to take a challenging D2 willpower test or suffer a mental assault. Wow. So it's just like, um, I can't think. It's all. It's almost like a, a Doctor Who, the Blink uh, episode. Oh, it's oh, just the, too the creeped angel. out. Yeah the, yeah, the Weeping Angel, where you're just weeping too creeped angel. out. It's not about looking in this case. I get that. But you're just so creeped out. You're like, uh. You know it's after you. Yeah. You know it's playing with you. And more and more, you're starting to lose your mind. Kiss okay. it. Yeah. It, where? That's, that's what I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does it help me become a heretic? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, malignant change. Yeah, that's what I want to look at. There are many different stages stages in the change from human to malignant, and only certain arts of the Brotherhood can reverse if caught in time. Oh, it has to be caught in time. Yep. The malignant change is you. Yeah. It's considered to be a disease. So vector injury by malignant or casting it. Oh, so another one can do it as well. Yep. Virulence equal to the number of dark symmetry icons rolled. Ooh, that could be bad. I mean, it could be easy, Pass but it, yeah. Incubation period twenty four hours. So you're not even going to know right away. Nope. Symptoms, one dread, and dark symmetry, corruption role, where X is the virulence. Okay, so it'd be this up here. Yeah. Uh, dark influences caused by this corruption result always result in heightened aggression and a predatory cannibalistic hunger. Awesome. Once the character's mental wound boxes are tainted, the disease enters the final stage and the character retreats to a cold, dark place. Oh, you have to go metamorphize. You have to go yep. get your cocoon, uh, yep. transforming permanently into a malignant over the next hour. Only hour? Yep. That, that crap takes an hour? Yep. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm back in the right horse. All right? <laughs> Interval. Cr hours. Chronic. Three. Wow. There's no natural cure to the malignant change. Oh, you'd think? Nope. No mundane treatments and medicines? Uh, can do more than suppress the symptoms. What? How it looks? I guess. Only the exercise disease spell from the aspect of exorcism can cure the disease outright, and only if the disease has not entered its final transformative stage. While the okay. exercise corruption spell can purge the taint, the malignant change leaves upon the soul. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's zoom out. Let's go find one more th one more interesting one to look at for these uh, monsters. There's the castigator for you. I mean, that's we already know his deal. Kind of creepy looking. Yep. Um, Legions of Algroth. Those, these are the soldiers. These are the warriors. Yeah. It's neat. Dark technology. Sure. Necro technology. Oh yeah. Biotech. Do you, do you want to know more about necro technology? It's only Absolutely. two paragraphs. Okay. Let's look Absolutely. at that. It's two paragraphs. Necrotechnology. This technology is the most mystifying and terrifying. It uses dead organic material, gross, that is animated and corrupted by. The dark symmetry and in most cases a damned human soul or spirit from the netherworld is forced into the weapon armor or implant hey waste not want not you got all these souls right might as well use them 
Got all these dead bodies, got all those souls out there. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Exactly. The souls and spirit captured inside necrotechnology possess a demonic nature, and their presence has a tendency to corrupt, twist, and pervert those who employ the objects which these spirits are about. Okay, come on now. Oh, okay. You can actually uh, have have a, have people find a piece of technology, have it look really cool, but it's actually necrotechnology. The more they use it, the more they get corrupted. That's awesome. I like that. Another frightening aspect is the fact that they have minds of their own. Oh, you got an ego weapon. Yep. They draw power and energy from their surroundings and can form a parasitic or symbiotic link with the carriers. The energy is efficiently ac- accumulated and can be released in highly destructive bursts. Oh man, you can get a super good like, like, uh, you know, BFG. Yeah, there you go. That, that you never have to reload because it draws energy from everywhere around it and shoots a shoots a giant particle beam weapon thing and like, oh, this thing is great. I'm gonna use it all day. And then after about a couple of weeks, you're like, dude, you got this thing. Is, is that a horn? Was it? Now I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Then you end up well, looking like that guy. Yeah, let's look at, uh, this is a nephrite. It's a pit fiend. So let's see what the pit fiends of Algorath do. Creature of symmetry. A warmonger nephrite is able to employ dark gifts as a powerful creature of Algorath. Okay, warmonger nephrite. No okay, so that's kind of the same thing as before. Following dark gifts. Okay, that's it. That's, that's the only thing it gets for dark. Well, what are his main things? Supernatural strength four. Well, that's okay. It's going to kill you. If he hits, he's going to kill you, right? Yeah. Fast. Unholy flechette. <laughs> wow. Two plus eight dark symmetry dice. Holy crap on a crap cracker. It's unwieldy. Huh? I wonder why. No kidding. It has knockdown right. and a spread of two. So, oh, good. So it can wow. hit more than one person. Yeah. Uh, Fist of malice. That sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, Azagar melee. So is this, is this what this weapon is right here that he's holding? The fist of malice? No, no, the one above it. This this freaking spiky chain spear. Yeah, is that a chain or is it just spikes? I don't know. I think it's just spikes. Uh reach gruesome vicious three. Yeah, this is all bad. Eleven. Eleven. Wow. (laughs) Oh no, that's what it is. That that, that's what the thing he's holding. And and Azagar. Yeah, Azagar. Gruesome vicious three reach. Two-handed. Holy crap on it. This is gonna one-shot most people. Yeah. I think that's the point. Well, yeah, fair. You know, it is the highest level, right? Uh, yeah. Underneath the, underneath the, 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 uh, not the avatar. What the hell they call the, the apostle himself. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, centurions. They look, they look very zombie esque. Like I was to say, they look like zombies. Okay, but yeah, I'm gonna go with orcs. zombie orcs. Uh, fair enough. Which is probably true. <laughs> right. Undead legionnaires. Hey, that's me. This remind this reminds me of Ralph Bakshi's wizards. Oh. Kind of the undead look with the little yep. World War One whatever helmet there and so forth. Yep. Oh, that's what are you? I might have to read this one. That is That's your unicorn. Yeah. That is there you go. that's an undead snappy mouth centaur. Uh, it's it's a cross between a centaur and a xenomorph from Alien. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Is that? Oh, oh, we mentioned these things earlier. Yeah, we did. A Razid or Razide? I don't know if that is pronounced uh, or not. Probably Razid. Probably Razid. Taken from another time and space and enhanced by the Tekrons of Algorand. Yeah, you think another time and space? Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder. What yeah. right out there? <laughs> uh, the Razid stand over three meters tall, so that's damn near ten feet. Yeah. It's made out of reddish flesh. Wait, but that wasn't reddish. 
Are we um, looking at the wrong creature? Black iron, hardened glass, and meteorites from another dimension. Built in layers. Hold on. I want to make sure. Oh, no. This is an Ezo. This is an Ezo. Yeah, we're going down oh. to the Ezo Ghoul. Sorry. We're going to go down to the Ezo Ghoul. Ezo Ghoul. All right. The hell is where is it? No, that that's the dude. That's the dude. Oh, that's, that's the him. one we yeah, that's the one we were yeah, just yeah, that's the one we're reading. He is he needs you know how do you eat too big? He's too big. You know, some sometimes you get muscles too big, they're just for show now. Push over. I know, right? He needs leg day, is what he needs. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, so he's a cool, is he's a cool up here? Yeah, there we go. All right. So I, I want to know what that freaking unicorn thing is. It's unknown from which war-torn hellish dimension this gargantuan creature comes from. It lives and breathes for the glory of the battlefield, and its only ardent wish is to cause pain and suffering to other beings. Well, if you... I saw the teeth. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well it's, impossible, it's impossible to tell how much of the creature is actually its true body or a highly advanced bio-cybernetic combat chassis. You know, all these creatures could be thrown into rifts. Yes. Yes, That's they could. That's freaking awesome. RPG is dumb if you get any any ideas from this. <laughs> I was going to yell, but nope, no, actually, it's a good idea. Uh, it's impossible to tell how much of the creature. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, highly advanced. By, it looks like a depraved and twisted version of the mythical centaur. Yep. yep. Its torso is large with powerful arms. Okay, it's and with describing. We know what it looks like. Go down the powers. Well, I, well but yeah, but I like the part where it's bone. Okay, fine. Weaponry is often merged with its body. Sure. Uh, they're Can't drawn to conflict. Up. Indeed, they seem to be able to sense it, appearing unheralded and mostly, oh, hey, let's go over that way. Somebody's fighting. <laughs> they're incapable of speech. Well, that's okay. Yeah. And only communicate using mental images sent telepathically. I'd rather have the speech. Yeah, yeah, that's a little evasive, bro. I don't, I don't know about that. Because <laughs> I don't want to know what mental images you're yeah, sending. I don't, don't want to know what you think about. I don't need it. They are known to roar, however. And and a few who survive an encounter with an Isagul can can forget. Oh, and okay, I see how it's being written here. And few who survive an encounter with Isagul can forget the hideous call. So seventeen strength. So you know, good luck failing that roll. A little tough. Uh, howling blade, three plus ten, hand cannon, uh, one plus seven, and carcass grenade. Eh, it's not that great. Yeah, but it doesn't run out of bullets. That's nice. Um, what's this ill? What are these? What's this Zitisic thing here? Um, although they're <laughs> incapable of breathing an atmosphere suitable for humans, Isagul's are bonded with a parasitic device that provides a breathable atmosphere. Oh, okay. That's nice. Completely unaffected by poisonous gas, suffocation, drowning, any condition that revolves around not being able to breathe. Sure. Okay. Or breathing in particular. Okay. Got it. I mean, fast healing too. Uh, telepathic, okay. not great. Supernatural agility, coordination, personality, physique, strength, dark symmetry, creature of symmetry. Yeah, that, that's just use the able, powers. Yeah, is able to employ dark gifts as a powerful creature of Algaroth. Isogul's know and can employ the following dark gifts: sense, weaves of power, dark curse, and black hey. fire. Black fire. <laughs> I knew, I knew you're gonna be excited about that one. <laughs> All right. Um, there we go. Let's just page through the rest of these and not really read, unless something really catches your your fancy there. Um, but we, we want to show them off because, you know, one, the artwork is pretty cool. It yeah. sets a theme. Even if you don't necessarily exactly like the artwork, it sets a theme for... Oh, wait, what's this? Pestilence made flesh. That's a disease. Yep. Oh, look at you. That's nice. It's like an, it's like an elf. Yeah. Undead elf. elf. Oh, you're... 
That's a vagina face. That is a vagina face. And and only 10% of vaginas, in my experience, have tentacles. <laughs> so it's a it's a rare vagina. <laughs> oh man. It's a rock. That is that is a that is a dumb bird. It's Jason. That is Jason with stupid elbow pads. <laughs> it's a smiley Jason. It is. He's a happy Jason. What? Another vagina face? This one's with teeth. What's with those? Once again, the legs don't. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Leg day, brother. Leg day. Oh, it's a, uh, was it a Nurgle? Is that what it's called in, in, uh... in riffs? That is a, uh, that is a alien. Oh, it's an Atiug from D&D. It's an Atiug. <laughs> Ravenslayer says, I can't believe you went there. Only 10% of vaginas in my experience. <laughs> it just came out and it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely funny. Uh, all right. So you can see what kind of evil thing. What the hell? Okay, dude, neck. This, see, this is one of those people that put the rings around the neck. Yep. Yep. Those wings don't look like they're functional. That now is. we're getting an artist. Nobody survived an encounter with this creature. So here's the artist inter interpretation. Yeah, yeah. This is the interpretation of what we think it was. So there you go. Oh, look, even demons wear shoulder pads and have mustache. <laughs> got the mustache. Hey, if you can grow it, you may as well. You know, the undead ones over there can't. So you may as grow right. yours, right? Oh, this is this is uh, that's oh, that was fun. The screaming thing. That was fun. He's got look at his teeth. Yep. And he's foaming at the mouth. He's rabid. Yep. Kill him. Oh, what? It's a mimic. Turn on. Oh, no. This reminds me of Cemetery Man for some yes. reason. I want the head. I want the head in there. Yes, the head in the TV. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Um, You're dressed way too nicely to be in this environment, lady. Well, this is a this that, that right there. All that right there is a uh, Fifty Shades of Grey situation. <laughs> so uh, she's she's doing exactly what she has to do. It's fine. All right, let's go through comments. I am done. That was it. Maybe I don't know how long that was. It was short. It was long. Whatever. Just wanted to show a few of them, give you an idea of the Dark Apostles. And uh, there you go. Uh, now, actually, there's one more thing before we go into comments. Uh, uh, we can do com we can do comments first. Right. Uh, just remind Very me to ask to you. Ask? Yes, most of that was, especially at the end. We really turned a corner and mouth of madness. Yes. Also again, another, another uh, book and or movie reference. That's good. And if you, if you haven't seen the, I believe is 1994 movie in the mouth of madness, I recommend it. It's good. Real good. Then crafty says, has the book discussed troopers, elites and nemesis enemies that troopers can be grouped into hordes and squads, increase the number of D20s. A horde I didn't dive into that. That's yeah, in the game master section. Yeah, we didn't get into that. Is that a game master section? Okay, yeah, we didn't do anything game master section. And I'm not, and I'm not going to go through all of that stuff there. We did talk about the nemesis a little bit when, uh, it, when I rolled up the character. But it, no, we didn't go into all that. It, a lot of what we're doing here with these read-throughs, the intent is to... Get you to get the book. Yeah, it, well, that's one. Get you the book. But uh, is to give you... Sure, we might dive a little deeper than you, than you might want. But it's uh, it's to show you what's in here, what the game is about, us discussing it, and a lot of times for us to discuss things properly, we have to go through the entire chapter because something, a question that he might have, 
might be later on or yada yada. So Speaking of, it wasn't answered. Why? Why was it so much easier to infect AI than people when the dark symmetry has not been around since we've had technology? All right, folks, like, subscribe and share and answer that question. If you know the answer to it or if you have what you think is an amazing hypothesis to that. Answer Heath and Dog's question. Why? Please. Please. If you read a novel and it says in this novel, it explains that. It. Let us know because I haven't read the novels. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll consider it canon if it's an official novel. But yeah, um, I, I didn't read that either. But just to finish up with Crafty's uh, question, uh, I, I'm intentionally staying away from the Game Master side of it because I just don't want to read through every little thing about Luna PD and, and uh, uh, all the different factions again and so forth. Yes, the factions are important, but I think I think we made their presence known. And to be honest, what's more interesting, talking about some dark demons or the factions? Right. So, uh, I mean, black fire. I mean, black fire. <laughs> no brainer. Hopefully what we have done here is talked about the game enough for you to say, I'm never going to touch this game. It's stupid. Or this game's amazing. I want it. Or you know what? I'm it's not going to buy it. But if somebody's running it, I'll, I'll give it a try. There you go. That's fine. All, all three of those, we did our job. Yep, And this is also why segment one is set up the way segment one is. It's set up to be a deep dive read through. Not in fact, this year, until we get to the second half of the year, every game we're talking about at first, we've never played. So we're learning it as we go. That's absolutely part of the example of the deep dive. What he's about to get into in segment two, so that's overview fundamentals. Those are things we actually know about. Yeah, I think every one of them are things that we know about. Yeah. Or or it's a reference to a game we know about, like when you're doing the source books. Now, I know you know right. about that, but anyway, that, that's that's intentionally done differently. So any other comments, though? No, that's that's about okay. it. So no comments. Again, and, and uh, for the people no who left comments, there are very few comments to the Mutant Chronicles stuff. For the people who did leave comments, like, why aren't you showing my comment out there? I'm, I'm looking for a particular type of comment. Isn't that you wrote anything bad? Thank you for the comments that you put, uh, put out there. I'm looking for a particular type of comment that we would go through. So I'm saying that there are no comments for Mutant Chronicles. Last thing is, uh, what is your overall take of Mutant Chronicles as a game? I, I think it's one of those games where it's really easy to just be the bad guys. Have the whole group be the bad guys. Okay. Really easy to do that. A lot of games don't have that as an easy option. This one, it's I think it's just as just as viable to run an all all bad guy, all heretic campaign and a and a and a whole all brotherhood campaign. It's just as viable either way. Yeah, um, I would have to play this game for a while. And what I mean for a while is, I mean, like more than one session it doesn't have to be for a year, but I have to play it for a while. I still feel to this day, and I'm trying to get on board with some of the folks, but to this day, I still feel that the momentum thing is too much. Momentum, Chronicle Points, Dark Symmetry. Um, Part of my issue with that might be that I'm jaded by Coriolis. And I know I mentioned Coriolis a bunch when it came to, to that. And we are going to cover Coriolis this year. And so we'll see it. Uh, I don't, I just don't like that banking. And, you know, some of the things where uh, like uh, Omanella has stated, well, but it gets buy-in for the players. Well, I don't need buy-in for the players. So that to me, that's just a, that's a non-starter. It doesn't even matter to me. If the players don't trust me as a game master, go away. Uh, well, but it degrades over time. I don't care. You can still have it. If you add all that stuff together, you can, you can 
at all. But then the game master gets it as well. I don't want a point system. And I know Kai feels this way, but I don't want a point system limiting me as a game master. I'm sorry you had crappy game masters, but if Heathen Dog pulls something out of his butthole that is so strong and powerful and out of place, I might call him out on it, but it's still his game. Yeah. I mean, you'll play it to the end unless it's so so egregious you have to walk yeah. away. But at the end of that, you're talking about it. And if I don't have good answers for you, you walk away. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, I, I might have an answer, but I don't want to tell you what it is. And I'll just be like, look, stick around. It will make sense by the time we're done. You know, th- you know things like that will happen. And I, I tend to trust my game masters. Like, okay, if you flamboozle me, I'll just never play with you again. You know, th- that's the thing is you have the right as a player to come and go. So I don't need all this buy-in stuff and I don't want to. Well, it keeps the game master in check. It keeps, I don't want that. Okay, that's just not for me. With that said, I do think the mechanic is interesting. I do think I, I like it in terms of just say I like it better than, well, a critical hit does times two damage. Let's move on. No, no, because each point of that momentum can add more and more and more. And if you roll really amazing, it's like it's one of the reasons why I like the step system, right? For Earth Dawn yeah. is because you can keep stacking those dice because they explode. Well, this game doesn't have exploding dice, but the momentum right. is is that feature. And I'm great with that. I yeah, love that. Thematically, thematically, the idea yeah. of momentum the fact that one person in your group can succeed so well, it emboldens everyone else and causes them to function more efficiently, basically. Mm-hmm. I get it. It makes sense. I've yep. seen that happen in real life. Well, if it's- he can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gives them confidence to do better. I get it. Now, Max doesn't doesn't think it's going to work properly in a game or it's going to be too cumbersome. It's a banking. It's just the banking side of it. Yeah, the whole banking side of it, he doesn't like it. I don't know if it works or not because for me, because I haven't played it. I'm I'm reserving judgment on that, but the idea is sound. The idea is sound. Yeah, I I mean to be fair, I'm I've I've made more of a judgment than you, but I I like I said at the beginning of that, I would have to see it as well. But I'm skeptical. Let's just put it that way. I'm skeptical. Now, then again, you could have a great game master who's been running the game for, you know, seven years or something. And, you know, he's just used to this in and out. Go, go, go. It's like when Crafty was running like his Conan game or whatever. Ultimately. But here's what I will say. For that kind of system, for that momentum, canonical point, yada, yada system, this is a a good game for it to be in. Better than uh, a dark space opera game you know what i'm saying something that needs to be a little bit more realistic because it allows for those heroic moments and I, and i can get that there are certain games like when you guys covered dune to this day i don't understand how dune uses this system but that's for I a don't different like dune past past the first book it gets to everyone knows what everyone's doing there's no secrets and yet someone still fails for some reason i don't understand <laughs> If you know what i know that but you know that i know that you know but you also know that i know that you know that i know <laughs> Dude, stop it. Just stop. I got you. So anyway, I, I, I all told, uh, you know, on, on, got, oh, got to use the D20 system. Uh, on, on my D20, without playing it, so it's not fair to give it a true score, but off the cuff, I give it a 12 or a 13. A little higher than average. I was definitely more interested in this than, than just like, okay, it's, it's a game that's out there. I could, I could take it or leave it. My skepticism gives it, you know, might drop it down a few points though. Maybe if I, if the momentum stuff worked out for me, it might be a 16, 17. Cause I love it. Unlike him, I actually do like the big shoulder pads, the theme, cause it's thematic. I like things that are yeah. thematic. Oh, all right. All right. I'm going to use a little heathen dog's room. I'll be back in a minute.
So while he uses the heathen, little heathen dog's room, I will see what other things went in here. First book for Dune is amazing. The rest is trash. Yeah, well, I, so specifically, heathen dog was talking about the game, if I remember correctly. But, uh, hello, Hungar. Good to see you here. Um, I don't understand Dune, so you need to say after watching the movies several times as a kid, I still don't get Okay. I tried to read the book when I was a kid, and it was over. Like, I read Foundation as a kid. <laughs> I couldn't read Dune. I tried. It's important to remember not every game is for every player. It's cool that you do not like the game's uh, meta currency. Uh, I do. In the end, we play what we like and can still be friends. Yeah. Uh, it, I, and to be fair, it's not that I dislike the game. I haven't played it. I, I can't know. I just... If I'm sitting at a table and people are worried more about Chronicle Points and, and uh, what do you call this? Uh, Chronicle Points and, uh, uh, I can't even think of the name. Uh, I got momentum, Jesus. And Dark Symmetry, I think that detracts from playing. I mean, it's very easy for somebody to say, well, I think Dice Rolling detracts from, I think Initiative detracts from, I think Alignment detracts from, sure. And that's where, you know, players are different. Ultimately, you know, if, I can see that it works. All right. All right. You ready to start your fun? Do you want you want to get it prepared first and then Heathen's got four segments for us today. Boom. Oh, I should I should have gone to the bathroom. I might do that in the middle of your segment. Well, do it you now. Got, do, do you have got slides, right? Well, no, not for this first part. Oh, well, then, yeah, I'll, I'll do it now. You, you regale the audience, then okay. I'll be back. Okay. Let's see here. Can't see all that. There we go. Going to present, huh? Get ready. What's that? Uh, when you start changing what you do to generate momentum and stuff, it gets much more gamey. That's true. That is the truth. So the Shadowrun thing is, uh, this is going to be first edition, but throughout the actual mechanics of the game, I will sprinkle in the two main differences between first and second edition because second edition is more, more popular than first after second edition, it went downhill and, uh, it, it changed, it changed the mechanics to make gameplay faster. Now, one part of the change I don't like one part of the change I do. So I'm on the fence. There's only two things I'm in the middle. So, there's that but the background is cool i love old games for the fact that the very first his, uh future event in this book is 1999 i like that the, it came out in 1989 so you know it's 10 years in the future when they wrote it but it's funny
I like Conan too. I don't, I don't know about the game so much. I never played it. I only read it in a cursory fashion. But uh, the uh, Conan comics and the and the books and the movies, while they're not directly all that similar, the movies and the comics and the books, and I, I do like them all. They have their own. They have their own charm. I've only ever watched the first two movies or the, the Arnie movies. That's it. I've oh. never read the books. I've never read the comics. Oh, I, so, I understand. So I'm not as invested as some people in it. Yeah. Um, I do want to thank my wonderful wife. One of the reasons it took me so long was because mm-hmm. I found out that one of my uh, cats crapped on the floor. Right next to you? No. Well, close enough, but uh, I have a litter box in, in my bathroom area. Mm-hmm. This is technically the master bedroom. I just use it for an office. So I have a bathroom area back there. And uh, my my male cat, the one, my older male cat that I've had for years has been acting out because of this feral cat that's here. Yeah. And it's like every day he's getting worse and worse. And as of the last couple of weeks, he's been pissing and shitting all over the place, not where he's supposed to. And he's been cowering in the corner. It's, I don't know if they got into a fight one time or something, but uh, all I know is he's been acting out for about two weeks now. So why haven't you fixed the situation? We are fixing it. It just takes time. To get rid of the feral cat? No, that's not the fix. <laughs> that's that's an immediate effective fix. Not always. And uh and still that's he's gotta get used to other animals and other things being around. He'll get used to it. With cats, it sometimes takes time. So Okay. Was it litter box? Yes, the litter box is clean. I have three litter boxes. They get cleaned every day. Uh, he's been doing it for no. He's been doing it for a while. The, the biggest thing is everywhere that that is in the way of where we hang out and where the feral cat is. He pees in the middle of it. Luckily, I don't have a lot of carpet, so it's pretty easy to clean up. So, uh, like in front of my bedroom. No, I have not stepped in it yet. Thank God. Oh, on the cat tower. <laughs> he's like this is my cat tower. That's his way of acting out. So anyway, uh, yeah, at first the feral cat was kind of the problem, but he was just getting used to being a real cat. And then uh, now the, the feral cat, other, I can touch him. He is still a little hesitant. You know, some people are like, you'll never cure him. He'll never kill. He'll never let you touch him. No, I can actually touch him with a bare hand. Now I just have to be slow. And uh, as long as I do that, he runs away from me, but uh, he lets me touch him, to, especially to feed him or if he's laying down. So he's actually, other than he can't meow, He's actually becoming a normal cat. My normal cat's turning into an asshole. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, all right, so are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. All right, let me get the... All right, for the start of segment two, we're going to have a bunch of stuff for you today. Well, all Shadowrun, so maybe that a bunch. But we're going to have Shadowrun. We're going to have a bunch of Shadowrun for you today. And Heathen Dog is going to start off by telling us the background. Then we're going to go into the combat. Then he's going to talk about magic. Oh, my God, the magic. And then finally, some adventure ideas for you and uh, how that all wraps up together. But before we do that, first thing we need to talk to you about is that we believe that role-playing games take place in fantastic worlds. And that... uh Uh-oh. I don't don't have my script. What am I supposed to say? Uh, 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 Your group should be... uh, uh, Actually, now <laughs> I had talked myself out of remembering. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, that the uh, you should be uh, role playing and having fun. Yeah. How did I do that? Seriously, how did I talk myself out of the script? I don't know. Because I had it in my head. Okay. Okay. It, take take a deep breath. I got this one. <sighs> okay. People, hashtag RPGate. Use it at your table. 
Tell your friends, tell your friends, whatever you got to do. There's three rules. Very simple. Escapism, not representation. All right. You're playing a game to escape real life, not bring real life into a fantasy. Entertainment over activism. You're doing this supposedly to have fun, right? Activism is not inherently fun. It brings, it brings conflict of people over conflict of characters. You're playing a character, not yourself. Calm down. And organic inclusion, not forced diversity. You play with the people who will play with you. Do not let anyone make you feel less of a person because you don't have XYZ alphabet people included in your game. It's not your fault that you don't have anyone who is who is that that kind of weird disabled or or is gay or bi or whatever who lives near you who will physically play with you it's not your fault that you can't find someone online to fit that box because you're not looking whoever answered the call answered the call and even That's if so, and even if somebody it. does fit that box and joins you who cares why did how do you even know yeah they just answered the call that's it so do it that way you'll have more fun there we go and and the word the word I, I it was the word focus for some reason I lost the word focus if I if I had remembered that word I would have been good to go but I couldn't remember focus but let's move on we're gonna move on to uh, hey that isn't the charity where the hell is the charity street why did our slides get all messed up over here okay there we go the charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors please for a description below or scan that little come on that guy's cute you know you want to scan him the middle of that qr code you want to do that right some people do and join us thursday saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legion of myth to watch heathen dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment thursdays is dungeon dragons online this saturday is nothing but normally saturdays is mech warrior 5 mercenaries just real quickly why did you decide to go back to ddo well we hadn't finished i mean we're at oh, okay. uh sheriff and i are at level 17 Garthon's at 15 or 16 and Marhawkman's at 15. So we haven't gotten a level 20 yet. I mean, that's where you'd stop, right? I mean, so why did you switch away from DDO? Because it, it was, it was getting a little tedious and we okay. wanted to change it up some just to that have more sense. fun. Okay. I'll make sense. I was just curious. Cause I, I thought you'd hit a stopping point. So no. uh, here at our YouTube channel, you can watch these game related segments live every Sunday at 1 PM central standard time, or check out the Friday night chill stream. That's when things get crazy. That's when things go off the rails. That's when people feel ways about things about us. Where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. And he wants to because he's got slides, but he's not lecturing, baby. Oh, no, I'm derailing him. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and subscribe for <laughs> Heathen Hug being derailed. All right. Well, this first part isn't going to have slides. Hello, everyone. And we're going to talk about the background. Did you put up my, did you put up the thing? thing the background that uh, one yeah okay cool that, that was yeah. up before yeah it started everything question for you real quick question for you what did you play more first or second edition first really okay so we played more second okay the background's the same so it's gonna be fine how the shadowrun world uh differs from ours and what happened in in the in the trek toward uh toward magic and technology existing at the same time and the tribes and tribulations of that. So let's get on to it. I mean, the cool thing is, the very first thing in this book is a giant map of Seattle. Oh, God. You know, that didn't used to trigger me. Now, oh, I used the word trigger. Damn it, that's triggering yeah. me. Yeah, you screwed up. 
you screwed up bad. It gives you a legend, everything on the map. You can, you know, where do you live? Where do you don't live? You know, where the bad guys are. This is a good, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. Mm -hmm. And it's a simplistic map. It's not, it's not overly complicated. You don't need that stuff. You just need to know. And you know what? You don't have to live in Seattle to understand it because you can make your own stuff up. Exactly. All right. So we start here on page 12. There we go. So it came to pass. All right. Rise of the mega corporations. It all began in the late 1990s. Again, this is what I love about older, older games. When they talk about the future, it's actually the past. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love it. Oh, yeah, because uh, this game came out, what, 1990, 89? 89. Yeah, that sounds right, because we played it when I was, yeah, yep. Yep. So let's let's see if, if uh, FASA was prophetic. <laughs> it all began in late 1990s, as the civil unrest that marked the end of the millennium intensified even more. Alarmed at the state of things, the corporations feared to trust their interest to indifferent or, in their eyes, incompetent governments. Beginning with their holdings in the third world countries, they armed their security personnel with the finest available equipment and hired professional mercenaries on both long and short-term contracts. Okay, so far, this is a little 10 years ahead because uh, it was in uh, the mid to late 2000s is when uh, corporations started uh, getting their own civilian contractors. So that's it. In 1999, food riots in New York City created the flashpoint angered and frightened by a three-month trucker strike that had stopped canada the flow, there you go canada that stopped the flow of fresh foods into new york the people took to the streets hundreds were killed and thousands were injured as the violence spread through the city at one point a Saratech med research truck hauling wastes including infectious materials became the target of a mob because mobs don't understand what the signs mean when it says biohazard in what became a running gunfight, Saratech security came to the aid of the corporate truckers, withdrawing them from one of the firm's medical research facilities. More violence followed as the maddened crowd stormed the building. By dawn, 20 Saratech employees were dead, while 200 rioters lay lifeless on the grounds and in the street. Okay, editorial time. If you are an unruly mob and you're attacking a truck that has biohazardous materials, I will sanction your death every day and twice on Sunday. I'm just going to look out the window and go, oh, this is going to end well. This is going to end fun. This is going to be great. Yeah, well, as long as the other side of your window is a hermetically sealed well, environment. Yeah, good, yeah. Good, good point. Otherwise, I'm picking up a gun. I'm helping killing you. All right. In the misguided attempt to crush the growing corporate armies, the city and then the state and federal governments charged Saratech with criminal negligence. That's not going to fly. Saratech asserted that by defending its truck from the mob, it prevented the potentially lethal cargo from affecting the population at large. In a landmark decision, the Supreme Court upheld Saratech's right to maintain an armed force for the protection of its own personnel and property. That is something the Supreme Court would not do. But what it would do is is uh de defend Saratech's uh actions in using lethal force on the crowd because the crowd had a reasonable uh outcome of killing thousands if not tens of tens of thousands of people if they were successful in their rampage yeah the the, the right of the people to uh, bear arms shall not be infringed yada yada um uh, yeah uh, uh, uh. 
That's interesting because, you know, people today say that, well, this company has its own security force. Yeah, but those security forces are somewhat limited. They're not free form militaries that can just drive around wherever they want, do what they want. So policing here, there and everywhere. They're used for direct protection of property, of, of immovable property. You know, armor, you know, armor trucks might be a little different in that regard, but even they're under a bunch of scrutiny and rules. So uh, I agree with Heathen Doug on that one about the about the uh, Supreme Court side. The caveat being, um, as everybody should know about me, everybody should be armed. (laughs) Then you don't have to worry about it. Somebody starts messing with the truck and uh, I'm going to save more lives. Yeah, I'm with Heathen Doug. You're done. The case set a precedent that led to the Shiawassee decision of 2001, firmly establishing the extraterritoriality of multinational corporations in international law. This basically means corporation-held property is considered a sovereign state now, for all intents and purposes, except for taxes and and whatnot like that. But they can have their own police force. They have they they I think they can even have their own judicial system to some extent. Yeah, th- it's this, very this much would, like, like this wouldn't Disneyland. happen. Yeah, it's it, it's very much like Disneyland and or Disney World. I think Disney World, where they are their own city state to some extent. But that that's again that's more of a gentleman's agreement that's not codified. Yeah, but still, yeah, the gentleman's agreement stands because DeSantis, as you know, kind of told. Uh... Yeah, yeah, told him, no, 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 no. You're not you're not more powerful than me, dipshit. Yeah, yeah Walt's dead. There it is. And then uh, there was what's called the resource rush. With their new with their new freedom, the corporations of North America increased their exploitation of the continent's resources with a vengeance. This is important because uh, who who gets the short end of the stick in North America as a people every time the United States wants to do a land grab? Native Americans, every time. There, the we we gave them their own land, and then we found gold on the land. We took it away. We gave them less less land. Then we found uranium or plutonium or no uranium uranium on the land. Oh, we took it away. Eminent domain took it away again. They keep well, eminent, it, just to be fair. Eminent domain does not just affect. I am sure, sure, but you know, I, <laughs> you know, they, they they take you know hundreds of square miles away from Indians like all the time for. Oh yeah, you got you got some resource we didn't know about before oh eh, we're gonna take that land from you and this is no different the corporations found new resources that could be exploited they paid the government to take the land away and then they bought it from the government so who's getting really pissed off native americans they're getting pissed off so much so that uh let's see uh The growing tension and hatreds finally erupted in 2009. On May 5th, United Oil Industries announced it had acquired the right to exploit the petrochemical resources in one quarter of the remaining federal parks and one-tenth of the Indian lands, which the government had just confiscated. Siam uh, reacted. Siam is the uh, Sovereign American Indian Movement. This is a, a movement in direct opposition to the current U.S. government land grab operations on all supposedly federally protected Indian lands. A small band entered the the Shiloh launch facility in northwest Montana, a missile silo, 
To this day, no one knows how the Raiders managed to bypass the security patrols, but once inside the missile silo, they met up with John Redborn, a USF major and full-blood Dakota Sioux Indian. After knocking his partner unconscious, Redborn took the man's keys and codes to unlock launch fail-safes. Uh-oh. That's bad. Issuing a demand for return of all Indian land, the Shiloh Raiders threatened to launch the silo's missiles. Ten days of tense negotiations ended when a black-garbed Delta team invaded the silo. During the struggle, which resulted in the death of all the occupying Indians, a Lone Eagle missile was launched. NORAD Command in Cheyenne Mountain watched helplessly as the missile headed for the Soviet Union. Now, this is this is bef- this is uh, in an two years rally. before. Yeah, yeah, we actually have all of our missiles default pointed away from people. They're now default pointed to an ocean, but in this in this part of in this history, it is not. Yeah, and and oh. this is two years before the fall of the Soviet Union. Right. No wait, this is two thousand nine. Well, no, no, I'm talking the game was written. Oh yeah, the game was written before the fall of Soviet. Yeah. All their autostruct signals went unheeded, and the military had no interceptors in position to down the bird because you couldn't. At this, you you couldn't do it. It's not possible. And uh, the the auto-destructs don't work because they had 10 days to disable them. 10 days of negotiation was actually stalling. Moscow was understandably skeptical of Washington's claims that the Lone Eagle was an isolated incident and not a ploy to make a surgical strike against select Soviet targets. They put their forces on full alert. As tank divisions began preparations to invade Europe, all Soviet citizens were ordered to shelters. In the United States, however, the public was unaware that it was perilously close to nuclear war. They decided not to tell us. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's Montana. Who lives there? Who yeah, didn't know? <laughs> President Garrity watched anxiously as later revealed in celebrated backroom tapes, alternatively wept, ranted, and prayed. Now, what else are you going to do? You know, there's nothing you can do at this point except wait to see if, if uh, the Soviets are going to bomb you back. Two hours later, General Secretary Nikolai Shalenko tersely informed him that the warheads had been stopped. A privately conducted stress analysis of Shalenko's voice later indicated that only 79% probability he spoke the truth, but neither a <laughs> seismic nor space-based sensors recorded any nuclear explosion at the time. Explosion or not, there was definitely fallout from the incident. So what they're likely saying is they successfully intercepted the missile before it hit, before it exploded on its own, but in doing so, spread its radioactive content over a, over an area of, of Soviet space. I don't That's believe that. I believe aliens, aliens took it. What's that? Aliens took it. Aliens? There are no aliens here. Oh. Not yet, anyway. The missile goblinized. There you go. The blame falls. When the American public learned of the Lone Eagle crisis, the outcry was enormous. Goaded by corporate propagandists, and people began, the people began to blame Siam. And by implication, all Native Americans. This fit well with the larger plans of the megacorporations, principally United Oil Industries, which was not satisfied with their rate of acquisition. By 2010, they had applied enough pressure to pass a Re-Education and Relocation Act. This new law called for the confinement of anyone connected in any way to Siam. I just just want to focus, just people know, if you read this first paragraph, it has a historical allegory. I'm not going any further than that, but it has a historical allegory. Things like this have happened. 
Thousands of innocent Native Americans were sent to concentration camps, euphemistically called re-education centers. They always are. Among those shipped to the Abilene camp was Daniel Coleman, future prophet of the Great Ghost Dance and the first war shaman of the Native American nations. History knows him, or will know him, as Daniel Howling Coyote. Oh. Exactly. Uh, tribulations. Uh, here we go. Vitus. There you go. Virally induced toxic allergy syndrome broke out first in New Delhi, but within weeks, cases were being reported all over the globe. In the worst epidemic since the Black Plague, this is uh, after 2010, in 2010, an estimated 25% of the world's people were dead or dying by the end of 2010. Holy crap. Most fatalities were in outlying areas where medical care was unavailable or in high population centers where the supplies of medicines and interim vaccines were insufficient. China, India, and many African nations and many densely populated third world cities suffered disproportionately because their medical delivery systems sucked or they didn't care in the, in the case of China. They most likely just didn't care. India, we, we, need, we need room anyway. <laughs> yeah. Tragic as the Vitus Plague was, it was the only beginning, only the beginning of unprecedented chaos, beginning with the violent disillusion of the Mexican government in January 2011, which is probably still going to happen because Mexico has been on fire for a couple decades now. Well, since 1848, when we decided to leave it, uh, you can have it back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But uh, yeah, the uh, all of the, the, um, the, the cartels and the government have been in a power struggle for so long that. I'm surprised it still exists. Uh, more governments fell than any other five-year span in history. Famine stopped. Well, after 25% of the world died, yeah, some governments are going to bite it. That's the way it is. <laughs> Adding to the already lengthy rolls of the dead, massive civilian protests led to raids on European nuclear power plants, three of which suffered meltdowns. See, yeah, again, that's... mobs. What are you going to do? Kill them. Well, one, one of the things that's funny about that is in 1989, I, I, I'm not a nuclear engineer, so I can't answer the exact year when this would have been right or wrong. But around this time, there was still a fear of nuclear power because, you know, the Seven Mile Island and, and so forth, right? Yep. If this were actually the mid-2000s? No. You know how nuclear reactors don't melt down like that anymore. They have too many safety for protocols in place. There are too many things that, you know, again, nuclear reactors built in the 60s, 70s. Yes. Nuclear reactors built in the 2000s. No. Or even even the 80s and 90s. Probably. They, I just can't yeah. speak to that. Yeah. But, you know, even the older reactors, they have been updated to the point where they, they have proper safety protocols. OK. That you can leave them alone. And just not man them. They'll shut themselves down rather than rather than, you know, meltdown. They'll just shut up. They'll shut down. Okay. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, European nuclear power plants, three of which suffered meltdowns. Radiation fallout was extensive and damaging. No kidding. On the heels of the Vitus came the frightening phenomenon later named unexplained genetic expression, or UGE. All over the world. Mutant and changeling children were being born to normal, quote, normal parents. Newsweek dubbed these UGE children elves, and it seemed that the horsemen of the apocalypse had finally arrived. This year had become known as the year of chaos. That's weird because I don't remember that part. I, I remember gobbledization. I didn't remember that births were happening. Gobbledization happened when the trolls and the orcs came. 
The elves came yeah. first. Yeah, but I thought everything happened in puberty. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, that's just the way I remembered it. Is that everything happened in puberty, not at birth? Okay. No, there, there, there are two ways. Okay. Born that way or puberty enacts it. As miracles and calamities were reported from every nation, religions rose and died. Prophets appeared proclaiming the end of the world. Well, I wouldn't blame them. On one of these emerged from the despair of a concentration camp. On December 24th, at the same moment that hundreds of Japanese witnessed the first appearance of the great dragon Rumio. How do you pronounce that? Uh, Rumio. Rumio. I'm going to call him Ryu. Okay. As they sped past Mount Fuji on a bullet train, the prophet of the great ghost dance, Daniel Howling Coyote, led his followers out of the Abilene Reeducation Center. Well, how'd he do that? Let him out? What? Well, we'll get there. Don't worry. The Sixth World. What we know as the year of chaos was actually the end of the old age and the beginning of the new. The dawn of our awakened world. Some mystics point to some Mayan calendar as an authority, noting it predicts a new cycle of humanity <laughs> on December 24th, 2011. Again, this 1989, it's a big yeah. thing. They also say that the appearance of the dragon Ryu is the signpost marking what the Mayans called the sixth world. Had they done better research, these dreamers would have discovered that the Mayans also predicted a world-destroying calamity that would herald the birth of a new, improved race of humans. Where were these things? Yeah. It is true that we face trials, disasters, and great change, but we do not have a new world. It's still good old Mother Earth, right? Nope. Not really. We get a better model of the change by looking at the historical shift from BC to AD. No one at the time knew it had happened. Only hindsight reveals it. Well, yeah, because because Christ wasn't that important yeah. to the yeah, world. He, he, was just, he was just another another baby of of uh, of adultery. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> adultery. it. Adultery. <laughs> Wow. Well, chat's about to get triggered. Oh, yeah, well, whatever, because that, that's what an outside observer at the time would say. All right, the dance. Here's how he walked out of Abilene. For years after Daniel Coleman led his cadre of believers out from Abilene rec compound, he dropped from public view. Uh, knowledge of his activities during that period is minimal, but he was most certainly proselytized. I can never say that word. Uh, where, where are you in there? Proselytizing. Pro Pro, nope, can't do it. Among oh, Native pro, Americans, pro, oh, pros, okay, I see they were proselytizing. Okay, proselytizing. There you go. Those still free and as well as those incarcerated in camps heard his word. This inspired Native Americans to resist the tyranny of their existence. Many more escaped the camps, eluding the federal authorities. Okay, here's what happened. Here's an eyewitness account of what happened when Daniel and and uh, and the other American Indians walked out of Abilene. Before he reads that, I just want to remind folks, we're going through the background of Shadowrun, a game written, probably written in 87, 88, but came out in 89 for a future that is now our past. You know, so he's he's covering the background as to, you know, oh, what yeah. leads us to, you know, the next videos, which is combat magic and, right. you know, adventure ideas. The Awakening. It was uncanny. They just ignored us. But it was more like they had never heard a word we said. I thought it might have been the thunder that was drowning out the loudspeaker, but my boss didn't agree. He decided to make good his threat to fire if they didn't stop. I was scared, though, what with the spooky way them engines was acting. Even, even, come on, <laughs> come on. When the others started firing, I did too. But the engines just kept walking. And that Coleman fella was kind of like glowing. I know the scientists say it was just a trick of the light, but some kind of reflection from the lightning, I guess. I still swear I hit him clean two, three times, but he just kept walking. When they got to the gate, which had come blown open in the wind, they just waltzed right out. 
We didn't go after him that night because of the storm. The next morning, we couldn't find a trace. It was weird. Yeah, it was really weird. All right. In 2014, Daniel Coleman stepped out from the shadows. He called himself Howling Coyote and declared that he was a shaman of the ghost dance. Backed by an elite core of fanatics, he announced the formation of the Native American Nations, a coalition of tribes. They laid claim to all of North America and demanded the immediate withdrawal of all persons of European, African, and Asian ancestry. Well, <laughs> he hit the big three. <laughs> Win the war next time. Well, guess what? They're about to. Oh, okay. Of course, the media tried to make a laughing stock of him, but the joke stopped when Howling Coyote and his ghost dancers demonstrated their power. Also in 2014, Redondo Peak erupted, burying Los Alamos, New Mexico under a cloud of ash. Howling Coyote appeared in a vidcast from a nearby Zuni reservation. He claimed credit for invoking our Mother Earth and those who forsook her. Surviving documentation indicates the U.S. government did not take the claim seriously. I wouldn't either, right? He's trying to take credit for a natural, natural disaster. disaster. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, it, so so they decided. But we didn't to send understand shamanism and ritual yeah. magic at that. Yeah, point. at this point, we don't get it. We're about to. Don't worry. Uh, the guerrilla war went on with great embarrassment of the federal and corporate forces who seem unable to see or touch their prey. While frustration mounted in the government, it became harder to enforce new blackouts and official denials were increasingly thin. Finally, someone leaked the whole story and it rocked the government with President Jesse Garrity forced to take the heat. Now they have to do the Indian question. And this is what happened. William Jarman, the new U.S. president issued the now infamous executive order 17-321 immediately upon taking office. One month later, Congress ratified it. You don't need to ratify an executive order, but whatever. With the Resolution Act of 2016. Well, it ratified it into an actual law. Okay. The corrupt government had sanctioned Jarman's plan to resolve the Indian question. Total extermination of all Native American tribes. Well, okay, so that went from one extreme to the next. Yeah. Well, that's your question. And Howling Coyotes got your answer. Early in the year, when the government moved to implement the resolution, several months of freak weather and other uncanny disturbances disrupted military bases and supply dumps assigned to the plan. With each new delay, the president sacked another general, but he refused to commit his forces piecemeal. By August 17th, the government had finally managed to assemble its troops, and the operation began to roll. And then Daniel went, all right, well, this is how it is now. That morning at 10.32 a.m., Mount Hood, Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens, and Mount Adams all erupted in cataclysmic fury. Mother Earth had announced whose side she was on, and even the most skeptical became believers. This is not something that can be explained away in coincidence. At all. That's vulgar magic. Yes. <laughs> Four mountains don't erupt at the exact same minute. They don't. The odds are so astronomical as to be ridiculous. And at the same day that the government was finally ready to push its plan to kill all Indians. That's another coincidence. That's not really a coincidence. <laughs> Meanwhile, Native American tribesmen and non-Indian sympathizers were occupying military bases in all three North American countries. Chastened and wary, the three governments sent representatives to Denver to negotiate with the ghost dancers in 2018. 
Three months later, they'd hammered out the Treaty of Denver. In the treaty, the federal governments of the United States, Canada, and Mexico acknowledged the sovereignty of the Native American nations over most of Western North America. The document outlined a 10-year population adjustment plan that would relocate all non-Indians off lands belonging to the Native American nations. Provisions included the establishment of reservations for non-tribal peoples and corporations, the maintenance of certain cities, such as Seattle, and extraterritorial extensions of the... Okay, long story short, like 75% of the North American continent now belongs to the Indians. There are certain... Uh, protected areas dotting the landscape that are former U.S., former Canada, former Mexican uh, uh, sovereign areas, but they are surrounded by Native American nations on all sides, and that's by design. If they get uppity, they get killed. So for folks, I, they won't be able to see because I'm not going to make it bigger, but um, there it is. What page is it? Uh, well, no, this isn't the main book. Oh. There these pages are old. I don't want to rip the book apart. So it's kind of a map of the U.S. Can you see the different color sections there? I don't yeah. know where it is on screen. See but the little there. dots? <laughs> That's funny. What's that? Well, the, the, the dots are, are like the city, but uh, yeah. yeah um, All that green area, I think, is the NAN. Well, yeah, I mean, it says it on here. What's a, yeah, most of it. That's funny. So Seattle. So here's a question. According to this, island, basically. Yeah. Okay. So Seattle is an island. So Portland looks like it's an island too, but that's that's the Elflands. I remember that. Yeah. The entire Western United States is. Yeah. Uh, and and Canada and a lot of and no, not a lot, but a significant portion of Mexico. Because part, again, part of me didn't remember that. I was like, no, nah, there are lots of corporate you know shenanigans going on, but no, Seattle is isolated according yep. to that. Yep. All right. Now we're going to get into goblinization. On April 30th, 2020, a totally inexplicable phenomenon began. All over the world, one out of every 10 men, women, and not, not children, just men and women, suddenly metamorphosed into hideous humanoid shapes. For some, the process was short and mild. Others spent days or weeks in the hospital. Some recovered, while others died screaming in agony. In those horrible weeks, two new races of men were, were emerging like strange spring flowers under the awakened sun. Goblinization was the name the media gave to the seemingly catastrophic process, which was but another threshold point in the reemergence of magic. Researchers had their own names for it, mostly polysyllabic mouthfuls, string constants standing for, for strings of seemingly unconnected words. Whatever the name, the result was the same. No race or ethnic group was spared, as 10% of the world population across the board became what were soon dubbed orcs and trolls projecting dark dreams of goblins into the unsightly physical modifications of the victims. And we're going we're gonna to show you what they look like in a minute. You're not going to like it. Most of these unfortunates were traumatized by the experience. No kidding. And if they were not, their loved ones were. I want to know no why kidding. Scrang, Obsidiman, and Windlings didn't happen. Not enough magic yet. <laughs> That's coming. Uh, some accepted the media's name for them as licensed to act like ghouls and goblins of legend, making incidents of violence common. I would too. You know what? It's it's human nature to distrust everything that's different. And if suddenly your your neighbor Carl turns into an orc, damn it, Carl! I know turns into an orc right under your nose. Carl's no longer Carl. Carl's an orc. 
Carl, I haven't seen you in a week. Yeah, I wasn't feeling well. You look a little different. Look a little different. Yeah, now now you're seven and a half feet tall, covered in garbage. Had it ended there, surely the psychological wounds would have healed in time. But some, again, quote, normal children changed as they grew older, joining the ranks of the so-called orcs and trolls. Oh my God, now we don't know. These either grouped with their kind or mated with a great hearted souls who could see past their physical shells. The offspring of such unions were sometimes normal, sometimes not. Not all the quote normal children remain that way. However, many suddenly underwent goblinization at puberty and the trauma and its associated maladjustments cycled throughout the community. So this is a hit that keeps on coming. You have no idea if your kid is going to stay human until puberty. And that's worse. You think puberty's bad? Puberty sucked, right? For everybody. It was not fun. Your body's changing. Your feelings are changing. Everything's harder to control. You got weird hair everywhere now. It's mass hysteria in your, in your brain, right? Now you're growing now, teeth. and <laughs> now, now you're growing tusks. Yeah, horns. And... Teeth, tusks mm-hmm. or armored plates. And you're getting to be at least six feet tall in the in the span of a couple of days. That's going to wreck your brain. It's going to wreck your brain, unless your parents were also orcs or trolls, and then you're at least somewhat psychologically prepared for it. UGE goblinization and the violence it spawned consumed the people of Earth for much of the next year. Where the color of men's skins had once been a great barrier, the people of Earth now began to hate and fear the new races. The emerging elves, dwarves, orcs, and trolls. In the year 2022, race riots racked the gl- an actual race riots. Not, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, they're actually funny. a different it's funny race. It's near Seattle, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, racked the globe on a scale never seen. In the turmoil, new nations emerged when states split from their parent countries or coalesced from two or more units. In North American sphere, most important of these were the independent Quebec and newly formed Caribbean League or Caribbean League. Maybe once. The U.S. government declared martial law for several months in a futile attempt to control, while reports trickling out of the Soviet Union told deaths on a mass scale. Well, the Soviets' answer to most problems is wipe it. it out. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happened there. In fear of their lives, many of the changed beings went hiding. That's that's legit. I believe that. As the year drew to a close, however, another specter, more gruesome than Orc Patrol, raised its head. The Vitus Plague, part two, swept the globe. While another 10% of the world's population fell, racial violence flickered out, leaving both human and metahuman reunited. Oh, oh in wait, fear. that now that's not half accurate. They went the opposite route during COVID. <laughs> yeah. But now. 25% and then 10% of population actually died. Yeah. Unlike COVID, where yeah, there's fair. actually bodies stacked like cordwood in the streets. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah. Okay. Magic and the Matrix. Okay. The the Matrix thing, it gets a it gets a little weird, but this is what I'm gonna do. All right. I'm just gonna breeze by it. Okay. All right. This uh, is just an overview, folks. It's yeah, not a deep dive. So... I'm gonna breeze by this. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> Uh, hacking cyber terrorists got better, better, better. And then on a, an attack on the internet itself was enacted. The crash of 29 computer systems across the world were attacked and nobody could stop it. 
these 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 viruses were infecting system after system, self-propagating almost like a real virus. But there was an invention, the cyber terminal, where people would get into deprivation chambers and their minds would be projected into the internet. Two things were were known, were found out during this. One, this was the only way to combat the uh, the virus that was infecting the internet. And number two, anyone using a cyber terminal went through security like it wasn't there. No amount of security could keep them from anywhere. Out of, out of the dozen or so people that started, uh, a handful of them survived because this virus, if it infects you, you die. If the virus killed you in the, in the matrix or the internet, you died in real life. Some survived. Most of them had horrible PTSD. That's what happened. But uh, new security measures had to be made because anyone with, like I said, anyone with a cyber terminal could go anywhere they want. No information is secure. And new, uh, new viruses, less disastrous, but potent, were, were discovered called ICE internal internal countermeasure or whatever yep and, yeah, real uh, real quick for you uh just so again i gotta remind folks of this because of the time frame this book was written in 1989 or probably like i said 87 88 and then published in 89 wireless technology and a lot of the stuff that we have today is not there yes things that you could say well you could just use this yada yada no, no. think of 1989 your tandy there you go. So what did the superpowers do after this? All right. The computer crash was the death knell of the world dominators. Already weakened by the catastrophes of the first three decades of the century and exhausted by the trials of the awakened world, they reeled under a new assault. For 12 years, beginning in 2030, the people of Europe and Asia underwent a series of conflicts known as the Euro Wars. With their communication and surveillance systems disrupted, the old men in Moscow found their subjects making a long overdue bid for home rule. This is now the breakup of the Soviet Union. Oh, there you go. Uh, Waken came to dominate the Western Siberian lowland, Yakut, AS, ASSR, and all other USSR lands to the west of the lowlands. Like the US and Canada, the Soviets lost their wilderness areas to the newcomers. All right. So what happened here is when, when, the, when the internet crash hit, already beleaguered governments basically crumbled. Governments died, merged together, in on North America, Canada, U.S., and Mexico became UCAS, or Canada, Canada, and U.S. became UCAS, United Canadian American States, forming forming a new government because the old government fell. And blah blah blah. Was it weren't there Confederate states also? Yeah, yeah, the CS, Confederated American States, and then... Oh, Confederate, sorry, Confederate. Sorry. That, that was the South. The North part, what the heck? I don't see a name UCAS, on here. UCAS, UCAS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, that, is that the UCAS? Yes, it's yeah. funny because it's I, not... I right. believe the, the, the Confederate States joined with Mexico, and the UCAS joined with Canada, if I remember correctly. It's just weird because in this map, it's the one area. It's the lar literally the largest area in this map, and it's the one oh, area yeah, it's right not, here. not labeled. Uh, sovereign tribal council, the Texas state legislature agitated for a military venture to recover those lost lands in 2035. The CAS government refused, however, speculating that NAN would defend its former territory. CAS. Yeah. CAS. Confederate American States. Yeah, yep. That's for the South. Right. 
And then we get into game concepts. Now in the game concepts, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through the, the basics of the game. And then after that, we're going to go through a sample combat. And if you, if you follow this, then you'll be able to play a, a fighter type, a man at arms type character. You'll be able to functionally play. So that's what's coming up next. All right. Excellent. So uh, let me get back over here. There were two comments. That, there's only two that I started. Uh, first one is crafty. I played more Cyberpunk Edition because Shadowrun is wrong, bad fun. Um, I, I get that. I, we played Shadowrun because we liked the idea of magic in the game. Uh, I didn't actually play Cyberpunk until I was older. But I ended up liking Cyberpunk more, except there, there are some concepts of Shadowrun I really like. The I magic like is the, really good. I like it. See, the, ma the magic I could give or take, I say, if I want magic, I definitely play Sh Shadowrun, obviously. I like the rigor. And I Second like, edition rigor. Well, they're telling me now it's fourth edition rigor is the one I need to look at, but whatever. Okay. Uh, well, first but, edition rigor and first edition decker, they're NPCs. You don't play them. I like the first edition rigor. I have the rigor's handbook, so. Well, you don't we, have any drones. You just got your car. There's no you, drones in first edition. Well, again, I, even in the handbook, you might be right, but but fourth edition apparently is where they made the drones worthwhile. Again, I just had a conversation the other day, okay, and somebody's like on. selling the praises of fourth edition. Um, I played mostly second edition because it's one of the few games where we started with first and actually liked second better. But uh, going with what he was saying here, I liked I liked them both for what they were. If I didn't want magic, we played Shadow uh, Cyberpunk. If we did like magic, we played Shadowrun. I like dice pools and. Um, where is it? I, I like the rigor. There was one other point I was going to freaking one other point I was going to make in that. Um, yeah, I, I forgot. It was something about magic, and I forgot what it was. What's next? And then, uh, so the risk begin turn this into a more interesting game. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> wow. Yeah, all the other comments were pretty much just talking about historical whatever and okay and uh, and politics. So I said no. Uh, all right. Please don't use the hard R. Call them rigas. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> right here. I know. I see the comment. There it is. There it is. That that's what happened. All right. Now that that fiasco is over, you're gonna what fiasco? That video was a good video. Well, no, it was not. Not about a video. It was about something happening between the two videos that you're not gonna know about unless you're a member and can watch the full live stream. So we're gonna move on, and he, as Heathen Dog talks to us about combat, he's gonna run us through an example combat. Probably not too sophisticated because there are a lot of options that can happen in the game, but meaningful enough that you will understand how combat works in Shadowrun. So you're ready to play in your first first shot. First, first edition shout. There we go. Uh, uh, or you technically second edition as well, because the staging's even easier in second edition. Yep. But of course, I always have to start with not having my script up. So you know what? There you go. Oh, though that where is? Oh, it starts there. Cheapers, creepers. Is that? Is that? Click on, click on the QR code. Do it right now. The first person click on the QR code gets nothing. And a schedule. Gets clout. Gets clout. There you go. Subscribe for cloud. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Uh, window share. Okay, we're going to go over the mechanics of Shadowrun First Edition and then an example, an explanation of a combat, one round of combat. Well, not a whole round, but 
one person's action in combat. So let's get to it. First of all, I want you all to know uh, this was made by FASA Corporation, which this version of FASA doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And it was yeah. made in 1989. The designers, uh, Bob Charette, Paul Hume, and Tom Dowd. Uh, I recognize Is that the uh, same Paul Bob Charette that uh, wrote the first trilogy that I could. Oh, man. I, I had yeah. a hard time getting through that uh, never deal with a dragon, whatever yeah. the hell the other. Yeah. I, I struggled through those. I understand. I understand. Uh, you can get it right now at Drive RPG for eight dollars. This is a full AAA game. For you should get that image. It's all warped. And it's like somebody threw it in the trash, and you unfolded it and put it on the screen. It's my book. It's a scan got a, of my book. You could have got a better image. Than that. <laughs> okay. Dick. All right. <laughs> So first we're going to go over gameplay, the core game concepts that if you understand these, you'll understand the rest of the game. First are target numbers, how to get them, what they are, how they change, the rule of six and rule of one, and success tests. There are three kinds of success tests, the unresisted test, the opposed test, and resistance test. We're going to go over all that. And then we're going to, I'm going to explain dice pools because this from everyone's, from everyone's, uh, say is the hardest part of the game and the most complicated and really it's not and in second edition they made it even easier but mm -hmm. in first edition it's not that complicated i don't know what people's going on people don't, don't like processes anymore they want it just to be i rolled a number and i'm done well that doesn't happen in any game really yeah so let's move on to target numbers the game uses only six-sided dice doesn't and matter that's what about the right they number are, of dice on the screen. they are it doesn't matter anything just get six-sided dice. That's all you need. Your mom and dad have Yahtzee. Guess what? That's a whole bunch of dice right there. You <laughs> two Yahtzee sets, a Monopoly set, boom, you can play a game. All right, without doing anything else. Now, what were you saying? Uh, that's, that's the right number of dice right on the screen. Well, you don't need that many, especially when you start <laughs> off. You probably only need between six, seven, and eight. Totally. But that's the illusion that people have. Yeah, that's, that's the illusion people get. Like, oh, you need all these dice. You know, you need six, See, seven, even right here. <laughs> the actual number of dice yeah, you have it's to roll. <laughs> okay, target numbers, like, like many other games, are based on the difficulty of the task. Goes from two to 10. Well, 10 plus. It can go to a billion, but no one's ever going to do that. But uh, the difficulty is goes from simple routine, average challenge, difficult, strenuous, arduous, extreme, and nearly impossible. Tying your shoes, if your game master actually asked you to roll for that, which he won, target number two. Robin Hood arrow split, target number 10. It's like that. But hey, wait a minute. It's a six-sided die. How do I roll a target number of above six? That is a very on a good six question. Die? Well, that's where the rule of six and rule of one come in. The rule of six is an exploding mechanic. When you max out the die, roll a six, you roll that die again, and then add it to six. You roll it again, add six. So if I rolled a six, I roll it again, I rolled a four, that's a total of 10. If you roll a six again, lucky you, keep going. If you want to, I mean, if you've already hit your target number, you don't have to, you can just stop. It's fine. So wait, so it doesn't count as extra? No, no, oh. you either hit the threshold or you don't. It's either success or not. There is no extraordinary success mechanic in this game. You either win or you either make a success or don't. That's okay. It. But let's say you roll a one. Well, what does that do? Well, in itself, it just means a failure. It's a failure. But 
if you have no successes and even a single one left over, you botched. And a botch is bad. A botch, the game master gets to do what he wants to you. And all you do is scream like a pig in deliverance. That's it. That's all you get to do. <laughs> all right. You, you, your, your gun backfires and explodes. Your, 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 your spell wow. blows up in your face. Uh, you pulled the pin and threw the pin. <laughs> that, those are pretty extreme examples. But that's a botch. A botch is more than just a failure. You didn't miss. No successes is a straight up failure. Even a single botch, even a single one and no successes is a botch. Technically, there's no level of botching, but I've I've never known a game master to not punish you more if you have, say, three ones and no successes rather than just yeah. yeah. So what are we rolling for? There are three main kinds of rolls. An unresisted roll. Like the bomb tech you see here, you are you are rolling against a circumstance or an object. There is no animus behind this. You are defusing a bomb. You're not fighting anyone. You are just rolling your skill against an inanimate object, or you're rolling your skill against a force of nature or, or an environmental circumstance, like slippery oil or whatever you want to run across it. You're rolling against a circumstance. It's unresisted. Even a single success is usually enough to win because no one's rolling against you. But what if someone's rolling against you? Well, now we have the opposed role. This is when you are actively competing against someone else. For example, arm wrestling. Always the best example. Strength versus strength. You're rolling against his successes with a target number of his strength in the example of arm wrestling. You have a strength of four, you roll four dice. He has a strength of five, he rolls five dice. He's rolling five dice with target number of four, your strength. You're rolling four dice with target number of five, his strength. Most successes win. Whoever has successes left over wins. By left over, I mean your successes cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. If no one wins, it's a tie. It goes on to next round or next action. That's why arm wrestling contests aren't won in a fraction of a second. Because usually they're about the same strength and they get about the same successes and it just keeps going until someone gets tired. Then there is the resistance roll. This is... The hell you, is that? This is a, a bullet going through ballistics gel. Oh, okay. This is... The reason I, I gave this is because usually when you get shot, you are resisting damage. Damage is something that has already happened to you. If your body is good enough, you can resist some of it so the damage won't be as great. A resistance roll is different than an unresisted roll because a single success usually doesn't mean you're fine. A single success in a resistance roll usually means, yes, you took less damage, but only by a little bit. There's still some damage left over and you're still going to take it. So now I'm getting into dice pools. This is where people get lost a lot. It's not, it's not hard. Here you go. First pool, dodge pool. Dodging. You have a pool of dice. It gets refreshed every time it's your turn. You can use that as many or as little as you want until it's your next turn. But you will just get refreshed to maximum at the beginning of your next turn. But during 
the time between your turn and somebody else's and your turn again, you can use your dice pool, your dodge pool, to try and not get hit by anyone's ranged attack. Dodge pool only works against ranged attacks, usually excluding magic. That's special. But every single success you roll on your dodge pool takes away a success from hitting you. And to be to be clear, if you've got three people attacking you, you're probably going to either want to, I want to avoid him and let those other two hit me, or split your dodge pool in two-thirds. Like I said, you're allowed to use one, two, all of it, whatever you want for any roll you want. But when you use them, they're gone until you get another turn. So if you run out, you're just going to take, you're going to take the bullets. That's it. You're going to take it. They hit you or they don't. Pretty easy. Then we go to the defense pool. This is the dodge pool for up close combat, for melee melee combat. Directly removes opponent's successes to hit you, just like the dodge pool, but it's only used for armed or unarmed combat. So fisticuffs, knife combat, sword, axe, whatever. Melee combat. It's used the same way. Now, again, usually excluding magic because magic has its own pool and it is renewed on your next action. Now, there, there are some, some special uh, things you can do with the defense pool. Like, if you get more successes defending than the person attacking you got attacking you, you can actually try and turn the attack back on them, like, like an Aikido move. A riposte, okay. A riposte, yeah, it's a riposte. You can, you can try that. But that's using a lot of dice to make sure you do that, and you may not have enough, depending on how many attackers are attacking you. You may want to save it. And we have the hacking pool. Again, this shouldn't be used by PCs because NPCs in first edition are called deckers and riggers. <laughs> but if for some reason you're playing a decker, don't. If for some, don't. If for some, don't. Anyway, hacking pool is only used when you are using a cyber terminal and you're inside the matrix. But it can be used for any role inside the matrix. Any role. Doesn't matter what. It's a pool for everything. And of course, like all pools, it's renewed on your next action. And we have the magic pool and the astro pool. These are for magicians only. If you can use magic, then you can use magic pool and astro pool. Magic pool is used to augment your spells going out or defend against spells coming in. So it is augments your attack or your defense. It can defend others. You can allocate magical defense to somebody else. I'm going to give him three dice for this fireball that's coming to his face because he can't defend against it. Well, he gets three extra dice to help his resistance. Awesome, right? Friendly mage. Astral pool is, is like the hacking pool, but in astral space. Full mages or shamans can go into can go into astral space. They can actually leave their body and they have an astral form. Very much like Deckers leave their body and go, they don't really, but project their, their, their intelligence into the net, into the matrix. And now this pool is your everything pool, just like decking pool. It's everything. Everything in astral space, you use this pool instead of any other pool. So let's use what we've learned so far. We're going to go over okay. combat. Initiative and actions, shooting 101, damage, how damage is recorded, power wound category staging, and resisting damage. And then we're going to have a, uh, a sample combat. So combat, reaction is initiative. 
your reaction attribute is a figured statistic from two of your six major attributes. And average human is three plus 1d6. Everyone gets a plus 1d6 because there's always that exploding dice mechanic where you could be faster than you thought you were. I rolled a six. I rolled another six. I rolled a third four. Wow. I got six, six, four. That's amazing. Plus my three. Um, you lucked out and you get to go first. Awesome. Good for you. Cyberware and magic can augment this. As you can see from the two people here fighting, one of them is all cybered up, is obviously cybered up. The other is obviously uh, a meta-human. Is that a troll? A fire. Uh, it could be an orc. He's too okay. short for a troll. Okay. Trolls are huge. But uh, having a higher result, you get more actions. You get not only get to go first, but you get more actions in the same amount of time other people get to go their measly little one or two actions. You can delay your action, just like many other games. You can choose to... Say, I want to wait until initiative number five. You go on 12. Yeah, but I want to wait till five because I want to see what this guy's going to do. He goes on 10. Or he goes on six or whatever. So I'll wait till five. Okay, you can wait. You can delay it. You lose, you know, your, you lose your initiative spot. It's a permanent change, but whatever, you can. And like I said, you reroll all sixes. Now, this is how you get more than one, uh, more than one action per round. You roll really high and you minus seven rule. Here's the deal. Let's say, example, uh, you're a cyber samurai. You got you got all the all the cool jack reflexes, cyberware, and you roll a, a 15 on initiative. Okay, you go on 15. Minus seven from 15. That's eight. And then after you roll initiative, consult the extraction table. You get two actions, minus seven. Eight. So you go on 15 and then eight. There you go. If you rolled a 17, you would go on 17, 10, and three because you get three actions per turn. Anything higher than 23 is whatever. You get four actions, but it's 23 plus minus seven, minus seven, minus seven, minus seven, and then you're done. So you could go up to four times in a round depending on how fast you are. Because and cyberware cybernetic, and magic really help you with that. Yeah, cybernetic and magical enhancement is that good. You get to go up to four times faster than a normal person. Because remember, a normal human is a three plus one D6. That means on average, they're going to roll between a six and a seven. They're going to go once. And that's it. A cyber samurai can roll a 23 because he could have an eight plus four D6. Yeah, you could roll a 23 or higher just on your D6s. It's possible. Then you add eight to it. It's crazy. So yeah, if cyber cybered up is no joke. Magic is no joke. It's not as strong as initiative-wise as, as cybernetic enhancement, but it's good. Much better than a human, regular unmodified human. So here's the example I was talking about using the cyber samurai archetype. That's in the book. This is a picture from the book. His reaction is eight plus three D six. He's cyber enhanced. He rolls an 18. Back in the extra action table, he gets three actions. His first action on initiative 18 minus seven next action on initiative number 11 minus seven final action on initiative number four. That's it. If you can minus seven to a double to a, a number, you, you can do this. It's so not hard. hard. Yeah, it's not hard. Come on. I have to do subtraction. 
That's like Thacko. I quit. And everyone goes in initiative order. Let's say he is the highest initiative at 18. He goes first. Okay. Who's got the next highest after 18? I got a 15. Then he then next this guy goes on 15. Who's got the next highest? I got a 10. Oh, well, sorry. Cyber Samurai is 11. He goes again. It's just gonna ask, is it possible for him to go twice before I go yes. once? Especially if he's fighting regular human unaugmented folk. Like I said, the average for them is going to be six or seven. He rolled an 18, which means he's gonna go twice before they go once. Cyber is no joke. All right, important notes on actions. Uh, moving and using an action adds a penalty. You can run and gun in this game. You can run and gun, it's fine. But your target numbers are going to go up. Plus one target number over flat terrain for running and gunning. Or running and doing anything. Running and writing, running and casting a spell, uh, running, and, uh, running and slicing, whatever. Plus two if it's rough terrain. You know, hilly, craggy area, gravel, sand, whatever. A moving and doing action that is usually automatic requires a test. For example, reaching into your pocket and pulling out a stick of gum does not require a test. You just you sure? do it. I'm sure. Okay. But if you are full on running, you are going to have to do a, a some kind of agility test to reach into your pocket while you're running and pull out a piece of gum. It's going to be crap. Target number four. It's not going to be hard, but it's going to be something that you can fail. Running you pull out and drop it. You could, you could squeeze it in your pocket. You could trip over something. You know. Whatever. You could, you could accidentally stop running for a second because you yep. put your hand too far in your pocket and now you can't move <laughs> your leg right. You can do that. It's all good. Now, running is a multiplier depending on your race, the speed at which you run. Humans are a base. Dwarves are less. Elves are more, orcs are much more, and trolls are much, much more because they have huge arms and legs. So they cover more ground. So attacking. Here is the deal with attacking. The target numbers are, the base target numbers are always the same. Short range, that's melee range, and short range for, for uh, missile weapons is a four. Base target number four. Medium range, five. Long range, seven. Extreme range, nine. And one more time, can you quickly remind us, how do we? How do I get to that nine on a D6? If you roll a six, the dice explodes. That means you roll it again and add the second result to the six you already rolled. Okay. So if you want a nine, you have to roll a six and then roll the six again and get at least a three. That's a success. That seven always broke my brain. Oh, I know. Yeah, six and seven are the same target number. Because if you roll a six, you have to be able to roll a seven. Yeah. You, you can't roll a six and a half. It's not possible. Anyway, uh, armed, unarmed combat, firearms, sorcery, whatever you're using to attack with, that's what you roll to for your attack. So if you have firearm skill of five, you're rolling five dice. And if the person is at medium range, you're looking for fives on your dice rolls to count as successes. Odds are you're going to get one. Odds are. Determine success by target number. Modify by range, environment, damage modifiers of the attacker, etc. Of course, there's modifiers because complexity is added to games all the time. And uh, environmental modifiers, damage modifiers are common complications in any you know game scenario. So, and without getting simulationists, they just make sense. Yeah. Things are harder when you're 
in, in an environment that isn't beneficial to you. Yeah. So if you are blind or have your eyes closed, you're plus eight to your target number. If you are under, if the, if the enemy is under partial cover, it's plus two target number, full cover plus four. If the target is running plus one attacker in melee combat, if someone is in melee combat and you want to shoot the other person that's in melee combat with them, it's kind of hard because they're moving around, dancing around fighting. So it's harder to hit the guy you want to hit. The attacker is running. If you're full bore running, you can't shoot. Just moving is a plus one. Like I said earlier, I'm moving over difficult terrain is plus two. And then we got a whole bunch. Now we got the good benefits, a smart gun. It's a cybernetic implant in your hand that goes directly to your eye. Your gun has a pad on it that connects with it. And it shows you a target reticule to where exactly where the bullet is going to hit. You get a minus two to your base target number. That turns a base target number of four into a base target number of two. Almost every single cyber person ever gets a smart gun link. In first Almost edition. everyone does. In first edition. When wireless came out, it became a thing to hack that. that to, yeah, well, <laughs> wireless isn't out yet. So yeah. there you go. And smart goggles are goggles attached to your gun that does the same thing, but the reaction time isn't as good. So it only gives a minus one. Image magnification, this will only this will only decrease target number for range modifiers only because it, everything looks closer. Target standing still, get a minus one. Recoil compensator and, and stabilizer, well, that's, you know, gas venting and, and recoil compensation is baked into the weapon, built into the weapon, and it makes it shoot better. That's, that's it. You get that too. So let's say you do get hit and you want to resist damage. Like this, this orc guy right here is uh, pulling a human into an alleyway to do untoward things to him. Oh, I completely miss, miss saw that image at first. I thought he was teabagging him. No, no. He's <laughs> pulling him into an alley to do whatever orcs do. All right. So all damage used is the same format. There's a number for power, a wound category, and a staging. Power is the target number needed to resist the damage of that weapon. So for example, let's say the gun you're using is 5M2. 5 is the power of the gun. For every if you want to resist the damage of that gun, you have to roll 5 to be a successful resistance. What's an what's an average resistance roll? How many dice? Uh 3 Oh, that's it. Okay, I got three four. dice right here. And there we go. I got a six, a four, and a one. You got oh, one no. success. No, I got two sixes. Ah, I get well, you don't need to roll. It's only, yeah. only target yeah. number five. You don't need to roll anymore. So you got right. two successes. So that means you brought the wound category, which is next. The base damage level is M. That's moderate. You brought mm -hmm. that wound category down because staging is the number of successes you need to raise or lower the damage. In your case, it's lower because you're resisting. You got two successes which means the damage goes from moderate to light. And if I'd only rolled one success, then it wouldn't have done anything. Right, because that's what that staging number is about. This, this is one of the means. That's biggest the threshold changes. Number, the threshold number of successes you need to change your damage. And I love that about this game because the more deadly the weapon, the harder it is to change the damage. Example, from 50 feet, if you get shot with a 22 snub nose pistol and you get shot in the head, that's not bad. Yeah. 
Well, unless it goes directly center, it probably won't even puncture your skull. It'll deflect off. You'll get a cracked skull and some bleeding, but you're going to live. You get shot in the gut. Well, that's different. 22s tend to tumble and you can go septic real fast. All right. So that is a difference between, between changing the damage code of the weapon. And for a 22, it's probably only a one. Every one success changes yeah. the damage going down. But of a 50 caliber sniper rifle, you can pretty much hit anywhere on your body and you're boned. <laughs> hit you in the head, obviously you're dead. Hit you anywhere in the torso, you're dead. Hit you in the arm, you have no more arm. Hit you in the leg, no leg. So it's harder to resist that kind of damage because it's catastrophic. And the staging, because that the staging number would be higher because you yes. would need, if, and probably the power, but uh, because you would need more. So great, you got two successes. It still doesn't matter. It does full does damage nothing. to you. Yeah. Still does nothing. It's a, it's a howitzer, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But I dodged a little bit, right? Yeah, a, a little bit maybe. But uh, no, sorry. You still got your head blown off. That's what happens. But in uh, in second edition, they changed all staging to make it two. And and I'm torn on that because part of me really likes that. It did make yeah. the games. One of the things we liked about it, but it also made it because some of the other number changes as well. But uh, to be quick, it did make some of the weapons that you could use used to be able to kill people with almost instantly. Not so much. Yeah. Damage based damage is based on weapon type. If you have a bigger gun, you have bigger, bigger numbers. If you have a hand to hand combat, the base damage for hand to hand is strength. M1 stun. Well, stun, we didn't go through stun, did we? Oh, we're gonna. We're gonna. Don't worry. Resisting damage. Armor gives automatic successes. Whatever armor you have is an automatic success toward resisting the damage. So you get automatic numbers for, for staging. For example, Max Liao here rolled two successes on his body to resist damage. But what if he had an armor vest on? An armor vest is right here. That gives two auto successes. So that would have been Moderate, total of four? Two successes brings delight. Two more successes brings it to nothing. If he was just wearing his armor vest, he would have taken no damage from that bullet. Ballistic is for firearms and explosives, and impact armor is for melee combat, basically. So they can be stacked, but they are not additive they are they are replace it replaceative i guess you can call it here's an example uh if you're you have armor clothing it gives ballistic armor of three impact armor of zero but you also have a leather duster on it gives ballistic zero impact of two your effective armor is ballistic three impact two. Oh, so if, they do that so they don't re oh wait 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 they they don't add together Highest you take the, high, the higher one. Okay, yeah, I take the higher, higher one. one wins. Exactly. For example, if if you had the duster give ballistic one impact two, it would still be total ballistic three impact two. They don't add together. Highest one is uh, the yep. one you go with. Oh, here's here's our new example combat. So you can see it all nice. Ares Predator in first edition game. This was the go-to handgun, right? This was what you what most people started with an Ares Predator. Its power is four, its wound category is moderate, and its staging is two. So let's see what happens when we roll. 
Every two successes increases the wound category one step during your attack. You roll firearms. You roll five dice. Let's say you get three successes to hit. The wound category goes up to severe. Because you've got Question for you. two. You got greater than, you got two or higher and less than four. That raises up by one category to severe damage. Now, the uh, real, real quick before you, now before you move on, though. I'm sorry, what was that? Before you move on, I got a question. I what? don't, I don't, maybe I just missed it. So the staging works on both sides. It's not we haven't just gotten for, there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay, well, it's because it looks like you're covering. That's why I was saying, right okay. Now. okay. All right, now the defender resists. He rolls his dodge pool, got no successes. Dang it. All right, well, he gets hit with all, with the full force. He gets hit. Armor gives auto successes. Let's say, unlike Max here, he remembered his armor vest. So he gets two automatic successes. Now he rolls his body with the target number of the weapon's power, which is four. And he gets two successes. It brings it from severe to moderate, thanks to his armor, and two successes down to light, thanks to his body. So he takes a light wound. Well, he's a dog. What does that mean? Well, here's your condition monitor. It goes light, moderate, serious, and possibly dead. And You're this dying. is for everybody in everybody. the game. Everybody. There is no hit points. Nothing. This is it. You get 10 boxes of physical damage and 10 boxes of mental damage. When you get 10 boxes of physical damage, you are dying. And you have your number, I believe it's your number of rounds of your body attribute for someone to help you before you're dead, dead. Just dead, 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 dead. If you take 10 boxes of mental damage, you are unconscious. You're knocked out. You're out. You're helpless. You're not dying. Unless someone shoots you in the head, then you're dead. Coup de gras. It happens. But here we go. Condition monitor. Each of these have damage modifiers attached to them. Light, moderate, severe, and deadly. As you can see in the bottom of the condition monitor, it says damage modifiers. If you are lightly damaged or lightly fatigued, you get a minus plus one to all your target numbers and a minus one to your initiative score. Moderate, serious, it gets higher and higher. Deadly is not listed here because you're either unconscious or unconscious. You're either dying unconscious or knocked out unconscious. You're not making any moves. You're not rolling anything. One of the complaints of this game that I don't see as a complaint is that people didn't like this because it caused a quote-unquote death spiral. Well, yeah, once you start taking damage and you start dying, things aren't as easy. Yeah. You know what? It teaches you to run away. If you feel like you can't win, run away. But we'll fail the mission. Okay. Better than dead. You could have another mission later. <laughs> have another one later. I mean, your, your reputation might take a hit, but you're not dead, right? Anyway, initiative uh, effects of deadly damage. Uh, mental, like I said, unconscious, physical, dying, and unconscious. And you have possible magic loss. If you are a mage, a mage or a shaman, you could lose, you lose access to certain powers of magic if you take deadly damage, deadly physical damage. Don't, but we're going to get into that when we get into magic. So modifiers are cumulative. Example, let's say you get punched by an orc. He's tough. He gives you moderate fatigue, three, three da moderate damage in mental. Cause like I said, it's strength M1 in damage. You took three. 
And then you get shot by a corporate stooge. But your body armor is good enough, you took light damage. But that's physical damage. That's another chart. So your total modifiers are plus three to all your target numbers and minus three to your initiative. The two sides are cumulative. There's that death spiral again. You get hurt and mentally damaged. Rethink your life. Is this the path going forward for me? No? Go back home. You left the oven on. Mental damage can roll over into physical damage. If you get, get getting beat up by a cybered up troll, he could have a strength of 15. Pretty easily. If he beats you unconscious and continues to beat you, all the damage that was stunned is now physical. That means he's actually beating your skull into a pulp. He's turning you into paste. He can and chances are you're unconscious while he's doing it. Yeah, you know, you're not feeling it. Good job. <laughs> you're not feeling it, but he's killing you. All right. So in our next video, we're going to talk about magic, sorcery, simple sorcery and ritual sorcery, spirits for hermetic and shamanic mages, what drain is, that's important, and using magic, example, combat spells and some magical errata because they came up with errata in uh for for the grimoire which is also a first edition book and i've included some of that here okay the grimoire is actually a book i like um before we move on, i got uh, two comments the one thing yep. that, that i want to express here and, and yes Heathen dog said it but i just want to make sure it's clear is that staging works both ways yes so you your can... successes can up the staging yeah. you can make that 22 deadly yes shoot him in the eye Shoot them in the eye. And that's what eye. those extra successes mean. It's yes. just, it's, to be fair, it's just like even modern games with, with an extra success system. Uh, you were just, he knows very clear about how body armor can drop the staging down, but your successes drop it up. So you're playing this power play between body mm -hmm. armor versus successes. And uh, ultimately, it works. And here's the thing that when you look at, even when I was watching Heathen Dog do this, it's like, yeah, I can see why people think that's a, that's a little more difficult than it is. Once you start rolling those dice, though, man, this stuff becomes second nature. We learned it. Look, I learned it in like 11th grade uh, just while playing the game. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, this makes sense. It's not hard. It's not hard. No. My fault says, uh, I didn't think uh, I didn't think the Tekka was NPC, but I don't remember what edition. It's not. Okay. Just Heathen Dog doesn't like no, it. No, no. There is no reason. No. There is no reason to play a Decker or a Rigger in first edition. Zero reason. I disagree. I don't care what just, you it, agree with. It's just a pain in the butt. I said first edition. You're you're talking of second or third. Hmm, I'm talking yeah. first edition. I played a Decker. Okay, then you played badly. Now, if if someone you're playing with, come here. If someone you're playing with is playing a Decker or a Rigger, beat them up. They're going to take away your game experience. They're going to take hours of your life away for no good reason whatsoever. An NPC can do their job in five minutes. If they do their job, they're in the matrix for an hour or they're always staying with the car. Because in combat, they're almost useless. They can't even bullet sponge properly. Don't do it. That's the end of my there, there are there are certain story. limitations absolutely and the, the the right way to do the decker is to use the cyberpunk rules <laughs> for the decker but yeah i mean obviously you can't do that 
Uh, how come we never had arm wrestling focused RPG like Over the Top? I don't know. I don't remember starring that one. Over the Top? Over the Top. I don't, I don't remember starring this, but apparently I did. Okay. Or did you star that and I don't? I didn't do it. I oh, okay. started. I don't remember. I don't know why we never had an, uh, an RPG that was arm wrestling. All right, let's uh, let's get ready for magic. Oh, wait, wait a second. I got to pee. Okay. Well, I can do the intro while you're peeing. Oh, I'll hurry then. I'll do it slowly. All right. For the next video, we are going to talk about magic. You've got hermetic mages, and you have shamans, and... Yeah, burned out mages. That's right. Uh, what what else did you have in first edition? I don't remember them all in first edition. This is back when I liked magic. Third edition made magic too powerful. Second edition, it was still fine. They made some changes, you know, kind of to this how some of the spells work. But first edition, I liked first edition magic. Uh, I did play. Uh, I played a burned out mage because I liked it conceptually. But before we talk about the burned out mage, let's talk about our proclivities. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds and that the focus, see, I remember the word focus this time, of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. That's right. Pass that along. Every table should know that you probably already do it because most normal people, they play by those rules. You don't even have to have them told to them. They just do it. But just in case, you should probably pass that along to folks. Let them know what a good tabletop group includes. A charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Look to the description below or link to where you can make your tax-deductible donation or just use your little QR code scanner on your phone and click that little happy smiley face there for you. He loves you. And join us on Thursdays and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionamit to watch Heathen Dogness team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. And of course, here on our YouTube channel right now, we're at RPG Digest. You can watch game-related or tabletop, let me be very clear, tabletop game-related videos, live streams. I can't talk. And on Friday, you can get to the Friday Night Chill Stream where we opine and have commentary and editorials on TTRPG hobby as a whole. And of course, I'm going to sidetrack him at every opportunity I can. Yep. Subscribe. Sabotage. <laughs> I don't know if it's sabotage. Is it sabotage? Oh my God. That's my, that's my tabletop game privilege coming out. Oh, there it is. It's sabotaging. All right. Well, uh, now we're going to talk about magic in Shadowrun. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tall, you know, look down view of the whole thing, but you'll it be enough for you will understand now first of course there's a credit you know fossa you know made it 1989 so that's when this is 19 first edition first edition, first edition sometimes have a little bit of dirt we'll call it in there yeah, there you go and you, you can get this a legit triple a game for eight bucks on drive through rpg right is now that, is that price still good that price Did is still good it? i checked oh, it this morning oh cool yes you can use my affiliate code and give me a little cut of that. Oh, look at that. All right. So what we're going to talk about types of these hot chicks. I, I like hot chicks. What am I gonna do? I, where do you find them? I want, I need oh, more pictures. Yep. Okay. Yeah, if, 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 hot magical chick. 
I know the and, other uh, one. I was going to tell you, don't get off that one for the last video. I was going to say, don't get to, just stay on that screen. But now, and I then and then and then click on free use. Yeah, and pick one. That's all you. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. There are there are the types of magic: spell casting and ritual casting. Spell casting is instantaneous magic, fireball, lightning bolt, all that stuff. Ritual casting is casting over long distances or for greater effect, curses, whatnot, stuff like that. And then there are the schools of magic. Hermetic magic is your normal D and D wizard training symbolism uh usually arcane languages stuff like that and then shamanistic magic which is more intuitive and uh connected to the land they actually are connected to a spirit of the land that gives them their power or so they think anyways i really liked how both hermetic and shamans were put together in first and second edition i, I really do after that it gets weird to me but uh, i really liked how first and second edition put together shamans and mages and then we're going to talk about using magic, actually casting spells, and what happens when you cast a spell as a detriment, that's called drain. And then we're going to talk about spirits. There's hermetic spirits and shamanic spirits. And then magical items, and then more errata at the end. Magical items. <laughs> more <are> errata. <laughs> I'm going to get to that. All right. First, the magical disciplines. Hermetic mages. Just like the top picture, you think of a wizard, that's, that's a hermetic mage. He uh, draws symbols on the ground, uh, studies constantly from arcane books to get his magical formula to cast his spells. It's Gandalf if he drove a car. Basically, yes. Gandalf <laughs> in a Camaro. <laughs> and then there is the shamanic way of casting magic, which is based on Native American lore. So there's spirit totems. You choose between a dozen or so. Uh, and instead of magical circles, you have medicine lodges. And instead of lots of books, you have oral histories of magic passed down from teacher to student, teacher to student, teacher to student. And the totem is more than just some spells. Your totem animal is a, it's yeah, a spirit it is guide a for you. It's a real thing to you. It is a real thing. You can actually talk to it. And you are you are constrained. I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So the types of magic you can do as, as far as casting. Spell casting, ritual casting. Spell casting, like I said earlier, your basic line of sight magic, pew pew, you know, lightning bolt, fireball, or turn to goo, turn to stone, uh, urban renewal, which uh, decays all all uh, uh, metallurgic uh, metallurgic compounds, stuff like that. It's pretty, Sounds pretty the cool. opposite of renewal. Yeah, uh, it's based on your skill in sorcery, your sorcery skill. Though that's another, that's what you will roll to hit. Just like if you were shooting a gun, your firearm skill would be would be the number of dice you roll. In here, your sorcery skills number of dice you roll. Ritual casting. This is the distance magic. This is the curses. It usually requires because it's not line of sight. It requires some kind of physical link to your to your intended target. Be it a uh, clipping of hair, nails, blood is a big thing. A drop of blood will go a long way. Fasso really liked his magic. blood magic, didn't it? Blood magic is a thing, and that that's a bad thing, but I don't get into it. In, no, but I'm in saying, but Fasso really liked that conceptually, didn't it? Because yeah. this has it, Earthdawn has it. Yep. Uh, it has a collaborative effort put into it. That means you can get many more successes than you alone because you have two, three, four, maybe a hundred uh, wizards or shamans rolling with you, adding to your dice pool. 
to possibly get more successes. So you can have a drastic effect, much greater than you could accomplish on your own if you work together. You know, teamwork makes a dream work, right? That's how it works. And of course, if you want to do ritual casting, it requires some kind of prepared space. For a hermetic mage, that's a magic circle. For a shamanic mage, it's a medicine lodge. And they all have to fit in it. So you are constrained by by geography, the number of uh, magic users. Could you a medicine have. lodge be a stadium? Yes. It can be as big as a stadium. It's all, it, you just have to buy the right amount of materials and have time to make it. That's all you need. Oh, here comes some errata. I just gave <laughs> this example of errata just for fun. Uh, the magic portion of the book has the most errata out of this entire game. Uh, spell casting, target numbers, and magical item prices are are the the main things that we're focused on. All of these are in the grimoire, which is another first edition book that you can get on Drive Through RPG for between five and ten dollars. Uh, it is a supplement to magic. Lots of cool stuff in there. Yep. New new spells, new new totems, new magical items, all kinds of cool stuff, and it covers all of the errata of the main book rules, all of it. And I'm going to have some of it at the end just to get you going. Was it, was, was it because uh, they enhanced spellcasting or was it true errata? Like as true in, errata. Oh, we, oh, we made mistakes in the printing. Okay. They made, especially with the, with the magical item prices, they made mistakes. Mistakes okay. were made. So they fixed those mistakes in the grimoire. All right. So we're casting a combat spell. It's the easiest kind of spell to cast. So that's why I'm using it as an example. The base dice is the spell's force. Now, spells, you, when you get them, you get a certain number of spells of character creation. And you get to you get to allocate points to each spell between one and six in the beginning. You can get more later on, but between one and six for character generation is all you need. That is the, that is the dice force of, of the spell. If it was like a, like a gun, 4M2. Well, let's say you have a, a level four fireball spell. The power is four. This can be augmented, blah blah blah, magic dice roll, whatever. And in uh, in the in, in the grimoire, they 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 changed it to what I'm saying. In the first edition book, they had they they misprinted this. That's why I'm telling you exactly how it is. Target number is based on the spell. Mana is willpower of the uh, is willpower defender, and physical body of the defender is for the physical. Here's the here's the deal. It's the exact same thing as a, as a gun and a punch. If it is a physical based spell, it does actual damage. It's a real fireball. It will light you on fire. It does physical damage. So it does, you know, actual physical damage. If it is a mana based spell, it exists in astral space, connects to your body as a circuit, and it does mental damage. It does fatigue damage like a punch. So each spell will be listed as either mana or physical. Physical does physical damage. Mana does fatigue damage. The spell resolution goes like this. Caster rolls versus relevant attribute. I'm using a physical spell. So my target number is the body of the defender. Let's say your body is normal dude. You're three. My target number is three. I roll dice based on my sorcery and any of my magic pool that I wish to use to augment this 
and I add up my number of successes. The defender rolls that attribute versus the caster sorcery skill. So he's rolling three dice against my sorcery skill. Say it's four. So every four is a success for him. That brings my successes down. If I have even one net success left over, I hit him. Mm -hmm. If I have zero or negative successes, because he got more than me, then I, I, it didn't work. It just didn't work. Any magical magical barriers you have reduce successes just like body armor automatically. Defending magic pool dice add to the defender's dice pool. Like you have a friendly magician on your side. That, that gets crazy. Three, he's giving you three dice of his magic pool for defense. That means instead of rolling three dice, you roll six. It adds three to your body. Three dice to your body pool. So you're rolling six dice target number four instead of three dice target number four, which is excellent. Base damage for your normal everyday pew pew combat spell is light one, light two, or light three. Now remember, the power of the spell is based on character generation, how many points you allocated to it. So let's say four. Four L1, four L2, or four L3. The more powerful the spell, fire dart, fire bolt, and fire ball in that order, the harder it is to resist. So the staging goes up. And there's one other caveat to that that a lot of people I don't think recognize. They're like, oh, it's light. My guns do more. Oh, really? You think so? Um, body armor is a bitch when it comes to guns. Yeah. It's not so helpful. Now, I can, but it's not so helpful when it comes to magic. Yeah, especially mana-based magic, which yeah. does which does uh um which does mental damage and bypasses all physical armor, which yeah, is your people, people forget about that. That yeah. you know, oh, it's light, that's nothing. My gun does more. Uh, not when I'm wearing this. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into drain. After you cast the spell, whether you succeeded or not, you have to deal with drain. Here's the deal with drain. To to make magic things happen, you are taking magical energy from astral space or all around you, funneling it through your body and then having it manifest out of, out of your body into an effect that you desire. Fireball, lightning bolt, curse, whatever. But the act of pushing magic through your body done wrong can cause damage. Mental damage at first, but damage Actually, nonetheless. Yep. Very much like Earth Dawn. Now, every spell has drain. No matter how big or how small, there is a drain code. And it can cause damage. Drain damage is mental if the spell power is equal to or less than your magic attribute. Everyone starts with a magic attribute of six. If you get cyberware, that goes down. If you take magic and cybernetics does not play well together. Does not play with magic. If you take a deadly wound and fail a roll to resist your magic loss, you lose magic. You lose magic oh, attribute. I forgot about that. That's the burnt out mage, isn't it? Yes. He took too much damage. He got some cyberware to try and to try and bolster his, his uh, power and he just lost more and more and it was a spiral. And now he's only got a magic attribute of one. If you're casting a spell with a power higher than your magic rating, drain does physical damage. If it's equal to or lower, it does mental damage. And the difference is, even though, well, the target number difference and the, and the initiative modifiers are the same, yes, but mental damage is healed much more easily than physical yep. damage. Much more quickly. 
Uh, the caster rolls drain after the casting is done. So your spell works or not, that will be resolved before drain happens. So you can actually kill somebody and then have your head explode from drain. <laughs> Pyrrhic victory, sure, but you still won. Well, <laughs> now magical items. Uh, if your uh your your if you're a shaman, your totem can can give you can give you bonus dice to resist drain, depending on the spell. It can happen. Lots lots of stuff can do this. Example, let's see. Drain power is the force of the spell. The drain code is M2. Caster rolls willpower and gets three successes. Drain causes light damage. Am I going to be able to walk you through that? Nope, I'm not. Okay, let me, let me, let me walk you through that right now. Let's say you have, you, you bought a, you bought a fire bolt, which is the second level of fire spell. And you okay. got it at power six. Because you want them to not be able to resist it. They got to roll sixes to resist this thing. Badass. Only problem is casting it at that level means drain is six M two. That means you have to roll a six to resist the drain and you need two successes to bring the drain down one level. If you get four successes, you take no drain. You've successfully navigated the waters of pushing magic through your body. If not, you took damage. And in this example, he only got three successes, not four. So he took a light mental wound. And another way of, uh, of, of just reiterating that for folks out there is when you increase the power of the spell, it's not just the effect that's hitting the, the target. It's the amount of effect that's oh, coming yeah, through yeah. you to get there. So yeah. that's why it's not as easy. Like, oh, I got a more powerful spell. This should be easier for me. No, it's going to be harder no, for no. you as well. Yeah, you are pushing more magic through your body faster. That's harder. It's harder to navigate properly. Yep. You blew out some blood vessels, man. Sorry. Risk reward, man. The risk reward of of uh, of nuking somebody. Yeah, that drain's gonna that, hit you. You might you might knock yourself out. It's happened a lot. It's happened. Now we're gonna go over the two different schools of magic, hermetic and shamanic, in a little more detail. Hermetic mages can summon elemental spirits, fire, air, water, earth. That's it. But the, this takes a long time. Let me get to it. The conjuring skill is a dice pool. Spell casting is one skill. Conjuring is another. You have to raise them both separately. You use conjuring to conjure spirits. And it's based off of your charisma, not your willpower, like most other spells are. You, re you require, as a, as a hermetic mage, special materials. If you're summoning a water elemental, you need a large, excuse me, a large body of water and special incense and stuff like that and time to prepare. Uh, I'm going to jump in. So, Heathen, and it's not his fault. He's trying to do this as fast as possible. Just so for folks out there, when you have the attributes for, uh, there's, I think there's six or eight, whatever the hell it is, for, um, for Shadowrun. Three are physical, three are mental. It's not like he's just talking to the, to you know, having a cigarette and talking with the elemental. Charisma yeah. is actually considered a mental slash magical attribute in the game. Yes, it, uh, you're you're actually convincing the spirit to bind itself to you for a period of time. So your charisma is key, and that at that point. Now you roll target number equal to the spirit's force. You decide how powerful a spirit you want to try and bind to you. That is the target number for the test to get him and the, the and then to resist the drain from getting him. Cause just like, just like spells, 
uh, conjuring spirits has a drain component because you're still moving magic through your body to tether him to you. It is an unresisted role to summon. This will determine the number of services the spirit will provide. If you get three successes, the spirit will do three things for you. Now, they can be as simple as kill that guy. Or they can be as difficult as uh, patrol this warehouse un un until you're no longer bound to me. Elementals will stay bound to their services are completed. That means that you can hold on to an elemental. You can have them in, in your back pocket, so to speak, for a number of days or weeks equal to the number of services that, that you rolled, which means you can have him waiting away from you and then instantly summon him to you and then use his services. Now, the services are expendable purpose focus. I'll get into that in a second. Aid study, sustain spells, attack target, remote service. Expendable purpose focus is you drain this, the power of the spirit to augment your own magic. That'll hurt the spirit. It's just a spirit. Shut up. <laughs> There's no room for, for PETA in hermetic sign in hermetic magic. Okay. There's no room for that. Aid study. Each, uh, each elemental fire, air, water, earth has a certain kind of magic attributed to it. Uh, transmutation, magic, combat, magic, healing, magic, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of magic that this elemental is, uh, connected to he can aid you in studying that kind of magic to get new spells. Uh, sustain spells. If it's a combat spell or a transmutation spell or whatever, and you have the right kind of elemental, you can give the spell to the elemental and the elemental will keep powering it, sustaining it round after round, while as you're free to do something else. That works too. Attacking a target. Like I said, kill that guy. Don't kill that guy. Remote service. Go fetch me some water from the Himalayas. Yes, sir. He'll go and come back. Fetch water. If he can make it, it's fine. Now, shamans summon different spirits entirely and have a completely different service mechanic. Here's what they do. They summon nature spirits. And they don't get to choose what kind of spirit comes to them. It depends on where they are. If you are in a park, you will summon a forest spirit of some kind. You will summon that. There's no choice. If you are in the back alleys of the city streets, you will summon an, an urban spirit of some type. If you are inside a home, you will summon a hearth spirit. That's how it works. There's plenty of different spirits. It all depends on where you are when you summon is the one you get. Location, location, location. Exactly. And this spirit cannot leave its domain if you are in say central park you will summon a woodland spirit he cannot leave the park because it's a different domain it's an urban domain outside the park he can't cross that line he exists only in his environment that's important conjuring skills same thing you know spirit foci which are you know and, and totem adjustments can give you bonuses to this but you use your conjuring skill to conjure. You roll for target number equal to spirit's force, just, just like the hermetic mage. It's unresisted. Number of successes is the number of services. But unlike, uh, unlike elementals, shamanic nature spirits exist 
between sundown and sunset or sunset and sundown. That means the next time the sun rises or sets, this spirit will go away even if you have services left. It will disappear. So in the summertime, summon it in the morning. In the wintertime, summon it in the afternoon. There you go. That You'll have the most time, but the number of services actually counts for a lot too. Nature spirits' power vary depending on their type. Forest spirits obviously are going to be forest-related. Urban spirits are going to be urban-related. Hearth spirits are going to be healing mostly. You know, stuff like that. So it is described in the book, the powers of all the different kinds of spirits. Is it related to your totem at all? Does that does your, that have influence on it? Your totem can give you bonus dice to summon certain kinds of spirits. Oh, okay. Or some of them, I think the raven gives bonuses to just a flat plus one to all spirits summoning. Okay. Fine. But the important thing, the big difference, the big difference between hermetic and shamanic spirits, hermetic spirits take hours per force level to summon. Hours. So if you have a force, you want to, you want to summon a force spirit level four power of power four. it will take you four hours to summon that spirit. A shaman summons a spirit in one round, but that whatever makes level doesn't matter. Whatever they want to roll for their target number, six, 12, 24, whatever one round. We'll find out if he comes or not. But that, but that completely makes sense because the hermetic mage is summoned from another plane of existence. Yes. The sh- the shamanic, uh, well, sh- the shaman is uh, is summoning from nature around you, so yeah, to speak. Where you are, exactly where you are, not from some distant place on the planet, from where you right now are on the planet. So yes, it's immediate. So it's much more useful in, say, combat. If you don't know what you're going up against, you say, oh, crap, I'm going to summon a spirit to help me. Boink! Summon it. But like all wizards in D&D, if you plan ahead, you can have several spirits in your back pocket because they last for days and weeks, whereas whereas nature spirits only last for 12 hours, right? So you can have uh, elementals in your back pocket for whatever situation. You can be the Swiss Army knife of spirits. You can have four of them, one of each kind, waiting in the wings. But you have to plan ahead and you have to buy the ingredients and have the, have the right area to summon in, stuff like that. And then, of course, like I said, there's always drain. After summoning a spirit, you roll drain. This is based off charisma. Normal drain, you use your willpower to resist the drain. Summoning spirits, it's use your charisma because that's what you used to summon the spirit. That's what you defend against. Spirit force is equal to or less than charisma. Drain is force M1. So if you're if you have a charisma of three. If you're summoning a spirit that's three, two, or one power, the drain is three M1. It means if you get two successes, it'll be nothing. Medium goes to light, light goes to nothing, and the staging is one. So each success brings it down. This is unresisted. If the spirit force is greater than your charisma, but less than double, it's force severe one. So in this last instance, it would be, uh, let's say, 5S1. That means I would need three fives to resist. One brings it to medium, two brings it to light, one more brings it to nothing. 
But if you're summoning a spirit that is double or more of your charisma, the drain is force deadly one. What is the moral of that story? The moral of the story is you can summon a level 100 spirit, (laughs) but then your brain could pop or you could just pass out. And then the spirit goes uncontrolled. That's a bad day for everybody involved, including you and your friends. Uncontrolled spirits are no joke. They, they get rowdy and they sometimes don't like you. Sometimes it happens. Now, spirit foci or totem adjustments can be used. Remember, like I said, some totems give you bonuses to summoning spirits. You can use that for drain instead. You can use it to summon it or to resist drain. Or split them up. If there's more than one extra die, you can split them up to do both. It's fine. There are spirit foci, the little, you know, uh, uh, magical items that assist you in either summoning or resisting the drain of spirits. It's fine. Everything's cool. Okay, here's here's some major errata. <laughs> All right. All right. The price and power of power and weapon foci is wrong in the early printings. Most most of first edition, it is wrong. A power focus is listed as 10,000 new yen per rating. It should be 100,000 per rating. Wow. Okay. A knife is listed as 18,000 per rating. It should be 180,000. A knife wow. for a calcum is 28,000. It should be 280,000. The reason being is because the most powerful focus is a straight up power focus. It will add its rating to whatever dice pool you want magically. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Magic pool, attack, defense, drain. It does it all. It's the Swiss army knife of magical stuff but they accidentally forgot a zero. And the knife, it is a magical weapon. It adds its rating to your attack rolls for using it if you are magically awakened, if you have a magic attribute. That can severely increase damage. That only costs 18,000 per rating. No, no, it's 180,000. And when you understand how much you can make on a run, that's nothing. 18 grand is nothing. It's crazy. Now, this was obviously a disastrous mistake because even a poor starting character, you, you, I, I didn't go through character creation, but you choose, you know, how, how much money you start with. Even if you start off poor, you can still have a power focus of three with this chart, which and is that's no nuts. joke. Yeah. <laughs> is nuts. That means your effective magic rating is nine. You start off with six. Power focuses increase your magic rating by by its uh, by its rank. So that becomes nine. That means you can cast powers of spells up to nine and still only take mental damage. And you get to add three to any magical roll anywhere. Well, as as a dice pool, but still, you get to add. You get to break it up however you want. Uh. A starting mage could, if you don't go super poor, go middle of the road or a little more, a little more, you know, money. You can get a, a level 10, which is game breaking. Yep. Absolutely game breaking. Everyone you hit with a spell dies. You just pump all 10 
in, into that. It doesn't matter. But what if he lives? He's not going to live. But he's got a big gun. He's not going to be able to use it. Because I'm going to pop his head like a zit. That's that's what that's what a magical focus of 10 does. It, it, it makes you an unstoppable nuke. No one's going to survive. And there we go. We did it. We're done. We have succeeded. So, so, there's one thing you didn't cover. What's that? Lots of things I didn't cover, but well, yeah, yeah, that, that is that's true. I, but uh, the, the one one thing that I always express when I talk about Shadowrun and mages and shamans is that if your team has a mage and the other team doesn't, you win. You win. Yep. Why? Because you can put all of those dice into your offensive pool. Yes. If the opposing team also has a magic user, you have to use some of your dice for defense, mm -hmm. which means you're not going to be the 50 caliber rifle you could be. You have to play defense as well, which means you can't blow your, your entire wad on an on a area effect attack spell. But and if of course, they don't have a wizard... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The street samurai is just there looking dumb. Like, I got all this cybernetics. Yeah, but that's great. I'm, I'm attacking your willpower, not your body. It's a mana spell, not a physical spell. Or even the, 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 uh, the, uh, the street samurai on your side is just looking like, you can do what? <laughs> yeah. Because now the flip side is if the other team has a mage or a shaman and you do not, it's time to get out of there. Yeah, you run away. Or, or you get caught and or die. You run away. And it's because of the dice pools. And if there's one thing I wish Edenug would have had time for, but it, honestly, he just didn't, doesn't have the time, is with, let's show these dice rolls. Not, not in the numbers, because I'm sitting there looking at his numbers, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of lists, and that's a lot of things. And I can imagine people saying, that's, that's just way too much. When you put those dice in your hand, and like, did you see how quickly he did it when I rolled those dice earlier? He's like, okay, you got two successes. Yeah, you got two successes. That drops it down one. Okay, I rolled this. It, dice rolls go by like that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's just unfortunate that the system has to be wordy in order for you to understand the step-by-steps. Yeah. Dice pools exist to give players finesse and options. Mm-hmm. If you, if you are in one-on-one -on -one fight, you will blow your entire dice pool on attacking. Oh, yeah. Because if you can kill him, you don't have to dodge, man. <laughs> if you just win, there's no dodging involved. Of course, if you roll poorly. <laughs> yeah, if you roll poorly, then you're boned. But let's say you're a human face going up against a troll, you're going to save a lot for defense. Yes. You do not want to get hit by a troll. Excuse me. You right. do not want to get hit by a troll. You could just die. Because right, I think I think the weakest troll is a strength of seven or eight. Oh wow, is that the weakest? I I, I haven't played so long. I don't remember. That I might think, be I right. The minimum the minimum attribute is is ridiculous. Uh, of course, because yeah, you weren't go, covering. Go over to uh, go over to the chat. Yeah, the, back in this edition of the game, that's also when metahumans had uh had weaknesses though too. So. So, uh, Reactionary Principal Gaming with Mr. Max Buffont, by the way, subscribe to his channel. He's got a new video out. Uh, cool. He says, that I like. Magic should be taxing on the caster and dangerous. I agree with that. Uh, I mean, oh, no. Minimum strength of five, minimum body of six. Minimum, oh, minimum strength of five. Oh, only yeah. five. The <laughs> weakest and scrawniest of trolls has the maximum possible physical, physical resistance that a human has. <laughs> 
So uh, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do think that uh, I like the idea of magic being not not um, not deadly to everybody. No, but, but potentially has. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because uh, it represents a lot of power. It should have it should have a lot of drawback. And just so everybody knows, no segment three today. Sorry. Yeah, because uh, we still have one more segment to go through and we're already over time. So, Actually, we don't need to go over that. So we don't need to do that segment. Don't, we don't okay. need to do it. Okay. Yep. Work, works for me. Um, well, then we have to do comments because uh, I have comments for you. Okay. Uh, what if you summon inside a nuclear reactor or cemetery? Well, one thing isn't going to happen. What about the second one? <laughs> okay. Well, if you summon in a cemetery, I think that would be... Um, Damn, you know what? Would it be a field? Technically, it would be a field, right? It's just a field with, could with, be? with dead bodies in it. I, I could see it being in the middle of the woods, or not middle of the woods, but well, I mean, in the middle of the woods because uh, a cemetery is a is a place that's clear cut where, where I grew up. A couple of decorative trees because they need all the surface area. Where, where I grew so up, it would be, it would be a, a field forest. spirit. Yeah, it would be I, a field spirit. Okay. I can just tell you where I grew up in Minnesota, we had to clean it out. We had Arbor Day at the freaking cemetery and it oh, was yeah. in the forest. It's unkept. It's, you know, nature's going to reclaim that shit. So. Yeah. I loved going there as a grade school student breaking that damn thing out. Um, Gross. Second. Are you looking at the different uh, locations? I'm trying to find the list of the spirits, list of the kinds of nature spirits. Um, they're probably in critters because you can fight them. Go, go ahead, keep going. Is there anything else? Nope, that that's it. Other than oh, oh. take that off the screen, and I will present this. And here are the comments from last week. Well, Heathen Dog's looking up that one. Uh, Marvel superheroes. We had a bunch of decent views, but we didn't have. Oh, did you see the message I sent you on Discord yes, about it? Okay, I read it. Okay, good. Um, the Crafting Gamer again, another channel you should subscribe to. Yep. Although apparently he can't do videos uh, right now because uh, oh. computer poo pooed on him or something. But uh, still got he's got a backlog of videos that you can watch, especially about Robotech. Uh, says I literally did not know there was more than two RPGs out there, Palladium and D&D, until I found Legion of Myth. I'm going to be repeating <laughs> really? this, repeating this phrase a lot. Add to the ever-growing list of games I want to play. This is about the uh, Marvel superheroes. Oh, okay. So it's funny. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna have two negative comments in a row. Well, one, this one's negative. The other ones, uh, we'll we'll see. I never played Marvel superheroes, but I owned the one E box set before I went to the army in February '86. I found the game poorly designed with bad power groupings that limited your ability to create any character that wasn't just a copy of some obscure Marvel character. Well, until Pum 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 became... I don't know what that means. Uh, that's, I don't know what Pum 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 is. Is that the player universe, power universal? So, I don't know. I, don't, uh, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what it means. And but, uh, what about I, the, I didn't find that at all. I mean, the first edition box, he's using basic. Okay, there, there, there are two different versions of Marvel superheroes. There's Marvel superheroes basic and Marvel mm -hmm. superheroes advanced. Set. And you were clear about that. I was clear. It was advanced. That was the picture. That was a picture I gave. It's advanced. See the advanced? Oh, it's a playbook. Never mind. <laughs> That's the judge's book. 
it doesn't say advanced on it, but it is, it is the advanced. If you open up the cover, it is the advanced set. The, the, so basic the box set, says it. Yeah, the, the box will say it. It'll say basic or advanced. And uh, yeah, in, in the I don't I never played the basic one, but I saw it. And he, if, the, he, if he's talking about that, he's right. It is very limited. That's why they came out with the advanced set. Because people were like, this sucks. I got like five different powers. Come on. I mean, don't get me wrong. The game's old and it yeah. is simplistic. And we're going to talk about that in the next comment uh, a little bit. But uh, I mean, there are very few games I actually hate based on the system itself. There are a couple of systems out there. I played. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this. But usually if I don't like a game, it's because uh, I mean, let's look at Dungeons and Dragons. It's because it destroyed the theme. It destroyed the lore, destroyed the canon, destroyed whatever term you want to use. That's my issues with it. Not that the game itself is bad. Heathen Dog and I, we don't differ necessarily uh, on this, but we neither of us are big fans of Savage Rifts. Uh, but where we do differ is I don't think that Savage Worlds is a bad game. Savage no. Worlds is, is a decent game. What I don't like is I just don't... Earth Dawn went there, although Earth Dawn's a little bit closer to Savage Worlds than Palladium is. Um, Palladium went there. You cannot convert the nuance of Palladium to Savage Worlds. You just can't do it. And it's a completely different game. Is it Rifts-like? Is it Palladium-like? Absolutely. It, is it... Can you really recreate the juicer there? No. No. Can you really recreate the uh, 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 Borg there? Well, that might be a little bit easier, but well, no. A little bit easier, but still not really. Because it yeah, doesn't I, I, have yeah. the same system that incorporates those thematic elements directly. You have to do it through role play, and that means you have to trust your game master, and you have to trust the player. The, yeah, yeah, the player. You really, you do. Yeah. So for me, it's not about system much. There are very few systems I look at and just say, no, I'm bored of D20. I'm bored of. Uh, you know, there is one system I don't like, and, and I've been a little bit more open about this recently. I don't like 3.0, D&D 3.0, or Pathfinder. I don't like it. Not that it's a bad game in functionality, but it needs to make up its mind. Are you going to be skill-based or class-based? You know, you know, I don't like 3.0. I would, I would sooner play 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons than 3rd edition every day of the week. But... Uh, but very rarely are our systems the problem for me because I think that the system, especially when it's a, a unique setting, I guess you'd say, kind of like the Marvel, the, the superhero genre. Mm -hmm. As long as the setting was built for that rule system or that rule system was built for that setting, you can almost never go wrong. So like the Shadowrun, I mean, based on what we were talking about today, the Shadowrun well, thing. Look at that. Uh, there, there's four basic types of nature spirit. Okay. Land, sky, water, and man. Oh, so okay. if you're if you're on if you're on actual earth ground, it's going to be a type of land spirit, okay. forest, prairie, whatever. If you are on a mountaintop, it's going to be a sky spirit or in the air. It's going to be a sky spirit. If you're on the water in a boat, in the water, whatever, in the middle of a lake, it's going to be a water spirit. If you are in any kind of cityscape, be it a town, a city, mm. uh, a township, whatever, it's going to be some kind of spirit of man. Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. I kind of like that breakdown better. Yeah. All right, All here right. we go. <laughs> this is the one I sent this one to Heathen Dog beforehand. Yes, I warned him about this one because I have thoughts, but I want him to him to go first. Yeah. Okay. Here so, we go. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna read it. I'll, I'll, I got this. Go I got it. this. I won't be getting this for the same reason. I won't be getting Palladium RPGs. They have too many attributes, skills, and abilities to conveniently track. It kills the incentive for players to use personal skill. I disagree with 
every word of this statement. And I'm going to tell you why. Saying that Marvel superheroes is complicated means you have had some kind of brain damage and you need help. Please get it. But every RPG has added complexity. Complexity brings two different factors. Complexity brings variation in gameplay and it slows down gameplay. For example, rolling against armor class is a complexity to hit. You have to factor in somebody else's armor class. You have to factor in your ability to your bonuses to hit. You have to find the right number and then roll it. That's a complexity. But it also, it, it, it slows down gameplay. It does. But it, it also gives the player an idea of how difficult it is to hit that opponent and they may change strategy. Another example. Uh, let's, let's use Shadowrun, what we just did. It is a much more complex game than Marvel superheroes. Dice pools add complexity. They both give the, the player and the game master variation in gameplay, but they also slow down gameplay. Some people say it slows it down too much. Some people don't. I, I understand both sides. Marvel superheroes is unique in almost in all of the, of the games we've done so far that it has complexity that only gives one slowdown. The only thing each of its complexities do is column shift. That's it. The complexity of having a skill or a, or a talent gives you a bonus column shift. Adverse environments give you a minus column shift. Anything pluses or minuses your column shift. And it's the judge's job to count that. All you have to do is roll a 10-sided die. You don't change the number. You don't do anything with that number. You move your finger. <laughs> you move your finger left or right a number of times and then say what color you got. All of its complexities use the same mechanic to slow down gameplay, column shifting. If you can get used to column shifting, you can get used to 90% of the complexity of this game. That's it. That is not hard. Now you're saying Palladium's hard. You're saying you might even say Shadowrun's hard. I can see that. It doesn't matter if I agree, I can see your point. And so I think it's valid. But if you're saying Marvel superheroes is complicated, you need help. I'm which, sorry. Go ahead. Which is going to have me start my second point, not my first point, because this is a segue into that one. Marvel superheroes was blasted in the 80s for being too simplistic. It was a game for kids. Oh, your kids will enjoy playing it, but adults are going to want something deeper. That was actually written, and it was a Dragon magazine. Mm. People thought people were like, "Well, Marvel superheroes, a neat idea, but you know the game system is pretty just. It's overly simplistic, and and people complained about that. So yeah, to say uh, in, uh, uh, yeah, to say that it's uh, too many attributes, skills, and abilities, a convenient track. If, try playing, try playing Heroes Unlimited, Mutants and Master Champions. Jeez, oh my uh, God, Champions, Hero System. 
even GURPS would just mystify you as as if it was Greek, right, or or ancient Sanskrit. Now, this this last sentence here it kills the incentive for players to use personal skill. My guess is that this person is in his fifties or sixties. He's a grognard who played, and I'm not saying grognard in a negative way. We're grognards. Yeah, just wait a. He's a grognard who played basic Dungeons and Dragons and is one of those people that sit out there and says it's about the player, not about the character. Well, this is why I I don't agree. No, I am. And I'm not saying second edition AD&D, even though that's true, but I am a second generation grognard. I think they got I mean, they keep changing the terms, but I'm not the beer and pretzel kick in the door. My tune does this. I am the Dragonlance era player which means I want role-playing. I'm playing the character. The character is not me. Right. So I don't have the set of skills my character has. So let's look at that. It kills the incentive for players to use personal skill. Are you going to sword fight me at the table? No. You don't, you don't have any skills in your personal life. Well, no, I can't say it positively, but likely don't have any skills in your personal life that will transfer over to someone in a fantasy setting. Right. Based in the base in the past or to to a superhero trying to, you know, beat up three ninjas. Right. I don't have skills for that. So I'm going to use my character skills and he um, his knowledge is greater than mine in this area. And there is a wall, a firewall that should be between my knowledge and his knowledge. Yes. And nothing should pass between. That's called role playing. Yes. That's all you got to do. Now, but but in this guy, possibly in this gentleman's defense right here, that's not how it originally started. It originally started that the player was everything. The character was just the thing because uh, because it came from wargaming. Well, the, the hobbies moved on since then. And there are some things, the evolutions of the hobby I like and some things I don't. One of the evolutions of the hobby I like is for me is the focus on the character is not me. So my skill doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm Garthon and I know about green lasers versus red lasers. It doesn't matter if, uh, if I know exactly how, how telephony standards should work in the real world. It doesn't matter if I'm a survivalist out there, a prepper who knows all uh, about hunting and yada, yada, the character stats on there, are what matter character now, stats and skills. Right. Now, I agree. There are some advantages to something like basic D&D, where a fighter is a fighter is a fighter, because heathen dog can play. You know, and I guess I say it's on Friday night chill stream all the time. I can play a, uh, a warrior that goes sword and board. So, you know that I'm going to be more defensive. He could go balls to the wall, two handed sword. I'm going to just max out my damage. Somebody else can ride a horse and poke him with long sticks and another person can have a bow. All of those are fighters. We didn't need different classes for them. I get it. But unless you're talking specifically about something like basic D&D, uh, the personal skill has nothing or little, very little to do with the game. This is why we allow characters who I wouldn't talk to in real life play high charismatic bards. This is why we let retards play mages. This is why we let Mortimer Snurd play fighters, because we're trying to role play something that's not us. So yeah, I mean your 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 personal skill doesn't mean anything, shouldn't mean anything to your character. Just to you. All right, a couple of quick announcements before we go here. We are way over this is the longest episode of RPG Digest ever. 
We have broken the record. Um, next week, so people know, Heathen Dog, again, as a reminder, is not going to be here. Nope. But Lord. I'm going to be here. And I'm going to talk with Grim about Whitechester, Prison City of the Damned. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, anything you want me to bring up with Grim, let me know. Now, for you folks, he's going to be about an hour late. I, 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 he can pop in whenever he's ready, but he said it'll be about an hour late. So the first hour is actually going to be me going through YouTube comments that I haven't answered in like last year. So, so, so well, three months. Yeah, well, however long it's been. Yeah, so I'm going to go through a bunch of YouTube comments and we'll you know, have some commentary on that until Grim gets here. That'll allow me to catch up for that uh, without, you know, trying to figure out how to handle this week. So there you go. Also, are you ready for the big announcement? Because what Grim isn't the big announcement? No. I know, right? What the hell? We've been holding on to this one for a minute because we've actually known. On the 12th of March, Kevin Sambita and Sean Owen Robertson are planning on being here, scheduled to be here with us finding some free time to join us here to talk about things that are going on with Palladium books. It's the one that, you know, obviously we know that unfortunate uh, death happened within the Palladium family. So we couldn't have them here towards the end of the year, but they're going to come here and they're going to talk to us about all the fantastic things going on with Palladium. That's right. The year Palladium books isn't over yet. So that's on the 12th of March yet again on our discord. If you have any questions, comments, concerns that you want us to bring up to Palladium books, um, there are a couple of things off the table. Number one being the OGL. Palladium's put out an announcement about that. It's not going to talk about it. Also, don't dive into the whole Robotech nonsense that happened like 10, 15 years ago. Again, we don't need to dig up ancient history for, you know, for stupidity reasons. But if you have real questions to ask them about what's upcoming, what about a ruling in a book? And yes, I've already put the feelers out there for Kevin and Sean because Heathen Dog hates shifters and he hates witches and he hates Diabolus. And I said, oh, Kevin. Kevin, please come here and tell tell Heathen Dog where he's wrong. How, why are they so horrible? No, or why, why, yeah, I, if he can tell me why they're good, and I'll go, okay. If I do that, look up. Asteroid's coming. <laughs> so, yeah, well, There's we'll no see. chicken little here. It's coming. I'm interested in this because I do like them conceptually, but I also understand where Heathen's come, Heathen Dog's coming from. One caveat is I don't agree with them at all on the Diabolus side of it, but like the but the the uh, the witch, the 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 summoner and the shifter from Rifts. Yeah, I I, I see why he says that they are a uh, a, a loaded gun waiting to explode, yeah, you know, a grenade waiting to happen. Yeah, a grenade with a pin pulled out, and you're holding it. One day you're going to drop it, and you're going to kill the entire group. That's what's going to happen. When's that so day? <laughs> i don't know so God once again it. next next week is grim and we're going to talk about whitechester cannot wait to have him we haven't talked to him in a long time and i'm really looking forward to that and of course kevin and sean on the 12th of march so again come to our discord links in the description below and post your questions please identify it somehow so that i can maybe i'll make a channel for that i think that'd be a good idea make a channel specifically for that mm, probably not yeah probably not but identify it for us so that, you know, it's not just buried somewhere and I will write them down. And then the last thing I want to say before we go out here is this video is going to roll you into GM's Elcove. He's running a Pathfinder 2 game. I like Pathfinder 2. Watch GM's Elcove run his game. I Watch. won't say he's the perfect game master out there, but dang it, there are some things that... Uh, just watch how he handles his game. I, he's one of the few people that I would tell you that watching the game actually isn't torture. Because normally watching people run games is torture. It's not torture. His players are decent. Again, 
you have to be in the Pathfinder mindset. They're going to do some rules lawyery things because it's Pathfinder, but he still keeps it going and he's worth watching. So check that out. I don't know what time it actually starts. Maybe it's like in five minutes or so. I think it is 530 my time, but it's going to roll into that. So uh, there we go. I don't have anything else, and we are way over time here. So uh, words of wisdom are, Stan, you know, my God, look at a clock and know what time it is. What are yours, Heathen Dog? <laughs> my words of wisdom are, uh, remember in, an, in a tabletop RPG what complexity is. It gives and takes. A good added complexity will give the player and game master more value than it slows down the game. A bad one will slow down the game more than the than the other benefits it gives so when you're judging a game based on based on the complexity of its rules remember each complexity is two things in one make the decision for yourself